Welcome to Choice Classic Radio, where we bring to you the greatest old-time radio shows. Like us on Facebook, subscribe to us on YouTube, and thank you for donating at choiceclassicradio.com. This is Ronald Coleman, inviting you to radio's most dramatic half-hour, Favorite Story. Every child dreams of traveling into a land where the inhabitants are all the size of toy soldiers, where a general can use the palm of your hand for a parade ground. But it remained for a clergyman in a little church in Laracor, Ireland, to bring this fancy to life in one of the most charming tales of our language. His name was Dean Jonathan Swift, and he used the fabulous voyages of a man he called Lemuel Gulliver to kid the living daylights out of the human race. This is one of the most fanciful satires ever penned, a devastating but delightful book that is as timely today as it was two centuries ago. The man who selected this as his favorite story is an Academy Award winner, the Paramount star Ray Milland. Dean Swift's Mr. Gulliver took four voyages in all. One was to the land of Brobdignag, where all the inhabitants were towering giants. One voyage was to Laputa, the land of the scientists where one philosopher worked for eight years to extract sunshine from a cucumber. A very famous voyage was to the land of the Huynims and the Yahoos, where the horses were the master race and human beings were tied up in stables. But the most celebrated voyage of all is the one you're going to hear as this week's favorite story. We're heading for the Isle of Lilliput, where the Lilliputians are as tall as one's thumb, and their behavior is pretty much on the same scale. So close your eyes, and before you know it, General Glumbuck, Galbasto Malialigu, Admiral Flimnap, and a great many other distinguished personalities will be climbing up your sleeve in the general direction of your ear. Here's Raymiland's favorite story, Act One. My story opens on a storm. Damn the club! It's the bell of a lid Hi, Hi, sir! Rock the head! Rock the head to starboard! We're driving against the reef! By some miracle, I alone was thrown clear of the stricken ship. I swam as fortune directed me, pushed forward by the wind and tide, until, when I was ready to sink from exhaustion, my feet touched ground, 
and I staggered onto a wide and desolate beach, so tired and weak that I dropped to the ground and fell into a heavy sleep. Then suddenly I seemed to hear voices pounding and throbbing in my ears, strange little voices. see before me a human creature no larger than my big toe, strutting on my chest and brandishing a sword at me. Oh, no, there's some folly worked by my tired brain. I'll rise up and wipe away this mockery. I can't move. I, I seem to be tied, strapped down. My hair is fettered to the ground. If only I could turn my head. I mean no harm to your people. Please, loosen my bonds so that I might stretch my limbs. Sorry, Man Mountain. Can't do it. I'd be hanged for a traitor. You see my position. But I must have food, General. And drink. I have a great hunger. And my thirst is terrible. Well, don't breathe so hard. Your, your chest heaves so I can scarcely hold my balance. I'm so sorry. And, and I think I'm growing a little sick with the motion. What were we discussing? My dinner, General. Well, yes. <clears throat> there I can oblige you, Man Mountain. 
While you slept, I arranged to have installed at the heel of your left foot a field kitchen where 60 of the king's finest cooks have prepared a meal for you. Oh, good. With your permission, the food will be conveyed to your mouth by means of ladders. Oh, splendid. Captain? Yes, General? Throw up the ladders and commandeer a troop of your bravest men to carry the food to the Man Mountain's mouth. And, uh, Captain, <laughs> you understand His Majesty's orders? Yes, General. A powerful drug, strong enough to retire 3,000 Lilliputians, has been mixed into the drink. Excellent. (laughs) Most delicious. Though your barrels look like our thimbles. Oh, delicious. The drug has taken effect. Now to work. And while I slept, a thousand engineers and carpenters set to work to build the greatest wagon ever conceived in Lilliput. And by means of pulleys, nine hundred men lifted me up. strongest horses, each nearly a quarter of an inch long, drew me to the city, where the king, standing on a scaffold erected to the level of my eye, saluted me and addressed himself uh, to my left ear. Man Mountain, will you swear a peace with my kingdom, and will you render homage to me, its king? I will, your majesty. Then here are the articles under which you will be granted your freedom. One, the Man Mountain shall not depart from our dominions. Without license from the king. Agreed. Two, he shall take the utmost care not to trample upon the bodies of our loving subjects or take any of our citizens into his hands without their consent. Well, of course not, of course not. Three, the Man Mountain shall be our ally against our enemies on the island of Lefescu and do his utmost to destroy their fleet. Destroy? Which is now preparing to invade us. Given at the Palace of Belfaborak on the twelfth day of the ninety-first moon of my reign. By Golbasto Molioligu, scourge of the universe, whose feet press down to the center and whose head touches the sun. That's me. Do you consent to these terms, Man Mountain? Most willingly, Your Majesty. Fine. Now release the Man Mountain from his bonds, so that he may swear an oath of allegiance. According to the custom of Lilliput. Ah, that's good. Mind if I stretch myself, Your Majesty? Not at all. What's that? I said not at all. Oh, thank you, Your Majesty. Uh, I'll sit down, Your Majesty. We're, uh, we're rather out of touch with each other, with me standing. Let the men mountain descend. Oh, now. Now, in order that your pledge may have effect, you must make the Lilliputian sign of trust. And how is that done, Your Highness? 
Place your right foot in your left hand, the middle of your right hand on the crown of your head, and your thumb on the tip of your left ear. Middle, right hand, thumb, there. I congratulate you and welcome you to Lilliput. Huh? Oh, 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 yes, yes. Man, not one thing more. Yes, Your Majesty. Do not be offended now, but we think it's prudent that you be searched. You Good. understand? A mere formality. Anything we take from you will be returned when you leave the country. A receipt will be issued you. Well, I have nothing to hide, Your Majesty. Well, still, I must insist that you turn out your pockets and place whatever objects they may hold in the great field to the right of us, which has been cleared for the purpose. Very well. My minister will write down a description of these articles for publication in our newspapers. Let us commence with your coat pocket, Man Mountain. Oh, great piece of cloth large enough to serve as a rug in His Majesty's throne room. My handkerchief, Your Majesty. A great silver chest the size of His Majesty's coat. Open it up, Man Mountain. As you wish, sir. It is filled with a kind of earth, a kind of, of, of brown. Now, your majesty. Under that, the chest. Now, what devil's substance is this? Men of my country sniff it for pleasure, sir. I don't believe it. Minister, let this chest be buried in the ground. Lest this strange powder get loose and afflict our whole nation. Yes, Your Majesty. Well, what else, Man Mountain? Turn out your pockets. Let's have it all. Yes. Let's see what he's got. Uh, I saw the bedroom. In the back of which extends several old holes, resembling the palisades before His Majesty's castle. Uh, only my comb, Your Majesty. And, last of all, this. Oh! Oh! A strange machine which appears to be a globe. Half silver and half some transparent metal. And on the transparent side, certain curious figures. By Clippers! He talks! Oh, oh, what, what is the purpose of this instrument, Man Mountain? Um, men of my land seldom do anything without consulting such a machine. It governs all their actions. It's called a watch. Oh, oh I understand, Man Mountain. Minister, let this machine be placed in the great park outside my palace. And let a temple be built around it. And let the people come and bow down to it. No one shall say that the Emperor of Lilliput does not recognize the great God Watch. By Quinbus, we're ready for Act Two. Ray Milan's favorite story, Gulliver's Travels. Like our friend Gulliver, I feel a bit tall in this company. So if you'll scale your imagination back to Lilliputian size, we'll continue the fabulous adventures of a man-sized man in a thumb-sized aisle. The usual high-tariff fee, 30 flicknocks, has been waived, so without cost to you, you are cordially invited to travel a few short glumgluffs uh, Mr. Gulliver, will you carry on?
by good behavior and a courteous observance of the laws of the land, I soon acquired the trust and confidence of the Lilliputians. I would sometimes lie down and let five or six of them dance on my hand, and the children delighted to play hide-and-seek in my hair. One day, the king ordained that I should have a new suit. The measurements were taken by the chief mathematician of the kingdom. Twice around the thumb is once around the wrist. Twice around the wrist is once around the neck. Twice around the neck is once around the waist. Therefore, if the man mountain will graciously submit his finger for measurement, we shall know the dimensions of his entire body. To be posted throughout the kingdom, wanted 500 seamstresses to fashion a shirt for the man mountain. Wanted 700 tailors to shape a coat for the man mountain. Wanted 600 cobblers. The man mountain requires a new pair of shoes. On the outskirts of the palace grounds, a great house was thrown up for me by 6,000 carpenters, masons, and other craftsmen working night and day, and in the fields surrounding, hundreds of cows, cows the size of bumblebees. When roasted whole, two of them made a mouthful. But alas, I had an enemy in those days, Flimnap, Admiral Flimnap of the Imperial Navy, who took a strange and sinister dislike to me. Your Majesty! Yes, Flimnap? This man mountain is a menace to our kingdom. Ah, when he walks, the earth trembles. Cracks appear in the ground, swallowing up your subjects. His head scrapes against the clouds, discharging rains which flood our rivers and drown our villages. I say the man mountain must be destroyed. I have heard nothing of these calamities, Admiral Flimnap. I think you are jealous of him because he has allied himself with us against the Bethescans. What do you say of this, General Glumbach? I am inclined to agree with your majesty. The Man Mountain has announced a plan for the total elimination of the Blefescan fleet. And this does not sit so well with our admiral who desires the glory of such a triumph for himself. Bah! Mark you, this Man Mountain bodes no good for Lilliput. I warn you, he is a menace and must be removed. <laughs> I was curious to know more of this minute kingdom and petitioned the king to reveal its history to me. You see, Man Mountain, my kingdom has been engaged in a mighty war with the Blefescans for six and thirty moons. But, uh, what is your quarrel, sir? I'm about to tell you. If, um, if you'll be good enough, Man Mountain, to stretch out your fingers so that I might lie back and rest my head. Ah, thank you. Now then. As all men know, Man Mountain, in the old days, the way of breaking an egg was upon the large end. Oh? But my royal grandfather, who was only a child at the time, happened while opening his egg at the large end to cut his finger. Oh. Whereupon the emperor, his father, published a decree commanding all his subjects to break their eggs from that day on... At the small or safe end. Uh, small or safe end. Yes, you follow me, Man Mountain? Uh, perfectly, Your Majesty. Um, uh, eggs. Eggs. Many Lilliputians rose up against the small end edict. Oh, those were gory days. Very gory days. Thousands of people suffered death. 
rather than agree to break their eggs at the little end. Oh, dear, dear. And thousands more fled to the island of Lefescu and raised powerful armies and waged war against the kingdom of Lilliput. And now the Big Enders are preparing to attack us with a mighty fleet. Are you ready, Man Mountain, to assist in the defense of our empire according to the articles of your emancipation? I am ready to defend the state of Lilliput against all invaders, Your Majesty. I have devised a plan for the capture of the entire Lefescan fleet. Glorious, Man Mountain. Tomorrow at dawn, I shall perform the greatest naval maneuver in history. Single-handed. The Empire of Lefescu was an island separated from Lilliput by a channel about 1,800 yards wide, which at its deepest part was 50 glumgrubs. Uh, well, that's about four English feet. At dawn of the following day, I equipped myself with some, with some strings and fish hooks, and putting off my shoes and stockings, waded across to the harbour of Lefescu. I arrived at a Lefescu fleet, which consisted of 60 men of war and a number of transports. I fixed a hook to the bow of each ship, clipped off the anchor lines with my knife, and returned to Lilliput with the entire Lefescan fleet in tow. <laughs> the Lefescans were too amazed to offer any resistance whatever. Come back! Come back with our fleet! Please, come back! Come back with our fleet! In Lilliput, a national holiday was declared to celebrate my achievement. Yes, Your Majesty. I desire you to stand erect in our public square with your legs asunder while my armies pass beneath you in a victory parade. What a spectacle that was. A half billion Lilliputians lined the streets as the soldiers of Lilliput marched under me, 24 abreast, while His Majesty refused them seated on the buckle of my shoe. But my triumph was short-lived. Ah, the Blavescans are at our mercy. They know that with the great man Mountain as our protector and ally, we are invincible. Now, let us sweep away these big-end infidels. Just a moment, Your Majesty. I agreed only to assist you in the defense of your country. And now that the danger is gone... Well, the danger is never gone. While these Blefescan barbarians continue to break their eggs at the big end, I will eliminate them. I will turn their kingdom into a Lilliputian province. Only I shall rule. The scourge of the universe. That's me. Well, I'm sorry, Your Majesty. I refuse. This quarrel is... Is not worth the lives of innocent people. I beseech your majesty, send ambassadors to Blefescu to, to, to arrange a peace, an honorable peace. Traitor! I warned you, your majesty. I told you so. You did, Admiral Flimnap. Indeed, you did. General Glumbach. Put me in your pocket. If I was seen here at your house, my life would not be worth a plug flick knock. Well, uh, what brings you to me, General, in the, in the middle of the night? Your enemy, Admiral Flimnap, has convinced His Majesty that you must... That you must... Yes, yes. Oh, I, I hate to say it, Man Mountain, but you must be put to death. 
What? It's true. I have with me a copy of your death warrant. It reads, Since it is obvious that the Man Mountain is a big ender at heart, it is decreed that while he sleeps, he shall suffer to have his eyes put out by means of poisoned arrows, whereupon he will grow weak and, lacking food, die in misery. Signed, Galbasto Malialigu, Emperor of Lilliput. Though I might with my toe have kicked down the royal palace and crowned out with my heel the lives of a hundred Lilliputian men, I had no desire to harm these foolish little creatures. Instead, I made my way to the shore. It was my plan to wade across the channel again and seek haven with the Professors. But there, floating against the beach, was the longboat of the Swallow, driven across the waters from the reef on which we had foundered weeks before. It was oarless but seaworthy. I stuffed my pockets with food and scooped up from a pasture a half-dozen fine, fat Jersey cows, which I placed in my pocket. Then, without even a compass, I pushed off into the limitless sea. Days later, I was pulled aboard a merchant ship. Lord, take him aboard, men. Over the side. Captain John Biddle, sir, commanding the Dolphin, bound for England. Are you all right, man? By thunder. Another man mountain. Another what? Oh, no, nothing, Captain, nothing. My name is Lemuel Gulliver. I was surgeon to the merchant ship Swallow. We struck a rock and all hands went down. Huh? I managed to reach the longboat. I've been floating on the seas for days, for many days, watching for a sail and dreaming. Dreaming of men the size of my big toe. Hmm? Horses and cows I could put on my fingernails. Well, now you've had a nasty time of it, Gulliver. But some food and rest, time to forget. England again and you'll be a new man. Yes, dreams, strange dreams. Out there on the sea with only the sky for company, a, a, a man dreams. The Emperor's name. With Galbasto Mali Aligu. <laughs> Uh, take him below. Fix him a bunk, Mr. Williams. I'll get the ship's doctor. Aye, aye, sir. Come along, Mr. Gulliver. Aye, dreams. Marvelous. Incredible. Full sail ahead. Put her in the wind, my lads. Poor fellow. Oh, curious what the sun and open sea will do to a man's head. Captain. Huh? Excuse me, Captain. Hmm. You'd best have this, this man Gulliver's clothes burned. He's brought some strange insects aboard. Insects? Look, on the deck. Several of them have dropped from his pockets as he climbed aboard. <sighs> What are they, man? Beetles? Mosquitoes? Here, there's one at your foot, sir. Trample it out. Don't take it in your hand, son. It may be poisonous. Oh, nonsense. Let's have a look at it. Good Lord, man. This is a cow. A live cow. A quarter of an inch long. been listening to Jonathan Swift's famous satire, Gulliver's Travels, the favorite story of the star of so many screen hits, Ray Milland. Uh, we want to say right now that any resemblance to Lilliputians, living or dead, was purely coincidental. Our cast this week featured Carl Harbord as Gulliver and a celebrated assortment of famous voices from Hollywood's cartoon studios. Claude Sweeten and the favorite story orchestra tooted some strange and tiny instruments this week to march in the Lilliputian parade. All in all, it's been a delight to bring you Gulliver's Travels.
Next week, an intriguing love story. All the more fascinating because the people are real and the events actually took place. Myling. The tragic story of the woman who dared to love the most dangerous young man in Europe, Rudolf of Habsburg, crown prince of Austria-Hungary. It was chosen as the favorite story of Mr. Gregory Peck. When we bring you the moving romance of Myerling, we hope you'll be listening. Lux presents Hollywood. Lever Brothers Company, the makers of Lux Toilet Soap, bring you the Lux Radio Theater, starring Judy Garland in The Wizard of Oz. Ladies and gentlemen, your producer, Mr. William Keeley. Holiday greetings from Hollywood, ladies and gentlemen. I trust you've all had a perfect Christmas. Wonderful presents, uh, too much dinner, and lots of merry company. But sometime during the day, I'm sure you've said, Christmas really belongs to the children. And so, before they have to leave their toys and cowboy suits, we want to tell them a story. And you'll want to listen, too. Because it's The Wizard of Oz. One of those wonderful Oz books that we've all loved since they were written by L. Frank Baum 50 years ago. Metro-Golden-Mare turned The Wizard of Oz into a screen classic and a lovely little singer into a star, one of the most talented stars of Hollywood, Judy Garland. Audiences have asked her to be brought back again and again to be entranced by Judy's performance and those fascinating Oz characters, the Scarecrow, the Tin Woodsman, the Cowardly Lion and the delightful little people, the Munchkins. Now it's off to The Wizard of Oz, starring Judy Garland as Dorothy. This is the story of a girl named Dorothy, who lives with her aunt and uncle on a farm way out in Kansas. Her dearest friend is her dog, Toto. But Dorothy has other friends, too. The farmhands, for instance. Zeke and Hunk and Hickory. Hey, what's your hurry, honey? What's wrong? It's Toto, Hickory. Toto. Toto? Something wrong with that dog? Well, he looks fine to me. Well, he he is, Zeke, but he almost wasn't. Miss Gulch hit him just because he gets in her garden and chases her nasty old cat. Oh, sure, honey, sure. Only we're busy, see? I got them hogs to get in. Now, look, Dorothy, you just ain't using your head about that mean old Miss Gulch. You'd think you didn't have a brain at all. Hunk, I have so got brains. Well, you's a man. When you're walking home with Toto, just keep away from Miss Gulch's place. Your head ain't made of straw, you know. Gosh, Dorothy, that Miss Gulch ain't nobody to be afraid of. Have a little courage, that's all. Courage, Zeke? Why, sure. You know, like like me. 
Well, look who's talking. You, courage. There ain't a man in the county who scares easier than you. Well, well, uh, that's a fine thing to say. Look out, Zeke. That pig's gonna bite you. Well, what pig? Help, help! <laughs> you see what I mean? <laughs> now, cut that. Oh, scaring a man half to death like that. Here, now, here. What's all this jabber weapon when there's work to be done? It's about Toto, Eddie M. Miss Gulf says she's going to go and get the sheriff and... Then... I thought you and Hickory were supposed to be fixing that wagon. Oh, we are, Miss Gale. Hammer that ranch, Hickory. And feed them hogs, Zeke, before they worry themselves into anemia. Yes, ma'am. Now then, child, what's your trouble? Eddie M., really, do you know what Miss Gulf said she was going to do to Toto? She said she was... There you go again, imagining things. You know, you always get yourself into a fret over nothing. Oh, but this time... Now, you just help us all out this afternoon. Find yourself a place where you won't get into any trouble. i got to get back in the house. Yes, Auntie Em. Come on, Toto. Do you suppose there is such a place, Toto, where there isn't any trouble? There must be. Not a place you can get to by a boat or a train, but it's far, far away. Behind the moon, beyond the rain. Somewhere over the rainbow, way up high. There's a land that I heard. In a Hold on 
a second, Miss Gar. Surely you don't mean that. Why, that little that dog... That dog's a just... menace to the community. I'm taking that animal to the sheriff and make sure he's destroyed. Destroyed? Oh, no, no, please. You, you must... Uh, honey, we didn't know you were there. Toto didn't know he was doing anything wrong. I'm the one who ought to be punished, Uncle Henry. I let him go in her garden. There's a law protecting folks against animals like that. No, no, please. We can't go against the law, Doris. Now you're being smart. Give him to me. No, I won't let you take him. I won't. You're a witch, a wicked old witch. Doris? Oh, please, Auntie M, please. Oh, I got him at last. And there's nothing any of you can do about it. Oh, no. Oh, no. Come on, Dorothy. Cheer up, honey. Please, not. I don't feel like talking. Not to anybody. Not even to Toto? Oh, you know he's gone. You know Miss Gulch took him away. I know something else, too, honey. Toto must have jumped out of her basket and run back home because there's a little brown and white dog looking all over for you. Oh, oh Toto. Toto, you're back. Toto, Toto. Oh, I thought you were dead. They'll be coming after you. Miss Gulch and the sheriff, maybe. We've got to run away. Now, Toto. No one will ever find us or or take you away again. Yes, Toto. We've got to run away. It's getting dark, Toto. I I think maybe there's a storm coming. But we'll just keep going, won't we? We're not afraid. It's it's just like Zeke said. Courage. <laughs> I see what you mean, a wagon. A horse in a wagon and and a man. And there's a big sign on the wagon. Wait, I think I can see what it says. Professor Marvel. Acclaimed by the crown heads of Europe. Let him read your past, present, and future. In his crystal. Well, who might you be? Uh, I guess it's all right, Toto. He he looks like a nice man. Well, if you're not going to tell me who you are, suppose I tell you. But how can you? <laughs> Professor Marvel knows all, tells all. Your past, present, and future for 25 cents, a quarter of a dollar. Uh, two bits, if you prefer. Oh, I'm sorry, but I don't think I can afford it. Oh, so your name's Dorothy, is it? How did you know that? Well, on the one hand, perhaps I saw you in my crystal, and on the other hand, perhaps a fellow named Zeke passed by a while ago looking for you. Oh, I see. Uh, but don't you think for one minute I couldn't have figured it out for myself why Professor Marvel and his magic crystal have amazed royalty and peasantry alike the world over? Oh, please, Professor, can't we go with you and see all the crowned heads of Europe? Oh, do you know any? Uh, oh, uh, you, you, you mean uh, the sign on my wagon? I I don't suppose you could take just a, a little look in your magic crystal for me. For nothing, I mean. Matter of fact, young lady, I already have. Oh, just practicing, you understand. And you know what I saw? What? A woman. Tears in her eyes. Careworn. A woman looking for someone. And her name is... Uh... Uh, Auntie M? Kindly allow me to supply the answers. Her name is Annie M. Someone has almost broken her heart. Me? Well, someone she loved very much. 
And then just before the crystal went dark, I, I saw her put her hand over her heart and drop, drop down on the floor. Oh, no. No. You don't suppose she could really be sick, do you? Oh, I... I've got to go home right away. Go home? I thought you were going along with me. Oh, but I've got to get to her right away. Toto, come on, Toto. We're going up. Goodbye, Professor, and thank you. Don't waste any time. There's a windstorm blowing up. Oh, poor little kid. Hope she gets home all right. at all. Things are flying around so fast that I can... I can... Look! Miss Goats! <laughs> now she's on a broomstick. She is a witch. Don't worry, Toto. I won't let her... We stopped moving, Toto. We're standing still. Well, we can't stand still up in the middle of the air. We're going to fall. We are falling. We're falling. We're falling. We're It's a regular little village, and look, houses and streets and trees and fountains. <coughs> yes, you're quite right. That is our house over there. We must have bounced out when we landed. But what place is this? <coughs> I have a feeling we're being watched. I have another feeling we're not in Kansas anymore. Well, we must be over the rainbow. Toto, look. There's a big bubble coming down the street, and, and there's someone inside it. A lady, and she's stepping out of it. Oh, now I know we're not in Kansas. Tell me, please, are you a good witch or a bad witch? Me? Oh, I'm, I'm not a witch at all. I'm Dorothy Gale from Kansas. Oh. Well, I am a little muddled. The munchkins just summoned me because... It... Munchkins? You happen to be standing in the very center of their village, you know. And uh, they sent for you? Because some new witch has just dropped a house on the Wicked Witch of the East. See? Over there. Oh, but that's our farmhouse from, from Kansas. Now look where I point my wand. <gasps> two red slippers. Exactly. Two red slippers protruding from under the farmhouse. All that's left of the Wicked Witch of the East. And since it's your farmhouse, obviously you're responsible. Oh, you've made the munchkins very happy, my dear. If, uh... If you please, what are munchkins? The little people who live in this land. It's munchkin land, and you are now their national heroine. And who are you? Why, I'm Glinda, of course, the witch of the north. 
Which? But you're beautiful. Thank you. You see, only bad witches are ugly, and I'm a very good witch. Now, suppose I call the munchkin. Come out, come out, wherever you are. And meet the young lady who fell from a star. She fell from a star. She fell very far. And after she said is the name of the star. Well, munchkin, have you nothing to say to her? Where's the mayor? Oh, there you are. Uh, first of all, Miss Dorothy, a little floral tribute. Oh, what beautiful flowers. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Uh, there will be, of course, a parade and general celebration with a brass band and a regiment of cavalry. Meanwhile, oh, let the joyous news be spread. The wicked old witch at last is dead. <laughs> you as well. Rubbish. You have no power here. Be gone before somebody drops a house on you, too. Very well. I'll bide my time. As for you, my fine lady... You heard what she said. Be gone. I'll get you yet, my pretty. And your little dog, too. <laughs> Away, broomstick! Away! It's all right, munchkin. Don't hide your faces. She's gone. Now then, my dear, the sooner you get out of ours, the safer your sleep. Oh, I'd give anything to get out of ours. But how? Which is the way back to Kansas? Kansas? The only person who might know would be the great and wonderful Wizard of Oz himself. The Wizard of Oz? Is he good or is he wicked? Oh, very good, but very mysterious. He lives far off in the Emerald City... Did you by any chance bring your broomstick with you? Uh, no, I'm afraid I didn't. Well, then you'll have to walk. The munchkins will see you safely to the border. And remember, never let those ruby slippers off your feet, 
Or you'll be at the mercy of the wicked witch of the West. But, but how do I start for the Emerald City? All you have to do is follow that yellow brick road. Helper, munchkins, the yellow brick road. Helpers, attention! Follow the yellow brick road. Follow the yellow brick road. Follow the yellow brick road. Follow, 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 follow the yellow brick road. We're off to see the wizard, the wonderful wizard of Oz. We're here. He is the wizard of a wizard, if ever a wizard was. If ever, oh, ever a wizard was, the wizard of Oz is one because, 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 because of the wonderful things he does. We're off to see the wizard, the wonderful wizard of In a few moments, we'll bring you Act Two of The Wizard of Oz. And now, here is our Hollywood reporter, Libby Collins, to give us the Lux Radio Theater's movie news of the week. Tonight, John, it's the new Howard Hughes production, Vendetta, starring a lovely newcomer to Hollywood. She's Faith Demerg, and she's been given just the role her dark, exotic beauty calls for. This RKO picture tells the story of a family feud in old-time Corsica, and Faith plays the girl who vows to avenge her father's murder. Quite an intense melodrama, Libby. Isn't that a terrific set they built for the dueling scene? Oh, yes, indeed. No California landscape could quite convey the bleakness of that wild Corsican country. So they built the whole thing on a soundstage. Faith Domergue is photographed in dark costumes throughout. Of course, they set off her startling beauty all the more. There's a highly dramatic, uh, exciting quality about her acting, too. Well, she's quite a perfectionist, you know. Spent years of study before attempting her first screen role. And, John, Faith Demerick is a perfectionist about beauty, too. Naturally, her skin has to look soft and smooth in the close-ups. That's why she depends on daily facials with Lux Toilet Soap. She says it's a care that really works. Lux Soap is just right to protect delicate skin, Libby. No wonder so many famous stars say they wouldn't be without this gentle soap. Yes, John. Active lather does wonders for the skin. It's so easy to take a Lux Soap facial, too. You just smooth the rich lather well in, rinse with warm water, follow with a quick cold rinse, and pat with a soft towel to dry. It works like a charm to give your complexion quick new beauty. Yes, Libby, that's a tip for smart women everywhere. For thorough, protecting care, there's nothing finer than Lux Toilet Soap. When you see Faith Domergue in Howard Hughes' exciting new picture, Vendetta, notice the smooth perfection of her skin. You'll want to try her daily active lather facials. So why not get Hollywood's own beauty soap tomorrow? Remember, nine out of ten screen stars use fragrant white Lux toilet soap. Now, Mr. William Keeley, our producer. Act two of The Wizard of Oz, starring Judy Garland as Dorothy. <laughs> With the magic slippers on her feet, her dog Toto at her heels, and the little munchkins marching on ahead, Dorothy is on her way to the Wizard of Oz. They've reached the border of Munchkinland, and the little people have waved goodbye and disappeared. Well, Toto, now what? That? We're still on the yellow brick road, but now it goes in two different directions. Which way do we go? Pardon me, but that way's a very nice way. Who, who said that? <laughs> 
Oh, don't be silly, Toto. That's just a scarecrow in the cornfield. Scarecrows don't talk. On the other hand, that way is very pleasant also. Why, he did talk. Is there anything so unusual about that? Well, yes, there is. And why do you shake your head? I mean, both yes and no at the same time. Oh, that's my trouble. I never can make up my mind about anything. <laughs> oh? The fact is, I haven't got a brain. Take a look at my head, you see? It's straw. Just straw like the rest of me. But how can you talk if you don't have a brain? Oh, some people without brains do an awful lot of talking. <laughs> don't they? Yes, I guess you're right. Oh, what's he doing, your dog? Toto, why, he's licking your hand. Oh, that's what I thought. I, I guess I don't scare him, huh? <laughs> no, of course not. Yeah, I can't even scare a crow. They come from miles around. They pick off my straw for their nest. <laughs> it's not at all flattering. <laughs> I'm, I'm a failure just because I haven't got a brain. Well, what would you do with a brain if you had one? Do? Why, if I had a brain, I could... I could... I could while away the hours Conferring with the flowers Consulting with the rain And my head I'd be scratching While my thoughts were busy happening If I only had a brain I'd unravel every riddle For any individual In trouble or in pain with the thoughts you'd be thinking you could be another Lincoln if you only had a brain. Oh, I could tell you why the ocean's near the shore. I could think of things I never thought before. And then I'd sit and think some more. I would not be just a nothing, my head all full of stuff and my heart all full of pain. And perhaps I'd deserve you and be even worthier of you if I only had a brain. Wonderful. Just imagine a scarecrow singing and dancing. Why, if our scarecrow back in Kansas could do that... What's Kansas? Well, that's where Toto and I come from. And I want to get back there so badly that I'm going all the way to the Emerald City to get the Wizard of Oz to help me. Oh, wizard? Do you think if I went along, he could give me some brains, maybe... Oh, I think you'd better stay here. I've got a witch mad at me, and you might get into trouble. Oh, but I'm not afraid of a witch. I'm not afraid of anything. Oh, so maybe a light is match. Well, since you're made out of straw, I can hardly blame you for that. Oh, won't you take me with you, please? Of course I will. Gladly. Oh, Ray, I'm going to leave the cornfield. And see a wizard. <laughs> I hope. What are we waiting for? <laughs> We're up to see the wizard, the wonderful wizard of Oz. We hear he is the wizard of wizard. Scarecrow? Huh? Do, do you see what I see? Well, not knowing what you see, how can I say that what I see is what you... Wait a minute. Look, over there. That's just what I mean at the edge of the forest. It's a man. A man made out of tin and holding an axe. Come on, Dorothy. Be careful, please. You too, Tony. Look, look here. Here on the grass. An oil can. Did you say something? Oh, no. He did. Oil can! He said oil can. He wants me to oil him. My mouth! He said his mouth. <laughs> 
All right, just a minute now. Wonderful, wonderful. Am I, am I doing it right? Oh, yes, yes. What a relief. I've held this axe up for ages. But my goodness, how did you ever get like this in the first place? Oh, well, uh, about a year ago, I was chopping that tree when suddenly it began to rain. I rusted so solid, I haven't been able to move since. Well, you're perfect now. Perfect. Just bang on my chest if you think I'm perfect. Go ahead, bang on it. <laughs> Beautiful. What an echo. You see? Empty. The tinsmith forgot to give me a heart. No, no heart. heart. No heart. Oh. All hollow. And believe me, not having a heart, well, presents problems. When a man's an empty kettle, he should be on his metal. And yet I'm torn apart. Just because I'm presuming that I could be kind of human if I only had a heart. I'd be tender, I'd be gentle, and awful sentimental regarding love and art. I'd be friends with the sparrows and the boy that shoots the arrows if I only had a heart. Picture me a balcony above a voice sings low wherefore art thou Romeo I hear a beat how sweet just to register emotion jealousy devotion and really feel the part I'd stay young and chipper and I'd lock it with a zipper if I only had a heart well, I certainly see what you mean. You were whispering, you and him, while I was singing. Well, we were just wondering if you'd care to go with us to the Emerald City. Then you could ask the Wizard of Oz for a heart. But suppose he wouldn't give me one when we got there. Oh, but he will. He must. We've come such a long way already. Ah, you call that long, my pretty? Why, you've just begun. <laughs> Who's that? Who's laughing? The witch, the wicked witch. Well, my two fine gentlemen... Helping the little lady along, are you? Well, stay away from her. Oh, oh yeah? Stop a mattress with you, you straw man. And you, I'll use that tin carcass for a beehive. <laughs> Gosh, what a witch. Want to play ball, Scarecrow? Well, here. No, no, look out, it's a ball of fire. Fire, no, no, no. Stand still, stand still. I'll stamp out the fire with my ten feet. There. You can move now. Oh, much obliged, Tin Words. Oh, yes, we both are. But I'm still not afraid of her. I'll see that you get safety to the wizard now, whether I get a brain or not. Stuff a mattress with me. Ha! Mm. And I'll see that you reach the wizard whether I get a heart or not. Oh, you're the best friends anybody ever had. And it's funny, but I feel as if I'd known you all the time. You're just like Hunk and, and, and Hickory. I, I couldn't have known you, could I? I certainly don't see how. Uh, I guess it doesn't really matter. 
We know each other now, all right. That's right. We do. Then to Oz. To Oz. We're off to see the wizard, the wonderful wizard of Oz. We hear he is the wizard of Uh, th- does anybody happen to know where we are? Oh, uh, that's easy. We're in a forest. And I don't like it. It's so dark and, and creepy. <laughs> Toto, Toto, come back. Stay on the path. He sees something behind that bush. Yeah, 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 yeah. And so do I. I think I do, too. It's a lion. A lion. He's coming this way. Stay where you are. Uh... Put him up! Put up your fist! Ah! I'll fight you with one paw tied behind my back. I'll fight you standing on one foot. Stand up and fight! Ah! I'll swallow you first, you little peewee dog. Shame on you! You let that little dog alone! Let him alone! <laughs> Slap me for. <laughs> I didn't bite him. <laughs> oh, look, the lion. He's crying. Well, you tried to bite him. Well, you didn't have to go and hit me, did you? <laughs> Is my nose bleeding? Oh, of course not. My goodness, you're nothing but a great big coward. <laughs> you're right, I'm a coward. I haven't any courage at all. Do you suppose the wizard would help him to... I don't see why not. Why don't you come with us, Lion? We're on our way to see the Wizard of Oz and get the Tin Woodsman a heart. And him a brain. And I'm sure he could give you some courage. <laughs> Or wouldn't you feel degraded to be seen in the company of a cowardly lion? (laughs) I would. (laughs) No, of course not. Here, you you better take my handkerchief. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) You've been so nice to me. Now, please stop crying. I'll try. But, but how did you get this way in the first place, Lion? Well, if you can spare the time, it... It was like this. Yes, it's sad, believe me, Missy, when you're born to be a sissy without the vim and bird. But I could show my prowess, be a lion and not a mouse, if I only had the nerve. I'm afraid there's no denying. I'm just a dandelion, a fate I don't deserve. I'd be brave as a blizzard. I'd be gentle as a lizard. I'd be clever as a gizzard. If the wizard is the wizard who will serve, then I'm sure to get a brain, a heart, a home, the nerve. And let's be on our way without any more delay. That's just what I was going to say. <laughs> We're off to see the wizard, the wonderful wizard of Oz. We hear he is the wizard of the wind. Ha ha! Little do they know I too was hiding in the forest. I'll still get those ruby slippers. 
and then my power will be the greatest in Oz. And woe to those who try to stop me. I hope away. Look, everybody, look. Emerald City, oh, at last, at last. Emerald City, eh? Gosh, it's all green. And with charts and towers, and look how big it is. But how do we get in? This wall goes all around everything. Most certainly does. Look at the top of the wall. Oh, who are you? That's my question. Who are you? Well, if you'll let us in, we'll be glad to tell you. Let you in, huh? Well, you look harmless enough. Open the gates of Emerald City. <laughs> go in. The gates are opening. Well, that's the general idea of gates, isn't it? Kindly step forward and state your business. Uh, we want to see the wizard, please. The, 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 the wizard? Oh, but nobody can see the great Oz. Nobody's ever seen the great Oz. Even I have never seen him. Oh, please. The good witch of the north sent me here. Prove it. She's wearing the ruby slippers she gave me, you see? Well, bust my buttons. So she is. Then you'll take us to the wizard? There you go again. Wizard. Uh, well, uh, well, yes, of course, uh, wizard. Uh, meanwhile, you'd all better wait... I beg your pardon, sir. Well, well, what is it now? Good grief, man, can't you? I no one can serve the public square. Uh, who who wants The me? entire population of Emerald City. There's something going on, sir, and I don't like the looks of it. No, no, no. What's everyone so excited about? Don't you see up there in the sky? Huh? Well, that's quite a trick, isn't it? Dorothy, it's skywriting. Letters of black smoke all across the sky. Well, well, what does it say? It's the Wicked Witch. It says, it says, surrender, Dorothy. <laughs> Dorothy? Dorothy! <laughs> the Wicked will explain it to the Wicked! Yeah, yeah, yeah. Nobody's going to bother the Wizard now. The great and powerful Oz has the situation well in hand, I hope, so you can all go home. Go on, scatter. You draw flies. But, if you please, sir, we want to see the wizard right away. Certainly not. Not nobody, not no how. But she's Dorothy. The witch is Dorothy? Nope, not even you. Oh, please. Please, it's the, it's the only way I'll ever be able to get home. Not nobody, not know how. Annie M was so good to me, and I never appreciated it. Running away, hurting her feelings. What's that? Professor Marvel said she was sick. She may be dying, and it's, it's all my fault. <laughs> I'll get you to the wizard somehow. <laughs> He's crying, too. Oh, you see, I I had an Aunt M once myself. Oh, this is all highly irregular, but just follow me. Gosh, he just left us in this chamber. It's so dark and echoey, huh? He said the wizard would be waiting for us. <laughs> I'm closing my eyes. Did you just... Tell me when it's all over. <laughs> Silence! Who was that? I am Oz, 
The great and powerful. But, but we, we can't see anybody. Silence! You shall never see me. But if you please, we we must tell you something. Nobody ever tells me anything. I know everything. You, your little girl wants to go home. And you, Tinman? Yes, Your Honor. Clinking and clattering for the heart. And you? Me, your wizardry? A billowing bear of both being breakfast who beg for a break. And you, Ryan? Oh. He's fainted. Well, lie, lie and wake up. The wizard will be awfully mad. Oh, you ought to be ashamed of yourself. I'm frightening the poor cowardly lion like that when he came to you for help. Silence! The Lord has every intention of granting your request, but you must first prove worthy. Oh, we will. We'll do anything. Very well. Bring me the broomstick of the wicked witch of the West. Oh, but, but if we do that, why, we'll have to kill her to get it. Bring me her broomstick and I'll grant your request. Well, what if she kills us first? <laughs> Silence! Leave the great gate of Emerald City. Follow the arrow clock on the forest and head to the witch's castle. Now go, go, and return if you can. The haunted forest, the witch's castle. Well, I, I guess there's nothing else to do. But go. That's the spirit, Dorothy. Come on, Lion. We're not afraid. We'll get that old broomstick. <laughs> <laughs> and they think I don't know about it. They think they'll take me by surprise. Ah, at last I'll have them in my power. The little girl, her nasty dog, and the magic ruby slippers. <laughs> in just a few moments, we'll bring you Act Three of The Wizard of Oz. I particularly want you to meet our guest for tonight, uh, Paula Stone, writer-producer for MGM Radio Attractions. She'll bring us news of the world premiere in Hollywood last Wednesday of Metro-Golden-Mare's great picture, The Magnificent Yankee. As commentator at the premiere, you interviewed the many stars who attended, didn't you, Paula? Yes, I did, Mr. Keeley. It was one of the most thrilling evenings I've experienced. Over a hundred stars were there. To cheer for Louis Calhoun and Anne Harding, of course. Oh, yes. Everyone was so enthusiastic about the picture. And the superb performance turned in by Louis Calhoun as Justice Holmes and Anne Harding as his devoted wife. There's a picture as rousing as a brass band. The distinguished career of one of our greatest men is presented in the authentic atmosphere of our nation's capital. Why, you actually feel the march of stirring events. It's an exciting treatment of our recent history, but it's also a beautiful love story. Yes, indeed. The deep attachment of Justice Holmes for his wife is something to warm the heart. Anne Harding brings dignity and beauty to her role in The Magnificent Yankee. And she's completely charming and very lovely, too. Of course, as you might expect, like so many famous stars I interview from time to time, 
She gives credit to Lux Care for her skin and just keeping it right for the cameras. Well, after all, Miss Stone, it's Hollywood's own beauty soap, you know. Oh, yes, Mr. Kennedy. And Lux Soap in the big bath size is just as popular. I know I wouldn't be without it. There's nothing more luxurious after a busy day than a refreshing Lux Soap bath. There's something special about the lather. Rich and creamy, even in hardest water. Yes, it leaves skin really fresh. Fragrant, too, with a nice, delicate perfume. No wonder screen stars prefer this satin-smooth bath kick. Thank you, Miss Paula Stone, for being here tonight. Now, here's a shopping hint for the ladies in our audience. Get the generous bath size Lux Toilet Soap tomorrow. Enjoy its luxurious lather and delightful perfume. You'll discover why screen stars say it makes you sure of all over Lux loveliness. Nine out of ten... Famous Hollywood stars use fragrant white Lux toilet soap. We pause now for station identification. This is CBS, the Columbia Broadcasting System. Curtain rises on Act Three of The Wizard of Oz, starring Judy Garland as Dorothy. Well, if Dorothy is ever to get back home to Kansas... And if I'm ever to have a brain... And me a heart... And me courage... Then Dorothy must first get the broomstick of the Wicked Witch and bring it back to The Wizard of Oz. But if the wizard knows everything, the Wicked Witch, unfortunately, knows quite a lot herself. Now, in her bleak and dismal castle, she gloats over a newly captured prisoner. <laughs> Excuse me for laughing, but it was so easy to capture you that I can't help it. At least my friends got away. Toto, too. What do I care about them? It's you I wanted. You and the magic ruby slippers. I had every warrior slave in this castle on the watch for you. Now give me those slippers. No, no. The good witch told me not to. Fool that I am. I should know the slippers will never come off as long as you're alive. You... you mean... Ah! Now how shall I do it? I think I'll make up a special batch of poison. Yes, that ought to do it. Some nice, fresh poison. <laughs> <laughs> Look, it's Dorothy's dog. Sitting there, Ryan, look. Oh, we're gonna now, all right. He'll lead the witch's soldiers right here to our hiding place. No, no, he's come to take us to Dorothy, up there in the castle. We can't fail her now, we can't. I'll go. Witch or no witch, I'll tear him apart. I'll knock him cold. I may not come out alive, but I'm going in there. Oh, Ryan, that, that, that's wonderful. There's only one thing I want you fellows to do. What's that? Lord, talk me out of it. <laughs> oh, no, you don't. Come what may, we're going to rescue Dorothy. All right, Toto, show us the way. This is the room. Toto snipped her out. Dorothy? Who is it? It's us. We've come to save you. Open the door. I can't. She's locked me in here. 
Tin Man, your axe chopped down the door. But that'll make a noise in the garden. Who cares about the guards? We'll save you, Dorothy. We'll save you. She'll be back any minute. Hurry, please. Here goes the door. Stand back, Dorothy. Oh, I knew you'd come. I knew it. And Toto, Toto. Oh, we'll have you out of this castle before you can say, Jack The witch, the wicked witch. My little party's just about to begin. God, seize them, seize them. Thought you were being pretty foxy, huh? Now I've got the whole lot of you. Let's see. How shall I start the fun? You first, Scarecrow. <laughs> How about another ball of fire? No, 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 Oh, thank you, Dorothy. Thank you. Oh, you cursed brat. You've killed me. You've killed me. Nonsense. I, I just happened to splash some water on you, too. Oh. Look. The witch. She's melting. Oh, what a world. What a world. Who would have thought that a good little girl like you could destroy my beautiful wickedness? I'm going. I'm going fast. Oh. She is gone. Look, nothing but a little steaming puddle. She dead. You killed the wicked witch. But I didn't mean to kill her. I I didn't know that water. Was... You don't understand. Now we're all free. She enslaved us. But now her spell over all of us is broken. Hey! All hail to Dorothy. The wicked witch is dead. Hey! 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 Thank you, and if you don't mind, may I please have her broom? Here, take it with you. Now we can go back to the wizard. And tell him the wicked witch is dead. Bonwood to Emerald City. She's gone where the government goes. I still can't believe my eyes. You've come back. Back to Emerald City. And we did exactly what the great Oz told us to do. Here. Here's the witch's broomstick. And now, if you don't mind taking us to the wizard... You see, he promised us... Uh, yeah, promised to all your broomstick. What an unhappy situation. Unhappy? After all, we've gone... Oh, I, I'm glad there's no one else around to hear this. Hear what? Oh, little girl, there is no great and powerful wizard of Oz. That is, I am the wizard. But he spoke to us himself. I spoke to you. Oh, it was no great trick, a dark room, a few smoke powders. Your, your own imaginations did the rest. Why, you... you humbug. Exactly. Oh, you're a very bad man. Oh, no, my dear. I'm just a very bad wizard. <laughs> what about the heart you promised Tin Man? And Scarecrow's brain. Well, anybody can have a brain. That's a very mediocre commodity. Well, I don't have one. Then listen a moment. Back where I come from, we have great universities where men go to become deep thinkers. And when they come out, they know how to think just fine. And with no more brains than you have. What? But they have one thing you haven't got. A diploma. Therefore, by virtue of the authority in me vested by the Universitatis Committee, um, I hereby confer upon you... The honorary degree of T.H.D. T.H.D.? Doctor of Thinkology. Here's your diploma. Oh, oh, Scarecrow, how wonderful. Well, 
for what about me? I'm still a coward, I think. Of course not. You are merely under the unfortunate delusion that because you run away from danger, you have no courage. A simple matter of confusing courage with wisdom. <laughs> oh, joy, oh, rapture, I've got a brain. <laughs> Back where I come from, Lion, we have men who are called heroes. Yet they have no more courage than you have. But they do have one thing you haven't got. A medal. Medal? Therefore, for meritorious conduct and conspicuous bravery against wicked witches, I award you the Triple Cross. The Triple Cross? Oh, shucks. It was not for me. You are now a member of the Legion of Courage. As for you, my galvanized petitioner, you want a heart. You don't know how lucky you are not to have one. Hearts will never be practical until they can be made unbreakable. I still want one. Back where I come from, there are men who do nothing but good deeds all day long. And their hearts are no bigger than yours. They're called philanthropists. But they have one thing you haven't got. A testimonial. Testimonial? Therefore, in consideration of your kindness, I present you with this small token of our esteem and affection. A heart. It is a heart. Just remember that a heart is not judged by how much you love, but by how much you are loved. Listen, it ticks. My heart even ticks. But what about Dorothy? You, uh, you still want to go back to Kansas, hmm? Oh, I do. I do. I wish I could help you, child, but I can't. You, you mean uh, I'll never get home? But it, it, it's really rather pleasant here once you get to know the place. And we want you to stay, Dorothy. You see, we love you, you and Toto. And I love you, but what am I to do? What was that? Look what's coming. A bubble. Who's been blowing bubbles around here? Hey, there's somebody in it. It's Glinda. Glinda the Good Witch. Oh, help me. Help me. You don't need my help, child. You've always had the power to go back to Kansas. I have. Then why didn't you tell her before? Because she wouldn't have believed me. She had to learn by herself. Have you learned, Dorothy? Well, I... I think that... That it wasn't enough just to want to see Uncle Henry and Auntie M. And it's that... If I ever go looking for my heart's desire again... I won't look any further than my own backyard. Because if it isn't there... I never really lost it to begin with. Is that right? That's all it is, my dear. Now, your magic slippers will take you home in two seconds. Oh, that, that's too wonderful to be true. Only it's, it's going to be so hard to really say goodbye. I, I love you all so much. Goodbye, Tim Man. Oh, don't cry. You rust so dreadfully. Now, I know I have a heart. It's breaking. Goodbye, Lion. Oh, I know it isn't right, but I I'm going to miss the way you used to holler for help before you found your courage. 
I never would have found it if it hadn't been for you. <laughs> Scarecrow, I think I'll miss you most of all. Goodbye, dear friend. Are you ready now? Yes, I'm ready. Say goodbye, Toto. Now close your eyes and think to yourself, there's no place like home. There's no place like home. There's no place like home. There's no No place like home. It's Aunt Em, darling. Oh, Henry, look, she's opening her eyes. Oh, Annie M, it is you. Yes, darling. Hello there. Can I come in? I just dropped by because I heard the little girl got caught in the big cyclone. Well, got a I... bad knock in the head, Professor Marvel, but she's coming around now. We, we thought for a minute she was going to leave us. Sure had us worried, Dorothy. <gasps> Why, you remember me, your old pal, Hunk? Oh. And me, Hickory? You couldn't forget my face now, could you? Zeke, I, I must have been dreaming. I, I was in a place far away, and, and you, and you, and you, you were all there. We were? But you, you couldn't have been, could you? Oh, we dream lots of silly things, dear, when we... No, Aunt Anne, this was a real, truly live place. And all I kept saying to everybody was, I want to go home. And they sent me home. <laughs> oh, Toto, you believe me, even if nobody else does. Of course we believe you, Dorothy. Oh, anyway, Toto, we're home. And this is my room. And, and you're all here. And I'm never going to leave here ever, ever again. Because I love you all. Oh, Annie M., there's no place like home. Someday I'll wish upon a star and wake up where the clouds are far behind me. Where troubles melt like lemon drops away above the chimney tops. That's where you'll find me. Goodbye to the Wizard of Oz, and congratulations to our lovely star, Judy Garland, and those remarkable characters from the land of Oz. 
Judy, we can't tell you how much we appreciate your giving up Christmas with your family to appear on the Lux Radio Theater. Oh, thank you, Bill, but I didn't really. You see, I brought my three-year-old, my four-year-old daughter, Liza. <laughs> says three in the script, but she's really four. <laughs> oh, gosh. <laughs> I'd like to meet her. I'm afraid you're too late, cowardly lion. Liza fell in love with a scarecrow. He's teaching her to dance. Where is he? Let him put up his fist. I'll fight him with one paw tied behind my back. <laughs> Imagine only three uh, or four years old. <laughs> and there's two men fighting over her already. Well, that's because she's a luxe girl, Bill. Just like her mom. Well, I can see you're bringing her up right, Judy. Now what are you girls going to do? Go home and eat more turkey? Oh, no. Positively no more today. But I promised Liza if she was a good girl, I'd take her to the movie tomorrow. Well, why not take her to see Esther Williams in the Pagan Love Song? Metro-Golden-Mare's new musical. That sounds good. Liza loves singing and dancing. Then be sure she listens in next week, because we'll have another holiday special. Two of Hollywood's brightest musical comedy stars, Ginger Rogers and George Murphy. And we'll present them in Metro-Golden-Mare's recent musical screen success, The Barclays of Broadway. Oh, well, we won't miss it, Bill. Good night. Good night, Judy. And may your new year be a very happy one. Who is this Hollywood star? One of three beautiful sisters. She's written a best-selling book on charm. She's the glamorous mother of four lovely daughters. A glamorous mother of four? Uh -huh. How about Joan Bennett? <laughs> right. And the girls are always as perfectly groomed as Joan herself. Of course, she insists on Lux care for all their washables as well as her own. Everything from dainty party dresses to two-year-old Shelley's gay cotton play clothes. Hollywood stars love gentle Lux because it keeps colors new-looking so much longer. Take a tip from Joan Bennett. Get a big box of Lux Flakes tomorrow. Give all the children's Christmas washables that lovely Lux look. Lever Brothers Company, the makers of Lux Toilet Soap, join me in hoping that you've all had a joyous Christmas. And be sure to join us again next Monday night when we'll present Ginger Rogers and George Murphy in The Barclays of Broadway. This is William Keeley saying good night to you from Hollywood. Our play was adapted by S.H. Barnett and our music was directed by Rudy Schrager. Stay tuned for My Friend Irma, which follows over these same stations. This is CBS, the Columbia Broadcasting System. This is the Let's Pretend story of King Midas. Come Everybody here is all ready and waiting for a story. And this time, our story is a wonderful old legend, which Nathaniel Hawthorne made famous. King Midas and the Golden Touch. But first, how shall we travel to Let's Pretend and the kingdom of King Midas? It's Emily's turn today to say how we go. I've always wanted to go someplace on a merry-go-round. The trouble is, they just go round. Well, let's get us a magical merry-go-round that not only goes round, but winds up at Let's Pretend. Magical Engineers, a great 
splendid merry-go-round with dozens of horses, please. One, two, three. Oh, boy, look at that. Step right up, ladies and gentlemen. Use your favorite horse. And here we go. Once upon a time, there lived a very rich king whose name was Midas. He had a little daughter whom he named Marigold, and he'd chosen this name especially because it had gold in it. And gold was the thing he liked best in all the world, next to the little princess herself. The royal treasure room was filled almost to overflowing, but King Midas was always trying to figure out ways to get even more gold. Right now, he's talking to his Lord Chamberlain, Catalan. War. Hmm. That's one way to get gold, Catalan. But if I declared war on some country or other, some of my soldiers would be bound to be killed. That's right, sire. Of course, there are plenty of kings who wouldn't let that stop. Oh, I'm too soft-hearted, that's all. Let me think. Taxes. There's another way to get gold. Why don't I declare a whole long list of taxes, Catalan? Because you have a heart of gold, Your Majesty. You don't want your subjects to suffer. Heart of gold? And what good does that do me? Can I put that in my treasure room? Wait? Feel it in my hand? Well, no, sire, but... And that alchemist, Professor Messer, is he making any progress at all in turning brass into gold? Well, he's certainly trying, Your Majesty. Day in, day out, he works with those chemicals and potions... So far, of course, there's been nothing but explosions. Oh, how true. We could almost set the palace clocks by those explosions. You don't suppose that today he could have really hurt himself? I'm, I'm sorry, Your Majesty. Uh, that was just a slight miscalculation. I know, yeah. Professor Messer, I know. And it's all right so long as you're not hurt. No, 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 Your Majesty. And I take it you're no farther towards finding a magic formula for making gold than you were yesterday or a year ago yesterday? Oh, remember, sire, we seek to unlock the riddle that has baffled mankind for centuries. We can't hope to find the answer in an hour, a day, or a year, even. Can we hope to find it in a lifetime, even? That's what I'm beginning to wonder. And if we don't, sire, the search is what counts. The search is not what counts. It's the gold that counts. The gold! The gold! Oh, why is it so difficult? Why must one collect Gold so slowly, so painfully. I'll, I'll go back to my tables at once, sire, and, and see if I can't find this morning's uh, mistake. Have faith, your honey. Oh, oh, excuse me, your honey. Oh, good morning, Professor Messer. Why, couldn't you look worried? Oh, yes, yes, yes. It's the gold, the gold. That's what counts. Merry gold. Come in, little daughter. You're not too busy right now, father? Never too busy for a good morning kiss from my little merry gold. How are you this morning, darling? Oh, I'm fine, Father. And look, I brought you a present from the garden. Buttercups and daffodils. Aren't they pretty? Very pretty, little one. Just color of gold. And just think, if they really were gold, ah, then that would really be a bouquet worth picking. Oh, Father, no, don't say that. 
They wouldn't be nearly so nice if they were gold. Not nice? Why, they'd be worth a small fortune. Just this bouquet would be worth a king's ransom. But, Father, he don't need to be ransomed from anybody, so what use is more gold? What use? Child, you talk of things you don't understand. Come, kiss me goodbye and run along and play. Father, couldn't you come out to the garden with me for a while? Out in... Heavens, no, Marigold. It's time now for me to go to the treasure room with Catalan here. Oh, Father, every day you go down into those dark, cold vaults. Why do you have to go every day? I have to count my gold, little daughter. Oh, don't look so forlorn. It's for you I'm collecting it, so you'll always have everything you want. I have everything I want right now, except to see you more often. Well... Well, just wait, Marigold. When I've finally collected enough, then we'll be together all the time. Well, all right. It just seems like you never have enough. Goodbye, Father. Goodbye, Catalan. Goodbye, little princess. Begging your pardon, sire, but your daughter is really a very intelligent child. What? You don't have to beg my pardon to say that, Catalan? What do you mean? I only mean you do have a great store of gold. Surely you don't need more. That is to say... Are you against me too, Lord Chamberlain? Is everyone against me? You, the alchemist? Doesn't anybody but me really care that we have enough gold? Uh, Yes, of course, Your Majesty. Well then... I'm sorry. Come along to the underground vaults and help me count what's there already. Uh, Ten thousand and fifteen golden bowls. Ten thousand and fifteen. And how many bags of gold did you say, Catalan? Two million, sire. Two million. Hmm, that is a goodly number. Most men would call me wealthy indeed at this very moment. They would indeed, sire. But it's not enough, not enough. Have you added up those tallies, Catalan? I'm sorry, Your Majesty, but I can't see the figures here in the vault. If you would allow me to bring in a torch... No! I've told you before, Catalan. I like this room to be lighted just as it is. That single beam of sunshine coming in from that small opening in the ceiling looks like a shaft of pure gold. Yes, Your Majesty. Perhaps if I stood in that corner, I could see to ask... No! You may take the tally sheets into the next room, Catalan. Come back in with them as soon as you have the total. Yes, sire. Golden bowls. Bars of gold. Gold in bags and gold in boxes. But it's not enough. It's hardly a handful compared to what I might have. Oh, I want all the gold in the world. All of it. What was that? It seemed to come from that corner where the sunbeam falls. But greetings, King Midas. Good saints above. A figure in the sunbeam there. Is it a dream? No, King Midas, it is not a dream. I am Aurum. Aurum? A spirit of gold, my king. The spirit of gold? No wonder your whole appearance has such gold and radiance about it. Why, why have you come to me? Heart and soul, you have concentrated on me, King Midas. And there are few rooms this size on earth that contain so much wealth. Well, that may be. 
But after all, when you consider that it has taken me my whole life to get it together, it's really only a trifle. You are not satisfied, King Midas? Alas, far from it. And pray, what would satisfy you, my king? Think well, perhaps I might help you. You would? Oh, what shall I ask for? How shall I make the wish really worthwhile? That I find a gold mine? That the alchemist... No, I have it, the very thing. Well then, Aram, spirit of gold, I am weary of collecting gold with so much effort and pain and toil. I wish, I wish, everything that I touch to be changed into gold. The golden touch. Oh, oh, you deserve some credit, my my friend, for a shrewd idea indeed. But are you quite sure this will make you happy? How could it fail? You're sure you'll never regret it? How could I? Very well. Be it as you wish, then. Tomorrow, with the first rays of the rising sun, you will find yourself gifted with the golden touch. Farewell. God. A moment ago, he stood there and spoke. Now he's God. But is it true what he promised? Tomorrow, tomorrow at sunrise, will I have the golden touch? Oh, dear. Oh, I wish that for just one morning that rooster wouldn't... Morning! Today's the day! Landers! Oh, Landers! Confound that valet! Never around when you want him! Landers! Sire, is there something wrong? What do you mean, is something wrong? And why aren't you properly dressed? Sire, it isn't even daylight yet. The sun... Never has... mind! Get out of my way! Let me touch something! But, uh, why... Uh, why touch something? I'm afraid I don't... Let me see. Uh, the bell cord! Those tassels would look very fine if they were gold. Huh? Nothing happens. Sire, if you want the maid, it takes her a moment, you know. The maid? Why should I want the maid? But you rang the bell, sire. Yes, Your Majesty, what is it? It's no good. It didn't work. Why, yes, sire, the bell worked perfectly, and I came as soon as I could. What's happened? Nothing has happened. That's what? What's the matter with you two? Why are you standing there staring at me as though I'd lost my mind? Uh, sire, you've never been up so early before... For one thing... Why, the sun isn't even up yet, Your Majesty. The sun isn't... Ah, with the first rays of the rising sun, he said. It's dawn, but the sun hasn't yet come over the horizon. That's all. Yes, sir. Well, well, get along now, girl. It, it was a mistake. Uh, I don't need anything right now. Go along. Yes, sir. Thank you. Uh, you, Landers, fix the shaving things. Pour the water. I'll shave myself. Yes. Sire. Here you are, sire. I can shave you if you wish me to. No, 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 no. Keep myself occupied while I'm shaving. <laughs> Any sign of the sun yet, Landers? Uh, it's just barely visible at the horizon, the merest rim. Soon, soon. I'll know very soon. By Juno, Hera, and Mercury, it's happened. The water, the water turned to gold at my touch. Landers, Landers, look, the water's turned to gold. I beg your pardon. Hallelujah, the child.
Find a pitcher, quickly! Hurrah! Now it's a gold pitcher! <laughs> now I'll try the bell cord and the velvet tassels! Now it's a gold bell cord <laughs> and gold tassels! Great heavens, what's happening here? Can't you see what's happening? My clothes, Landers, bring them to me quickly! Well, uh, yes, yes, of course, sire. Your fresh linen shirt, sire. <laughs> and my linen shirt is soft, spun, gold. <laughs> my trousers, hurry. Oh, uh, yes, uh, sire, your grey satin trousers. And satin turns to gold, too. Now my boots, my boots. Your leather boots, sire. And they're gold. Gold? Real gold, sire? Real gold, of course it's real. It is. Yes, of course it must be. It's bound. The alchemist, Professor Messer, he'd know. He could test it in a second. This boot. I'll take him this boot. But, Your Majesty, you've only one boot on. Oh, never mind, never mind. I've got to take this other one to the alchemist. And then, and then, if it is real, oh, wait till Marigold sees what I can do. Sire. The draperies turn to gold. <laughs> As I touch them, the draperies gold. Oh, Professor, Professor Marigold. <laughs> you're doing at once and look, look at this boot. Uh, your Majesty, uh, just one moment. Uh, don't come in just now. Is it real gold? That's all I want to know. Oh, oh, your Majesty, that flying glass. Cover your eyes. Run, run. Oh, oh, oh. oh I can't look. Oh, are, are you cut, your Majesty? Are you hurt? Oh, uh, Cut? Hurt? No, I should be. That glass flew right at me when your experiment exploded. But look, Professor, look at those broken pieces of your glass vessels now. Look at them on the floor. Look? I... Wait. But, but, but that's gold. It, bits and pieces of gold all over the floor. Every piece of glass that flew out and hit me is gold. Gold? It, it worked. I've... I've done it! I found the magic formula that alchemists have been striving for for, for centuries! I! I found it! What? No. Now wait a minute, Professor. Yes, 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 yes. Wait a minute. Oh, oh, what did I put in the glass vessel today that was different? How did I do it? Oh my, what did I, what did I do? I had listen, listen to me a minute. You didn't. I did. I'm responsible for that glass changing to gold. What? Oh, 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 yes, yes, I know, Your Majesty, yes. You've supported me all these years. You made the discovery possible. So what did I put in the mixture? You don't I... understand that gold on the floor has nothing to do with your experiment. I did it with my golden touch. Your golden what? Yes, and it has alchemy beat all hollow. Aurum granted my wish. Anything I touch becomes gold. I just want to know, is it really pure gold? That stuff on the floor, Professor. It's not just some sort of metal that looks like gold, is it? Pick up a piece. Tell me. I... You're all right, but I... I don't... 
Uh, yes, of course, it's real gold, Your Majesty, but... Uh, Test it! Scratch it! Do whatever you do! Well, I don't have to. I, I can tell. It's as pure and fine as gold can be. Gold without any alloy. But I... You don't believe I did it? Well, just look. I'll pick up this wooden stool and set it down again. Pure gold! I have only to touch anything, and it's gold! Your Majesty, I... I never in my life... No, nor in anybody's. It's the golden touch, Professor Messer. You have only to touch things and they're transformed? And I've been working for years. What what will I do now? I've been been working to change brass into gold my whole life. What will I do now? (laughs) That I don't know, Professor. But I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to find Marigold and show her. Perhaps she's out in the garden. My whole career is finished. What what do I do from now on? Marigold! Marigold! breakfast is all ready. But where is His Majesty? What is going on this morning? Look. Come here, Leandra. Look out the window and see him for yourself. Out the window? He's out in the garden now. Racing from flower to flower, touching each one. And laughing like an insane man. What's got into him this morning, Landry? It's beyond believing. If I hadn't seen his clothes changing into gold before my own eyes, I wouldn't believe it. What? Here he comes now. You'll see, you'll see for yourself. Mary Gold? Is she in here, Landers? No, Your Majesty. I think she just went out into the East Garden. And I just came from there. Just missed her. Shall I go fetch her? Well, no. She's sure to be along for breakfast very soon. And I'm starving. Bring on the eggs, Leandra. Yes, Your Majesty, at once. Leandra, while you're waiting, Your Majesty, you told me to remind you to sign this document first thing this morning. Document? Oh, that court order. Of course. Handed here, Landers, and my spectacles, too. Yes, sire. And here are your spectacles. Oh, yes. (laughs) What's wrong here? Can't see a thing. They must need cleaning. Oh, no, sire. I'm afraid that wouldn't help. They appear to be solid gold now. Yes, so they do. (laughs) Well, well, spectacles of gold aren't really much good to see through, are they? I boiled your eggs this morning, Your Majesty. Is that all right? Yes, fine. Here, I'll open them myself. Oh! I burned my fingers to the bone on that uh, hunk of molten metal. That's what. What do you mean, Leandra, bringing me a chunk of... Leandra, uh, what did you bring instead of an egg? What is... uh, I'm sorry. I'm sure... I'm sorry. It's not your fault, Leandra. Oh, thank you, Your Majesty. I did it. I turned that egg into gold. But what am I going to eat? I'm hungry. Will every bite of food turn into gold before I can... What's that? It's the little princess, sire. <laughs> Marigold, oh, darling, what is it? Oh, father, a dreadful thing has happened. My garden, my beautiful garden is ruined. Something awful has happened to every flower. 
Mary Gold, please, darling. Oh, I can't bear to see you so unhappy. Come here to your father, dear. Let me kiss the tears away. Oh, father, change them back. Now, darling, now, a kiss. Mary Gold! Oh, Mary Gold! Oh, gods above us, what have I done? My little girl, my daughter, has turned to gold as I kissed her. Turned to cold, unresponding gold. I shall be in here by the altar all afternoon, Landers. Please see that I am not disturbed. Yes, Your Majesty. Oh, ye great ones on Olympus, heed my prayer. On my knees, I beseech ye, restore my little girl. Aurum, do you hear? Well, Midas, Aurum, you came. Oh, Aurum, spirit of gold, help me. Rich King Midas, King Midas with the golden touch. How can you need help? The golden touch has cost me everything that was really worthwhile. Then you have made a discovery. Oh, I have learned, learned too well and too late. Let me see. Which of these two things do you think is worth more? The golden touch or one cup of cold, clear water? Water, blessed water. The golden touch or a crust? A piece of bread is worth all the gold on earth. The golden touch or your little daughter. Warm, soft, and loving as she was this very morning. Oh, my blessed child, restore her to me. Help me, Aurum. Have pity. Help me. Very well, then. Go then to the river that glides past the bottom of your garden. Plunge into it. Take with you a vein and fill it. With the river water. If your vow is true, if you have really cleansed your soul of greed for gold, you will be able to undo this tragedy. And bring Marigold back to life? Sprinkle the water over her, and she will be restored. And she will forgive me? If you are honest within yourself, she will have no memory of what has happened. Orem, from my heart, I thank you. But the transformation depends on your own soul's honesty. Farewell. Landers? Oh, and you too, Leandra. See to it, whatever happens in the next few moments, you keep it to yourselves. I ask this not as your king, but as a father who loves his child. Do you understand? Yes, yes Your, your Majesty. Majesty. Thank you. And now, spirit of gold, Orem, if honesty is the test, my child will be restored. Oh, oh Father, oh, whatever in the world are you doing? You mustn't play such jokes on me, dear Father. You flashed my new dress and I just put it on this morning. Oh, oh thank heaven. Is there 
something wrong, Father. Not now, my darling, not now. And forgive me for spoiling the dress, but we'll get another one. Lots of them. We'll play like today is your birthday and have a real celebration. How's that? Oh, how lovely. What shall we do first? Well, first, first we can take this vase of water and go sprinkle all the flowers in the garden. We'll change them back from golden flowers to the soft. Sweet-smelling flowers you love. Oh, Father, how wonderful. Then, then we shall order the carriage and drive through the streets, and you shall throw gold pieces from my treasure room to everyone you see. Father, really? Oh, we've never done anything like that before. No, but we will from now on. Landers, will you order the carriage? Certainly, sire. Anything for our little princess. She's worth her weight in gold. What did you say? Why, I only said she's worth her weight in... Oh! Father, you threw a plate at Landers. You nearly hit him. What's the matter with you? Well, somehow I just don't like that expression anymore. Worth her weight in gold. Oh, your majesty, here you are. So, uh, what am I going to do now that you can turn anything to gold with a touch? Professor Messer, I'm happy to tell you I have lost my golden touch, and you can now resume your search for a way to turn brass into gold. Sire, really? Really, and you have my permission to spend the rest of your life looking in vain. Presents Hollywood. The Lux Radio Theater brings you the new Walt Disney feature, Pinocchio. Ladies and gentlemen, your producer, Mr. Cecil B. DeMille. Greetings from Hollywood, ladies and gentlemen. This is a night that weaves a spell over the world. A time of reverence and rejoicing. Of family reunions and storytelling by the fire. On this enchanted night, we can all believe implicitly in stories like Pinocchio. Walt Disney transformed this old children's classic into a modern classic of the screen, giving new life to the little people. You met him at our microphone last year, when we presented Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs. This year, his... Chair is empty, but he has sent us Pinocchio. Walt is busy getting Pinocchio ready for its national screen release through RKO in February. And besides, Mr. Disney's moving into a fine new studio at Burbank, the house that Donald Duck, Mickey Mouse, and Snow White built. Tonight we introduce his latest characters for the first time in the house that Lux built. In two years of work on Pinocchio, 500 artists made about 2 million drawings of such likable people as Pinocchio himself, Jiminy Cricket, the Blue Fairy, and old Geppetto, the woodcarver. The Blue Fairy accomplishes some very wonderful things in Pinocchio, and she ought to feel right at home here, because Lux Flakes, too, has quite a reputation as the doer of good deeds. They're the kind of good deeds that make life easier in your household, 
when Lux Flakes plays the good fairy to our feminine listeners. I feel we can make you see the beautiful color of the Disney picture as we bring you the story and spirit of Pinocchio. It's the spirit of all small boys who'd rather look for adventure than go to school. Now just put yourself in the place of Geppetto, the woodcarver. Suppose you had made a puppet, a little wooden boy, and then all of a sudden the puppet began to talk and move about like a real boy. <laughs> I believe you'd be ready for almost anything to happen. And that's the best frame of mind I can suggest for you now. As the Lux Radio Theater curtain goes up on Act One of Walt Disney's Pinocchio. Christmas night. Dinner is over. And you're settled comfortably in your favorite chair beside the fireplace, gazing dreamily into the flames. You're relaxing for the first time today, and you've made a solemn resolution that nothing shall move you from this place for at least three hours. You won't be surprised if, at a time like this, that burnt ember on the hearth should move a little and sit up. For you've just noticed that it isn't an ember at all. It's a cricket. And not an ordinary cricket, either. He wears a beaver hat and a long green cutaway coat. And in his hand, he carries a furled umbrella. He sits looking at you out of his large, rather mournful eyes. And then, just as if it were the most natural thing in the world, he begins to sing. If your heart is in your dream, no request is too extreme. When Upon a star, your dreams are true. I'll bet a lot of you folks don't believe that about a wish coming true, do you? Well, I didn't either. But of course, I'm just a cricket singing my way from heart to heart. But let me tell you what made me change my mind. One night, a long time ago, my travels took me to a quaint little village. It was a beautiful night. The stars were shining like diamonds, high above the roofs of that sleepy old town. Pretty as a picture. As I wandered along the crooked streets, there wasn't a soul to be seen. The only sign of life was a lighted window in the shop of a woodcarver named Geppetto. So I hopped over and looked in. Inside, there was a nice, cheerful fire burning. Kind of ashamed to see it going to waste. So what do I do? I go in. Well, sir, you never saw such a place. The most fantastic clocks you ever laid your eyes on. And all carved out of wood. And cute little music boxes. Each one a work of art. And shelf after shelf of toys. And then something else caught my eye. Sitting up on the work table was a puppet. You know, one of those marionette things, all strings and joints. Cute little feller he was, too. All dressed up just like a real boy. But just then I heard a noise. It was the old woodcarver, Geppetto, and his cat, Figaro. I jumped behind the clock just as Mr. Geppetto came over and picked up the puppet. Well, now, it won't take much longer. Just a little more paint, and it's all finished. <laughs> I think he'll be all right, don't you, Figaro? Meow. 
So I paint a smile on his face, see? <laughs> that makes a big difference. <laughs> now, I have just the name for him. Pinocchio. Do you like it, Figaro? No. No? Well, we'll leave it to Little Woodenhead. Do you like it, Woodenhead? That settles it. Pinocchio it is. Come on now, we'll try you out. Music professor. Well, sir, was I surprised. Every music box in the place began to play, and Geppetto made the puppet dance. Quite a sight, yes, sir. Go play your part. Bring a little joy to every heart. Billy, do you know, and yet it's true, that I'm mighty proud of you. Little wooden feet and best of all, and little wooden feet in case you fall. <laughs> My little wooden head. Oh, you are a cute little fella, and that smile. Well, it must be getting late. I wonder what time it is. Ten o'clock sharp. Ten o'clock. Oh, oh. Come on, we'll go to bed. Good night, Pinocchio, little funny face. <laughs> Look at him, Figaro. He almost looks alive. Wouldn't that be nice if he was a real boy? Oh, well. Come on, now we we'll go to sleep. Oh, Figaro, I forgot to open the window. Would you do it? Thank you, Figaro. Oh, Figaro, look up there in the sky, see? The wishing star. Starlight, star bright, first star I see tonight. I wish I may, I wish I might have the wish I make tonight. Figaro, do you know what I wish? Yeah. I wish that my little Pinocchio might be a real boy. <laughs> Wouldn't that be nice? Just think, a real boy. A very lovely thought, but not at all practical. And with that, the old woodcarver turned over and went to sleep. Well, it was a nice night for it, so I decided to do the same. But just as I got settled in a comfortable position, the room was suddenly filled with starlight. Yes, sir, starlight. And it came right down in a long beam straight from that wishing star. And coming down along that beam, as I live and breathe, was a fairy. Yes, sir, a beautiful blue fairy. given so much happiness to others, you deserve to have your wish come true. Little puppet made of pine, wake, the gift of life is thine. What they can't do these days? Why, I can move, I can talk, and, and I can walk. Yes, Pinocchio, I've given you life. Why? Because tonight Geppetto wished for a real boy. Am I a real boy? No, Pinocchio. To make Geppetto's wish come true will be entirely up to you. Up to me? Prove yourself brave, truthful, and unselfish, and someday you will be a real boy. 
A real boy. That won't be easy, but you must learn to choose between right and wrong. Right and wrong? But how will I know? How will he know? Your conscience will tell you. What a conscience? Conscience? What a conscience? I'll tell you, a conscience is that still, small voice that people won't listen to. That's just the trouble with the world today. You see... Are uh, you my conscience? Who, me? Would you like to be Pinocchio's conscience? Well, I... Uh, I, uh... <laughs> uh mm-hmm. Very well. What is your name? Uh, oh, oh, uh, Cricket's the name. Jiminy Cricket. Neil, Mr. Cricket. Oh, uh, uh, well, uh, be a little careful with that wand now. Uh, easy does it, my lady. I.W. Pinocchio's Conscience, Lord High Keeper of the Knowledge of Right and Wrong, Counselor in Moments of Temptation, and Guide Along the Straight and Narrow Path. Arise, Sir Jiminy Cricket. Oh, oh, oh. oh, look at my clothes. All brand new. Say, that's pretty swell. But, uh, uh, don't you get a badge or something? We'll see. You mean, maybe a will? I shouldn't wonder. <laughs> Make it a gold one? Perhaps. Oh, but I must go now. Remember, Pinocchio, be a good boy. And always let your conscience be your guide. Goodbye. Goodbye, my lady. Goodbye. Well, Pinocchio, <clears throat> uh, maybe you and I had better have a little heart-to-heart talk. Why? Well, you want to be a real boy, don't you? Uh-huh. All right, sit down, son. Now, you see, the world is full of temptation. Temptation? Yes, temptation. Uh, you see, there are the wrong things that seem right at the time. But uh, uh, even though the right things may seem wrong, uh, sometimes... Uh, Sometimes the wrong things uh, may be right at the uh, wrong time, or, or uh, vice versa. <clears throat> Understand? Uh-huh. But I'm going to do right. Atta boy, Pinocchio, and I'm going to help you. And any time you need me, you know, just whistle, like this. Like this? No, no. Try it again, Pinocchio. Like this? No, son. Now listen. it? When you get in trouble and you don't know right from wrong, give a little whistle. Give a little whistle. When you meet temptation and the urge is very strong, give a little whistle. Give a little whistle. Not just a little squeak. Pucker up and blow. And if your whistle's weak, yell, Right. Take the straight and narrow path, and if you start to slide, give a little whistle. Give a little whistle. And always let your conscience be your guide. <laughs> and always let your conscience be your guide. Look out, Pinocchio. Don't dance on the table. You'll fall off. You'll... Oh, I knew it. I knew it. Oh, yes. It's me. There's somebody in here. Whoever you are, where are you? Here I am. Oh. Pinocchio, how did you get down on the floor? I fell down. Oh, you did. Oh! You're talking. Uh-huh. No, 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 no. Yes, and I can move, too. No, 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 no. You, you can't. I, I'm dreaming in my sleep. Uh, where's what? A pail of water. That will wake me up. <laughs> Now we see who is free. Go on, 
Say something. <laughs> Gee, you're funny. Do it again. You do talk. Yes, the blue fairy. Kid. The blue fairy. Uh-huh. And, and I got a conscience. A conscience. And someday I'm going to be a real boy. A real boy. It's my wish. It's come true. Figaro. Look, he's alive. He can talk. Say hello to Figaro. Hello to Figaro. See, didn't I tell you? Isn't he smart? Oh, my little wooden head. My little Pinocchio. We'll make you very, very happy here for you. What you always wanted in life. Come on now, it's late. You, you, you must close your eye and go to sleep. Why? Oh, everybody has to sleep. Figaro goes to sleep and, and I go to sleep and besides tomorrow you've got to go to school. Why? Oh, to learn things and get smart. Why? Oh, because. Oh. Good night, my little Pinocchio. Good night. And maybe, maybe someday you'll call me father, huh? Sure. Good night, father. Oh, that's fine. That's fine. Good night, son. Oh, look, father, look. Now wait. Stand still now while I put on your coat. Huh? Oh, those. They are your schoolmates, girls and boys. Of course, they are going to school. Now, here's an apple for the teacher, and you are ready to go. Now, run along. Goodbye, Father. Goodbye, son. Well, there we went, off to school. And where was I while this was going on? Folks, I'm ashamed to tell you. I was asleep. A fine conscience I turned out to be. I should have been right with him. You see, I'd heard about a couple of bad characters around that town. One fellow by the name of Honest John. And say, was he a bad one? He was as sharp as a fox. Yes, sir. Looked like a fox, too. Uh, kind of a long face like a fox. And say, come to think of it, I guess he was a fox. And, well, you see, this Honest John had a stooge by the name of Gideon, a dumb alley cat. And between the two of them, they were a pretty tricky pair. Well, when I thought about them that morning, I tell you, I just shivered all over. Imagine the innocent little Pinocchio on his way to school with Honest John and Gideon roaming. Oh, Gideon, my boy, listen. The merry laughter of little children wending their way to school. <laughs> Thirsty little minds rushing to the fountain of knowledge. <laughs> ah, school, a noble institution. What would this stupid world be without school? <laughs> well, 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 Gideon, look at that billboard. Spamboli and his marionette. So that old rascal's back in town, eh? <laughs> Remember, Giddy, the time I tied strings on you and passed you off as a puppet? Oh, <laughs> we nearly put one over on the old gypsy that time, eh? Good <laughs> morning. Oh, good morning, good morning. Well, look at that, Gideon. A little wooden boy. Ho, ho. Now, who ever heard of a wooden boy? A live puppet without strings. <laughs> Gideon, look. It's amazing. A live puppet without strings. Why, a thing like that ought to be worth a fortune to someone. But who? Now, let me see. I know. Spamboli. Why, that fat old faker would give his eye to... Listen, Gideon. If we play our cards right, we'll be on easy street. Or my name isn't Honest John. Quick, after that boy. <laughs> here, here, stupid. Put that mallet away. Don't be crude. Let me handle this. Oh. Ah, oh, my little toddler. Well, permit me to introduce myself. J. Worthington Powell, fellow. A fine day, isn't it? Yes, sir. Well, well, well. Quite a scholar, I see. 
Look at his books, Kitty. A man of letters. I'm going to school. School? Oh, yes. Uh, then you, uh, you haven't heard of the easy road to success? Uh-uh. No? <laughs> I am speaking, my boy, of the theater. Bright lights, music, applause, fame. Fame? Yes, and with that personality, that profile, that physique. Why, he's a natural-born actor, eh, Giddy? <laughs> but I'm going... Straight to the top. Why, I can see your name in lights. Lights six feet high. What is your name? Pinocchio. Pinocchio. P-I-N-U, P-I-N-O-U-O, <laughs> but we're wasting precious time. Come, on to the theater. Life still be big, and that's the right for me. A high silk hat and a silver cane, a watch of gold with a diamond chain. I did a day, and that's the life is gay. It's great to be a celebrity, and that's the life for me. I did a That's when I finally caught up to him. The three of them, arm in arm, walking down the street. Just as they were passing by, I grabbed hold of Pinocchio and pulled him behind a tree. Pinocchio, it's me, Jiminy Cricket. Oh, hello, Jiminy. Where you go? Quiet, Pinocchio. Pinocchio. Don't answer him, Pinocchio. Now listen. But Jiminy, I'm going to be an actor. All right, son. Take it easy now. Remember what I said about temptation? Uh-huh. Well, that's him. That feller there. Oh, no, Jiminy. That's Mr. Honest John. Honest John? All right, then. Here's what we'll tell him. You can't go to the theater. Say thank you just the same. You're sorry, but you've got to go to school. Uh-huh. All right. Shut up, boy. Here they come, Pinocchio. Now you tell them. Here's the boy. Woo-hoo. Pinocchio. Woo. Oh. Well, well, there you are. Well, now let me see. Where were we? Ah, yes. On to the theater. Okay. Goodbye, Jiminy. Goodbye. Goodbye. Huh? Goodbye. Hey, wait a minute. For me. A wax mustache and a beaver coat, a pony cart and a billy goat. I You wear your hair in a pompadour, you ride around in a coach and four, you stop and buy out a candy store. And next of life for me. <laughs> In just a moment, Mr. DeMille brings you Act Two of Pinocchio. In a charming home out in Westwood Park this morning, a very pretty scene took place. The sun was pouring through the long, broad windows of a pleasant living room, lighting up the Christmas tree in its welter of packages. The family was gathered round, John and Peg, and their two small children eagerly opening presents. Just one more, and it's for Mother. Here you are, Peg. Thank you, John. Oh, Mommy, I'm going to it. Look at the box. I bet it's a ring. It is. Oh, John, you angel. A beautiful pearl ring. Read the card, Mommy. For the lovely hand of the loveliest woman I know. John, darling, I think I'm going to kiss you. <laughs> but you really shouldn't have done it, dear. <laughs> well, then you shouldn't have such beautiful hands, sweetheart. They asked for jewels. <laughs> and me, a staid old married woman. Oh, just a darling little homebody. <laughs> Who washes dishes every day. Now, that, Sally, was a homey loving scene that might happen anywhere. You know, Mr. Ruick, I don't believe there's anything that touches a woman quite so much as knowing her husband adores her. His love is so precious. And made up of so many little things, darling. Yes, her hands, for instance. 
In a way, the appearance of a woman's hands doesn't seem important. But oh, how very important it really is. One of the big little things that makes for happiness. And that's why Lux Flakes are so important an item in the household. For Lux helps a woman do dishwashing and other soap and water tasks, and yet helps keep her hands looking dainty and feminine. You know, so few of us can afford maids. But that's no reason why we should look like grudges. And Lux Flakes enable us to do our own work, wash our own dishes, and yet help our hands stay attractive. And now, Mr. Ruick, I'd like to say to our audience that I hope they've all had and are having a very happy Christmas. A wish, Sally, in which I join you. Now our producer, Mr. DeMille. Act Two of Pinocchio. As we dream beside the fire, where the flames cast dancing patterns on the hearth, we wait politely for our friend the cricket to continue his story. He's paused to allow a large round tear to roll down his cricket face. But now he rouses himself, and pulling a red silk bandana from his coattail pocket, he blows his cricket nose. Well, it was my fault. I should have known better. Maybe if I'd been with Pinocchio when he first met those two sharpies, I could have stopped it. But there he was. An actor in Stromboli's marionette show. I went to the show that night to see him. I hid in a tree near the wagon they used as a stage. And near the end of the performance, Stromboli came out. Ladies and gentlemen, I concluded the performance of this great show. Stromboli, the master showman. That's me. And by special permission of the management, that's me too, it's presented to you something you will absolutely refuse to believe. Introducing the only marionette who can sing and dance absolutely without the aid of strings. I hope so, the only and one Pinocchio. What a build-up. Go ahead, Pinocchio. Make a fool of yourself. Then maybe you'll listen to your conscience. I got those strings to hold me down, to make me fret, make me frown. I hit strings, but now I'm free. There are no strings on me. Hi, ho, the Mario. That's the only way to be. I want the world to know. Nothing ever bothers me. I got no strings, so I have fun. I'm not tied up to anyone. They can sing, but you can see. There are no strings on me. Huh. Well, they like it. He's a success. Maybe I was wrong. Well, I guess he won't need me anymore. What does an actor want with a conscience anyway? Goodbye, Pinocchio. Goodbye. Goodbye. I got the new strings on me. One hundred eighty-five. One hundred ninety-five. Bravo, Pinocchio. They like me, huh? Oh, two hundred. You are sensational. You mean I'm good? Three hundred. You are colossal. Does that mean I'm an actor? Sure, I will push you in the public eye. Your face. She will be on everybody's tongue. Will she? Watch this. Counterfeit. Oh, for you, my little Pinocchio. Here, I give it to you. Oh, for me? Gee, that's 
sure. Going home to your father. <laughs> that is a very comico. I'll be back in the morning. <laughs> Come here. Be back in the morning. Going home. <laughs> there. This will be your home. This a nice little cage where I can find you always. No, no, no. Yes, yes, yes. To me you are belonging. We will tour the world. A Paris, a London, a Monte Carlo, Constantinople. No, no. Yes. We start tonight. You will make lots of money for me. <laughs> and when you are growing too old, you will make good firewood. Let me out of here. Oh, my God, yeah. You can't keep me... Quiet! Shut him up before I knock you silly. Good night, my little wooden school mine. No, no. Wait, let me out. I'll tell my father. sitting by the roadside in the rain when Stromboli's wagon passed by. And I felt pretty blue. I thought, well, there he goes, sitting in the lap of luxury, the world at his feet. Oh, well, I can always say I knew him when. I'll just go out of his life quiet. I would like to wish him luck, though. Sure. Why not? I'll catch the wagon and slip under the door. Pinocchio. Pinocchio. It's me. Your old friend, Jiminy, remember? Jiminy! <laughs> oh, gee, am I glad to see you. Hey, what are you doing in that cave? What did he do to you? Oh, he was mad. He said he'd push my face in everybody's eyes. Yeah? And, and just because I'm, I'm a goldfish, he's going to cut me in the firewood. Oh, is that so? Oh, listen, he stopped the wagon. Now, don't you worry, son. I'll have you out of here in no time at all. But how can you? There's... There's a great big lock on the oh, cage. What's a lock to a guy like me? Didn't you ever hear of picking them open? Jiminy Valentine, my friends call me. Of course, I, I've never tried to make a living at it. I... Uh, kind of rusty. You mean you can't open it? I'm, I'm afraid not. Looks pretty hopeless. It'll take a miracle to get you out of that cage. Hey, look up there, Pinocchio. That star. See? It's the wishing star. And here comes the lady, the blue fairy. Oh, what will she say? What will I tell her? Well, you might tell her the truth. Quiet. Why, Pinocchio. <laughs> Hello. And Sir Jimmy. Well, this is a pleasant surprise. <laughs> Pinocchio, why didn't you go to school? School? Well, I'm well, go glad. Ahead. Go ahead and tell her. Well, I was going to school till I met somebody. Met somebody? Uh, yeah. Uh, two big monsters with, with big green eyes. Hey. Pinocchio, what's happening to your nose? Monsters? Weren't you afraid, Pinocchio? No, ma'am. They tied me in a, in a big sack. Pinocchio, your nose is growing. So they tied you in a big sack. And where was Sir Jiminy? Jiminy, uh, they, they put him in a little sack. Uh, Pinocchio, I tell you, your nose is branching out like a tree. And how, how did you escape? I didn't. They chopped me up into firewood. Oh, oh, look, my nose. What happened? Looks like a plum tree to me. Perhaps you haven't been telling the truth, Pinocchio. Perhaps. Oh, but I have every single word. Oh! Oh! Please! Please tell me! I'm, I'm awfully sorry! You see, Pinocchio, a lie keeps growing and growing until it's as plain 
as the nose on your face. She's right, Pinocchio. You better come clean. I'll never lie again. Honest, I won't. Please, Your Honor. I mean, uh, Miss Fairy, give him another chance. For my sake. Will you, huh? I'll forgive you this once. But remember, Pinocchio, a boy who won't be good might just as well be made of wood. I'll be good. I, I promise. Very well. But this is the last time I can help you. Oh, a dream! Oh, thank you! Goodbye, Pinocchio. Goodbye, Sir Jiminy. Goodbye. 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 Oh, Goodbye, thank you. Oh, Jiminy, my nose! Yeah, it's back to normal again, and you're free. Come on. I'm free! I'm free! Hooray! Yes, sir. There we were. Free as the air and on our way back to Mr. Geppetto's. But little did we know, little did we know that even then, no, the new deviltry was hatching. Down in a waterfront dive known as the Red Lobster Inn, Honest John and his crony Gideon sat drinking beer. With them was a companion, an evil-faced, leering coachman. Hi, diddle dee an actor's life for me. It's great to be a celebrity, an actor's life for me. <laughs> and the dummy fell for it, eh, Gideon? <laughs> he still thinks we're his friends. <laughs> and did Stromboli pay? <laughs> Plenty. That shows you how low honest John will stoop. <laughs> now, coachman, what's your proposition? Well, how would you blokes like to make some real money? Like this, maybe. And whose throat do we have to... Uh... No, 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 nothing like that. You see, I'm collecting stupid little boys. Stupid little boys? Yes, you know, the disobedient ones. What play you give from school? Ooh. And you see, and listen. And I take some to Pleasure Island. Oh, <laughs> to Pleasure Island. Pleasure Island? But the law is no, no, there's no risk. They never come back as boys. <laughs> now, here's where you come in. Well, yes, sir. I've got a coach load leaving at midnight. Yes. We'll meet at the crossroads. Yes, and no double crossing. Oh, no, no, no. Scout around. And any good prospects you find, bring them to me. I knows what to do with them. <laughs> Hurry up, Pinocchio. We want to get home, don't we? Sure, and you know what, Jiminy? I'm turning over a new leaf. I'll make good this time. Well, you better. I will. I'm going to school. That's the stuff, Pinocchio. Come on, I'll race you home. All right. Ready. On your mark, set, go. Come on, Pinocchio. I'm well ahead of you. <laughs> I'm going. I'm going. Oh. oh, I fell. Oh. <laughs> Hello, little boy. I'm afraid that you've tripped over my cage. Oh, please, Mr. Ernest John, let me go. i got to be Jiminy home. Just a minute, my little man. And how is the great actor today? I don't want to be an actor. Strom boy was terrible. He was? But yeah, he locked me in a, in a cage. He did? Uh-huh, but I learned my lesson. I'm oh, going... Oh, my poor, poor boy, you must be a nervous wreck. Oh, well, we must diagnose this case. Come, Dr. Gideon, quick, your notebook. <laughs> now, let me feel your pulse, little man. Oh! Bless my soul. Mm-mm-mm-mm-mm. Just as I thought. Bucolic semilunar contraptions of the flying trapezes. Mm-mm-mm. Now, hold your tongue. Hold your tongue and say hippopotamus. Uh-huh. Trans- uh, compound transmission of the pandemonium. Even worse. Close your eyes. 
Now, what do you see? Nothing. Aha! I was afraid of that. Now, that heart. Oh. Oh, my goodness. A palpitating syncopation of the Killadella. Quick, Doctor, quick, that report. <laughs> mm-hmm. Now, that makes it perfectly clear. Oh, my boy. My poor little boy. You, you are allergic. Allergic? Yes, and there's only one cure. A vacation on Pleasure Island. Pleasure Island? Pleasure Island, that happy land of carefree little boys where every day's a holiday. But I can't go. I... Why, of course you can go. Look, I'm giving you my ticket. Here you are, the Ace of Spades. Guys, thanks. Oh, I insist. Your health comes first. Come, the coach departs at midnight. Come along now. Hi, Dee. It's Pleasure Island for me. Well, every day is a holiday, and kids have nothing to do but play. Hi, Diddly D. Ah, it's like you're out for me. Pinocchio! Uh, Pinocchio! Now, where do you suppose he is? Pinocchio! Oh, there he is. He's with that fox again, and they're getting into a coach. It's a coach all filled with boys. Oh, well... Here we go again. Hello, kid. My name's Lampwick. What's yours? Pinocchio. Ever been to Pleasure Island? Uh-uh. But Mr. Honest John gave me... Me neither. They say it's a swell joint. No school, no cops. You can tear to join a party and nobody says a word. Honest John gave Loaf me... Loaf around, plenty to eat, plenty to drink. Yeah, and it's all free. Honest John... Boy, that's the place. I can hardly wait. Ho, ho, ho. There it is, boys. Just ahead of the bridge. Pleasure Island! What a place. Ferris wheels, merry-go-rounds, hot dog stands, shoot the shoots, everything. All lit up like a million stars. And all for nothing, huh? Sounds fishy to me. Hurry, 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 hurry. Right here, boys, right here. Get your cake, pie, dill, pickles, and ice cream. Eat all you can. Be a gut. Stop yourself. It's all free, boys. It's all free. Hurry, 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 hurry. Oh, Sarah. Oh, it's the roughest, toughest time you ever seen. Come in and pick a fight, boys. Join the big free for all. Oh, boy, a crap. Come on, let's poke somebody in the nose. Why? Ah, uh, just for the fun of it. Okay, let's be come on. around here. All the lights have been turned off. And where is everybody? I don't like the looks of this. Looks like a graveyard. Pinocchio! Hey! Where are you? Okay, Pinocchio. Are we shooting full or ain't we? It's your shot. Oh, sure. Nice try, kid. Have another cigar. It's on the house. Another one? Okay. a boy. Now watch this shot. The eight ball in the side pocket. Hey, Lappy. Where do you suppose all the kids went to? Ah, they're around here somewhere. What do you care? You're having a good time, ain't you? Uh-huh, I sure am. Ah, oh, boy, this is the life up, Pinocchio. <laughs> yeah, it sure is. Ah, you smoke like me grandmother. Come on, take a big drag like this. Okay, Lappy. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> What's the matter, kid? Losing your grip? Pinocchio! Oh, hello, Jiminy. Oh, so this is where I find you. How do you ever expect to be a real boy? Oh, look at yourself. Smoking, playing pool, 
You're coming right home with me this minute. Hey, who's the beetle? Oh. Come here, you. Let me go. Put me down. Don't hurt him. He's my conscience. He tells me what's right and wrong. What? You mean to tell me you take orders from a grasshopper? Grasshopper? Look here, you impudent pup. It wouldn't hurt you to take orders from your grasshopper, uh, uh, your conscience, if you have one. Yeah, 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 sure. The screwball in the corner pocket. That's you, beetle. <laughs> Why, you young hoodlum, I'll knock your block off. Or I'll tear you apart and put you back together again. I oh, tell don't you... hurt him, Jiminy. He's my best friend. Huh? Your best friend? And what am I? Just your conscience. Okay, that settles it. Goodbye. But, but Jiminy... You buttered your bread, now sleep in it. But Jiminy, Lampwick says a guy only lives one. Lampwick? <laughs> I've heard enough about him. Goodbye. Come on, come on, let him go. You're shot, Penelope. Goodbye, Jiminy. Lampwick. <laughs> Lampwick. Well, that burns me up. After all I've tried to do for him, I've had enough of this. I'm taking the next boat out of here. <laughs> hey, hey, what goes on here? Where did all those donkeys come from? Come on, you blokes, keep it moving. Let those jackasses on the ship. We haven't got all night. Hey, coachman, where did all those donkeys come from? Come on, come on, let's have another jackass there. One coming up. Hello, Jackoss. And what's your name? <laughs> okay, you'll do. In you go. You lads, I'll bring a nice prize. <laughs> All right, next. One coming up. And what might your name be? Alexander. Hmm, so you can talk, eh? Yes, yes, sir. I want to go home to my mama. Take him back. He can still talk. Please, please. I don't want to be a donkey. Let me out of here. Quiet. You boys and me Boys! So that's what they brought them here for. They're changing them into donkeys. Oh, Pinocchio! Pinocchio! <laughs> to hear that beetle talk, you'd think something's gonna happen to it. Conscience. Ah, fooey. Where does he get that stuff? How do you expect to be a real boy? Don't you think I look like a jackass? You sure do look, Lampley. You're growing long ears and, and a tail. <laughs> hey. Hey, you laugh like a donkey. <laughs> hey. Did that come out of me? I think so. Hey, what the... Hey, what's going on here? I got hooks and a long snoot. Oh, I'm the double cross. I'm turning into a donkey. Help. Help. The kids, the boys, they're all turning into donkeys. They, uh, Pinocchio, where did you get those ears? What ears? Those ears. Oh, and you've got a tail. Me? Me? Oh, quick. we got to get out of here before you get any worse. Come on. During our short intermission before Mr. DeMille brings you Act Three of Pinocchio, we turn the microphone over to Miss Libby Collins, our exclusive Hollywood reporter. What have you found for us this week, Libby? Well, as a matter of fact, I found there's quite a lot of truth in the saying, the Colonel's lady and Judy O'Grady are sisters under the skin. Mm, that needs explaining, Libby. Well, you know, women are knitting from Maine to California these days. And believe it or not, the Hollywood actresses are just as enthusiastic about it as women anywhere else. 
I've seen Joan Crawford knitting between scenes on the set of Strange Cargo. It's one of Myrna Loy's favorite occupations. And whenever Rosalind Russell has a free moment on her hand, out comes the knitting bag. Movie stars and extras, script girls and secretaries, they're all doing it. I think Sally here has caught the fever, too. I saw her knitting away at something just the other day. What's it going to be, Sally? Why, the sweater, Mr. Ruick, a white one. It looked pretty nice to me, but uh, it's going to take a lot of washing to keep it white, isn't it? <laughs> oh, that doesn't worry me a bit, Mr. Ruick. It'll be easy to do with Lux Flake. The same kind of care leading motion picture studios give their washable. Talk about sisters under the skin. Motion picture studios use Lux Flake. So do women everywhere. Whether they knit sweaters or buy them. Or get them for Christmas presents. Those sweaters deserve nice care. Don't use hot water on them. Don't rub them with cake soap. And don't use soaps with harmful alkali. Just squeeze your sweaters gently through lukewarm Lux Suds. That's good sound advice. And it goes for the other nice woolens people get for Christmas, like socks and mittens and scarves. If they're safe in water alone, there's no harmful alkali in gentle Lux Flakes to hurt any color or fabric that's safe in plain water. When you use Lux, you'll find it so pure, a little goes a long way. Lux is thrifty. We pause now for station identification. This is the Columbia Broadcasting System. We continue with Pinocchio. The flames mount higher on the fireplace, and Jiminy Cricket's excitement rises with the blaze. He climbs to the top of the brass andiron, and there, waving his umbrella about his head, he continues this strange tale. What a situation. Trapped on Pleasure Island, and Pinocchio's ears growing longer by the second. I grabbed him by the hand. Through the streets we ran, down toward the boat. Then they saw us. They came after us, shouting and shooting and shooting and shouting. We ran up an alley. We jumped over a fence. I could hear them pounding along behind us. They were coming nearer and nearer. And then at last we reached the shore. Jumped, I yelled. And we jumped into the water, swimming like mad. And we escaped. I'm on you. Whew. Really, are we? Well, but we got home. And I hid Pinocchio's long ears under his hat. And we walked up the path toward the house. Gosh, certainly feels good to be back on dry land. <laughs> yes, it certainly does. Well, here's the house. <laughs> Door's locked. Father! Father, I'm home! We're home, Mr. Geppetto. Father, it's me, Pinocchio! I'm home to stay! Wait a second. I'll jump up and look in the window. Ooh. What do you see, Jimmy? Well, he ain't there. <laughs> He's gone? Yeah. And Figaro, too. Oh, gosh, maybe something awful's happened to him. Well, don't worry, son. He probably hasn't gone far. Say, look. Look at that star. It's the same one. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and that bird flying around up there. Why, he's got a piece of paper in his beak. He, he's drawn it. Yeah, Jimmy. I got it. What is it, Jimmy? Why, it's a message. Well, what's it say? It's about your father. Oh, where? Why, uh, 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 it says here uh, that he went looking for you and, and he was swallowed by a whale. Swallowed uh, by a whale? Yeah, uh-huh, a whale. He, a whale? Oh, my goodness. A whale named Geppetto. Oh, he, oh he's... No, Pinocchio, he's alive. Uh, he is. Uh, oh, Lord, uh, where? 
Well, oh. he, he's inside of a whale at, at the bottom of the sea. Bottom of the sea? Uh-huh. Hey, where are you going? I'm going to find him. Oh, but Pinocchio, are you crazy? Don't you realize he's in a whale? i got to go to him. Oh, now, wait. Listen, son. Uh, this monstro, I've heard of him. He, why, why, he's a whale of a whale. He, he swallows whole ships alive. I don't care. Hey, what's that rock for? I'm going to jump off this cliff with it. Then I'll sink fast. Oh, my goodness. Goodbye, Jiminy. Goodbye. Oh, no. I may be live bait down there, but I'm with you. Come on. Let's go. Look out. I never knew it was so cold inside a whale's stomach. <gasps> here we are, fishing for days in here, and not a bite. The whale must be asleep, I guess. I never thought it would end this way, Figaro, starving to death in the belly of a whale. And poor little Pinocchio, he was such a good boy. It's hopeless, Figaro. There isn't a fish left. If the monster doesn't wake up soon, I, I'm afraid we are done for. Huh? What was that? The monster's waking up. Maybe he's getting hungry. If he is, then we'll have fish. Yes, his mouth is open. He's feeding. Then he comes, he grows tuna fish. Rat. A rat, that's it! Huh? We'll take the rat and when the whale opens his mouth. No, 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 
malice is done. He only opens his mouth when he's eaten. Then everything comes in. Nothing goes out. Oh. It's hopeless, Pinocchio. Come. We'll make a nice fire and we'll cook some of the fish. A fire? That's it? Yes, and then we'll all eat again. A great big fire. Lots of smoke. Smoke? Oh, yes, sure. Smoked fish will taste good. Wait, so what? <laughs> Pinocchio, not the chair. Really, Father? More one. But we'll sit on it. But... We won't eat it. We're getting out. Getting out, but how? We'll make lots of Make him sneeze. Oh, that will make him mad. Come on, I'll light the fire. Now get on the rack, Father. <laughs> I don't work. Hurry, Father, climb on. We never get by those teams. Oh, yes, we will. the whole thing. I was right outside when that whale sneezed, and that raft shot out like a cannonball. But that didn't end it. No, sir. If you sneeze once, you got to sneeze again, and that's what he did. He started to inhale. What occurred? The raft went flying back into his mouth, but it didn't stay there, because the next thing you know, that second sneeze came. I could feel it coming. The whale was all red in the face. He puffed the way up, and then he let go. Out came the raft again, and this time the monster was sore. He started chasing him, fire in his eyes, his teeth flashing and his tail swinging. Pinocchio and Mr. Geppetto paddled like fury. Oh, the shore was only a few yards away, but the whale was gaining. Inch by inch, foot by foot, closer and closer. His breath was hot on the... Uh, hot on the... Uh, he was very close. And just ahead was a big cliff. The raft swung in between two rocks. The whale right behind him. He went straight for the cliff, head on, and he hit the cliff. Where was Pinocchio and, and Mr. Geppetto and, and Figaro? They were washed up on the beach. And when I got there, old Mr. Geppetto was kneeling beside the little wooden boy. Pinocchio was... He was dead. My boy. My brave little boy. Oh, gosh. Don't cry, Mr. Geppetto. He, he was brave and we got to be brave, too. My little wooden boy, he gave his life that I might live. <laughs> Prove yourself brave, truthful, and unselfish, and someday you will be a real boy. <laughs> Awake, Pinocchio. Awake. Father, what you crying for? Because you're dead, Pinocchio. No, no, I'm not. Yes, yes, you are. Now, now lie down. But, Father, I'm alive, see? And, and I'm, I'm real. Oh, I'm a real boy. Uh, you're alive. And you are a real boy. <laughs> a real boy. <laughs> oh, Pinocchio, my dream is really true at last. Oh, God. Thank you, Miss Blueberry. He deserved to be a real boy and well. And here's your reward, too. A badge for Sir Jiminy. Oh, and you didn't forget. Well, will you look at that? A badge. Official conscience. Well, I'll be. <laughs> oh, and it's solid gold, too. Gosh. Thank you, my lady. 
like a boat out of the blue. Suddenly, it comes in view when you wish upon a star. just a moment, Mr. DeMille will tell you about the play, which is going to start the new year. But first, Sally, I'd like to know whether Santa Claus treated you well today. Nobly, Mr. Ruick, nobly. <laughs> I got some lovely presents. I'm willing to wager almost anything that some of your presents were lingerie and stockings. As a matter of fact, they were, Mr. Ruick. But how did you know? Well, it's really not fair, Sally. I read somewhere the other day that lingerie and stockings are the most popular Christmas gift for women. Well, they're popular with me, all right. Know what, Mr. Ruiz? No, what? Every single one of those precious bits of lace and silk I got, and all my nice stockings, too, are going to be brought up on Lux Lake. Not one single one of them is going to be washed with harsh soap or rubbed with cake soap. Not ever. So there. <laughs> well, you needn't laugh. I love my pretty new presents, and I want them to stay nice-looking a long, long time. Well, Sally, you picked the right kind of care for them, then. Lux helps fabrics and colors stay new-looking longer. There's no harmful alkali and no rubbing to hurt anything safe in water alone. Don't I know it. That's why I'm so set on never using anything but Lux Flake. That's good advice, Sally. Mighty good advice. And I hope every woman in our audience will follow it. Now, Mr. DeMille. Here in the Lux Radio Theater... We have regarded it as quite an honor to present Walt Disney's Pinocchio for the first time. And we wish Mr. Disney a highly merited success with his new picture, when his new picture is brought to the screen in a few weeks. Next Monday night, we bring a fine actor back to this microphone, Mr. Herbert Marshall. Our play is Sorrel and Son, adapted from the popular novel by Warwick Deeping. It's a profoundly moving drama of the sacrifice a father made for his son. Karen Morley will... Also appear with Herbert Marshall in Sorrel and Son. In your living rooms tonight, some who are there only on Christmas, and I know their presence has made it a happier day for you. Still others may have joined your family circle through the medium of the Lux Radio Theater because they knew that you at home were listening. So to those of our radio family who are at home and to those who are far from home, we send our greetings and our hope that you've enjoyed all the blessings of this Christmas day and our hope, too, that your prayers will join ours for the restoration of that blessing of 1,900 years ago. Glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace, goodwill toward men. Our sponsors, the makers of Lux Flakes, join me in inviting you to be with us again next Monday night when the Lux Radio Theater presents Herbert Marshall 
In Sorrel and Son with Karen Morley. This is Cecil B. DeMille saying good night to you from Hollywood. Musical numbers for the picture Pinocchio were written by Lee Harleen with lyrics by Ned Washington. Our music was directed by Louis Silver, and your announcer has been Melville Rowe. This was the Columbia Broadcasting System. Once Upon a Time, a Fantasy. This is an American Gold Seal production. Once upon a time, there lived on the edge of a dense forest a little boy and a little girl. They were called Hansel and Gretel. And one morning, a morning bright with sunshine, with the forest echoing to the songs of the birds, Hansel and Gretel went out to gather two baskets full of wild strawberries. Is your basket nearly full yet, Hansel? Not quite, Gretel. I won't be long, though. Here, let me help you. Isn't it grand being out here in the forest? All the birds singing and... Look at the sunbeams dancing through the trees. Listen, Hansel. Oh, a cuckoo. Let's see if we can find him. He was over that way. (laughs) (laughs) Now he's over there in the brush. There he is. wander too far, Hansel. We won't be able to find the baskets again. Do you hear that, Gretel? Yes. It's a music box. Oh, who'd have a music box out here in the forest? I don't know, but that's what it is. Let's go find it. Oh, but Gretel, we won't ever be able to find our way home again. Oh, look. What? Oh. A tiny little house. And it's made of gingerbread with a sugar cake roof. And the windows are made of clear sugar. And it has candy cane pillars. You know, when I stop to think about it, I'm hungry. Let's eat some. So am I. Oh, but maybe we shouldn't. But then I am hungry. All right, then. You start eating the roof (laughs) and I'll eat some of this door. Mm. It wouldn't take me long to eat this whole house up. Nibble, nibble like a mouse. (laughs) Who's that eating up my house? And now you're eating up the door. (laughs) Soon you'll start in on the floor. An old woman. She must be inside the house. She's coming to the door. Look. She's an old witch. Ah, my dear children, are you enjoying my gingerbread house? Y- yes, thank you. Very much indeed. Oh, won't you come inside? <laughs> there are lots of good things to eat. Oh, but really we shouldn't. 
Father and Mother will begin to worry if we don't get home. Oh, just for a moment. <laughs> I have lots of sugar candy and a sweet cookies. All right. Just for a moment, though. We mustn't stay. Now, although the old witch pretended to be kind, she really was a very bad old witch and only used her gingerbread house to trap little children who wandered too far away from the well-beaten path through the forest. Once the wicked old witch had Hansel and Gretel inside the house, she gave them something to eat which put them both into a deep, sound sleep. When Hansel wakened, he found himself locked inside an iron cage. Gretel! Gretel, where are you? Here I am, Hansel. Where are you? I'm locked inside a cage. I've been looking everywhere for you. I heard the old witch muttering to herself, and I was so scared that I pretended to be asleep until she went out. Oh, she went out, did she? Yes, she went out to get firewood. She said she was going to bake. Yes, Gretel. I know what she's going to bake. She's going to bake me. Going to bake you, Hansel? Yes. Look at those statues. They're all girls and boys, all made into gingerbread. Every one of them has been caught by that wicked witch and turned into gingerbread. Where are you, Gretel? What are you doing? Here she is. I'll run. Don't worry, Hansel. We'll find some way to get you out of here. Can't you hear me? What are you doing? I'm coming. I'll be there in a moment. Oh, so there you are. Help me to get this oven going. Open the door. Oh, not that one. The one for the fire. Oh, all right. That's better. <laughs> now, watch this fire. Don't you dare let it die down. I'm going for more firewood. Slamming the door behind her, the wicked old witch went out into the forest. Gretel dropped on her knees, hiding her face in her hands and trying desperately hard not to cry. Suddenly there was a noise behind her, a sharp rat-a-tat-tat on the sugar window pane. Who, who, who is it? Open the window. Open the window. Yes, open the window. Open the window. Very well, but who are you? What to who? I'm a wise old owl, and I sit in a tree, and the less I say, the more I see, the more I see, the less I'm heard, am I not a wise old bird? To it to who? What brought you here, wise old owl? We came to rescue you, Gretel, you and your brother. But who are these others with you, wise old owl? My brother owls, and the gnomes and elfins from the Squirrel King's palace, Gretel. Squirrel King? Yes, Wrinkless. His Majesty, the King of the Squirrels, will be here directly. I'm here now, wise old owl. 
Is everybody out here? All here? Yes, yes Your Majesty. Majesty. All here. Very well, then. What are we going to do about this situation? Where's your brother, Gretel? He's locked up in a cage. That wicked old witch put him in there. Too bad. Too bad. Too bad. Too bad. Yes, yes, of course it's too bad, wise old owl. But the thing is, what are we going to do about it? Whatever you do, you'll have to be quick about it. The old witch may return any moment. She's going to put my brother in that big oven and make him into a gingerbread statue. Oh, so that's what she's going to do, is it? Yes, wise old owl. Do you see all those other statues around in those cages? They were all little boys and girls, too. Well, certainly something has got to be done about this. I've already said that, wise old owl. The question is, what are we going to do? Well, we could put out the fire. And what good will that do? She can easily light it again. Oh, here she is again. What are we going to do? Gretel, is that fire all right? Yes, yes, the fire is all right. Well, it better be all right, because when I come in there, you're going to get in that oven and test it for me. I have it. I know what we'll do. What, Your Majesty, Majesty, what will we do? do? When the old witch tells you to get into the oven, don't you do it. Tell her you don't know how. I can't see where that is going to help us any. Just you wait and see, wise old owl. Gretel! Yes, yes, the fire is all right. Quickly now, everybody hide. And remember what I told you, Gretel. Don't get into that oven. You don't know what might happen. Why, anything might happen. <laughs> A nice fire. A nice hot oven. Now we'll have some nice gingerbread. Yes, yes, nice fire. Now, Gretel, open the oven door. But I don't know how. Oh, you stupid girl. Open it this way. Now get in there. And see if it's hot enough. But I don't know how to get inside. Oh, never did I see such a stupid girl. Uh, here, get in uh, this way. Close the door, Gretel, close the door. Yes, yes, close the door. Yes, yes close, close the door. Aha! Ah, that takes care of her. Now then, Fairy Queen, where are you? I'm here, Your Majesty. Take your magic wand and turn all these gingerbread statues into little boys and girls again. Yes, Your Majesty. Oh, and please get my brother out of that cage. Open, cage. Statues, when we count three, come back to life. All together now. One, One two, three. We thank you, dear old Squirrel King, for coming here today. We thank you, wise old owl, for helping us this way. We'll leave this witch's house and return evermore. La 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 And so the boys and girls who had been rescued by the fairy queen danced and sang in the gingerbread house. And as for Hansel and Gretel, well, it didn't take them long to get home where they lived happily ever after. Hello, hello, come on, let's go. It's time for Let's Pretend. 
The gang's all here and standing near is Uncle Bill, your friend. The story is exciting from start right to the end. So everyone come join the fun. Come on and let's pretend. From New York City, it's radio's outstanding children's theater, Let's Pretend, created by Nyla Mack. And here's Uncle Bill Adams to get us started on today's story, Beauty and the Beast. Hello, pretenders! Hello, Uncle Bill! Hey, have you ever been real scared to do something and then when you finally got at it, found out it wasn't so bad after all? Yes, it often happens that way. Something that seems scary turns out to be fine, and that's just what happens in our story today. And Bob Murray, suppose you tell us how we travel to Let's Pretend and that story of Beauty and the Beast. Well, there's a beast in the story. Let's all travel on animals from the zoo. Well, that's a great idea. So, Sybil, will you take charge of the magic? Magical sound men? We'd like a fine parade of lions, tigers, elephants, and camels. One, two... And there we are. Choose your favorite seat, everybody. Get on their backs and let's go. Once upon a time, there was a rich ship owner who had two daughters. The older one, Athlinda, was proud and selfish, but the younger was sweet and kind and so lovely that everyone called her beauty. And now one day, their father lost all his riches. He and his daughters had to go live in a tiny cottage deep in the woods where nothing was easy and pleasant as it had been. But beauty was cheerful even there and sang as she worked about the cottage. I have a gold locket. A locket of gold, my prince gave it to me, my prince brave and bold. Oh, Beauty, stop singing that stupid song. Why, Ethelinda, you always used to like it. Yes, I used to. When we had gold lockets and golden rings to wear, I used to like it. When we had fine gowns instead of these rags, and when we had some chance of meeting a prince one day. Oh, don't give up so easily, Ethelinda. It may still happen. Oh, look out the window. There comes Father. Oh, my goodness, at this time of day. Girls, girls, I must leave for the city at once. Will you pack me some provisions, Beauty, dear? There's a chance, just a chance of fortune. Father, what's happened? What do you mean, a chance of fortune? Well, a traveler through the forest gave me news of the city and the seaport. He said a ship called the Golden Vanity had docked last month. The Golden Vanity? But that's your ship, Father. The one we thought was shipwrecked a year ago. Oh, Father... If it's come to port at last, then we're rich again. Oh, easy, daughter, easy. We're not sure it is my ship. Or if it is, whether it brought any cargo. But if luck is with us, what shall I bring you back from the city in celebration? Oh, Father, some some silk and satin for gowns and, and new slippers and new ribbons, some perfume and... Oh, enough, Ethelinda. Remember, it's only a chance. But if it is my ship, what do you want, my beauty? Oh, Father, all I want is a safe trip for you and good news in the city. And then if if you want to bring me something, well, I'd love one perfect rose, that's all. One rose? As always, you ask little for yourself, dear beauty. But one rose, I promise you, whatever kind of fortune I find. Now I must go saddle the horse and be on my way. (laughs) 
Aye, sir. That's how it is, sir. The crew took all the cargo and made off with it. Heaven only knows where they're scattered to. And there's nothing left. Not a bowl of goods, not a two-penny nail. Hard luck, sir. Of course, if you'd been around when the ship docked... Yes, 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 I know. But uh, tell me, what of the ship itself? Where is it? The crew sold the vessel and divided the gold. The ship sailed out the next day. So my whole trip's been in vain. As poor as ever. Hard luck, like I said. Well, there's no use staying here groaning. I might as well start home again with my bad news. Oh, if you're traveling, sir, you'd best be starting. Those clouds look ugly. Uh, We're in for a storm. Yes. Yes, you're right. Well, thank you for your information and farewell. Storm grows worse every moment. <laughs> Steady, boy. Steady. A little farther. Surely we'll find some sort of shelter. <laughs> Wait. Isn't that a light glimmering through the trees? Yes. Yes, it is. Come on, Blaze. What? Why, it must be a great castle. The light is high in the tower. And there, just ahead. A huge gate. <laughs> Here now. What's the matter, old Blaze? Why are you stopping and trembling? Come on now. Don't you want a dry stable and oats? <laughs> uh, very well, then. I'll go to the gate on foot. Uh, heaven knows what the poor horse fears that could be worse than this night. Ah, oh, yes, yes, the gate. Here's the knocker. Storm. Pray heaven someone answers. Good evening, sir. Good. Well, good evening. I, I, I'm a poor traveler lost in the storm, craving shelter. Oh yes, indeed, sir. Enter. You're most welcome. Well, thank you. But I say it's it's not raining in here. The moon is shining. It's it's as mild as a summer's night. Oh yes, sir. If you'll follow me through this garden to the castle, you'll find dinner awaiting you. And every comfort for the night. But look here, is this some sort of enchantment? Flowers, birds, moonlight? Are you the master here? Oh, no, sir, no, indeed. If you'll just follow me into the castle now. Yes, but tell me, will I meet your master within the castle? I'm sorry, sir, my master sees no one. But I've been told to give you everything you desire. Here is the supper table set and waiting for you. What a splendid table. Candlelight, meat, fruit, wine. Oh, yes, sir. Over there is the door to your room. When you've eaten, feel free to retire whenever you wish. If you want anything, just ring. Good night, sir. Good night. Well, this is strange indeed. But I'm weary enough to ask no questions. Dinner and then bed. That sounds fine to me. Beauty's father. Hmm? Beauty's father. Hmm? What? What? Am I waking or sleeping? A light. Let me find a candle. No. Simply listen. Listen to my voice. Who, Who are you? I see no one. Where are you? I am your friend. 
I am in the mists, I am in the wind, I am in the perfume of all flowers, but you cannot see me. What do you want? I have come to warn you. Warn me? Warn me of what? Tomorrow there will be a test. Watch what you do. If you fail, it may mean death to you and to your daughters. Oh, no, no, not that. No harm has come to my daughters. It rests with you. Remember, tomorrow the test. Now sleep and farewell, farewell. Good morning, sir. Good morning. I... Oh, I'd hoped it was my host. I'm sorry, sir. Only the master's servant, Mollybone. I came to see if you'd finished breakfast. Yes, yes, I have. Thank you. And very excellent it was, too. And now, if you would take me to your master, I would very much like to meet him and uh, thank him for his hospitality before I leave. My master sees no one, sir, as I told you. Will you walk in the garden until your horse is saddled? Well, all right. If it's impossible to see my host, I... Well, the garden is lovely. I'll call you when your horse is ready, sir. Oh, my. How beauty would love this garden. Oh, and that reminds me. The one thing she wanted me to bring her was one perfect rose. Here are hundreds to choose from. Well, let me see. Ah, yes. Yes, here is a perfect rose. Rosy pink is beauty's own cheeks. I'll pick it. What's that? Horrible sound. What is it? How dare you pick my roses? What a hideous beast. How awful. Wasn't it enough that I gave you the freedom of my castle, fed you and sheltered you? Dreaming? I never saw a beast like this. And it talks. Who are you? What is this ghostly place? I'll show you by eating you alive. No, 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 please, please don't kill me. Let me explain why I took this one, Rose. Please, please, let me explain. What is there to explain? Well, it, it was not for myself that I wanted the Rose Beast, but for one of my daughters. One of your daughters? Yes, I I have two pretty daughters, Beast. And when I left home, I, I asked each daughter what she would have me bring back as a gift. Alas, I didn't have the good luck I hoped on my journey, so I can take Ethelinda nothing of what she asked. But Beauty, my younger daughter, asked only for a rose. And when I saw these roses, I thought... Spare a father's life, beast. A father who is only trying to please a loving, unselfish daughter. Very well. I will spare your life on one condition. That you go home and send me one of those daughters in your stead. What? Buy my life with one of theirs? I do not ask you to force either of them to come. Go home. See if either of your daughters is courageous enough and loves you well enough to come willingly and save your life. No. No. How, how could I ask either such a question? How could either agree to come? If neither is willing to come, you yourself must return. And if you don't, I shall come and fetch you. <laughs> So, my daughters, that's the story. Now I must say goodbye and 
Return to the beast. Goodbye. Father, what do you mean? Oh, my daughters, I only pretended to accept that creature's terrible suggestion so I could see you both once more. Now I keep my promise and go back to him. Oh, no, Father. If I don't, he will come after me and kill me here. But this way you walk right into his clutches. Well, if it be death either way, I would rather meet it as an honorable man, keeping my promise to return. But it isn't death either way. If one of us goes with you... But that's impossible. That, that's unthinkable. Oh, yes, it's impossible. How could either of us face that fearsome beast? Don't even suggest it, Beauty. It was the rose I asked for which brought about this misfortune. Father, I'll go back with you to face the beast. No, Beauty, no, no. You, you haven't seen the beast. I'm not going to be afraid. This is better than seeing you go alone. Come, Father. Let us be on our way. Very well, Beauty. Heaven grant that even a... Beast so fearsome as he is will be touched by your goodness and love. Heaven help us both. Although her father protested, Beauty insisted on returning with him to the castle of the beast. Now, nervous but determined, they are entering the castle. It really is very, very splendid, Father. The beast must be very rich and very powerful. Oh, Beauty, I, I, I shouldn't have allowed you to come. I, I should have faced him alone. No, Father. He would surely have killed you then. But I wish... Now we're here, I... I wish he'd come. Everything's so quiet. There's such a strange, unearthly air of mystery everywhere. Yes, yes, it's all just as it was before. The servant, Marleybone, opening the gate. No sign of anyone anywhere. <coughs> I... Father... What's that? Oh, beauty, beauty, my dearest daughter. It's the beast. He's coming. Yes, yes. Oh, heaven protect us, dear daughter. Oh, his eyes. His claws. So, you have kept your word and brought one of your daughters. Yes. Yes, beast, I have. But, sir, be, be gentle with my dear beauty. Silence. Have you come willingly, beauty? I... Yes, Beast, I... I have. Good. One more question. Will you be content to stay here when your father goes away? What, to... to stay? Oh, Beast, you, you can't ask this. No, 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 it, it's too much. Beauty. If that is the price of my father's life, yes, I will stay. No, Beauty, no, no. Please, sir. Brave and good answer, Beauty. I swear you will never regret it. Why, how soft his voice is suddenly. And his eyes, they... They have tears in them. I had almost given up hope. You, sir! It's time for you to go now. Now? Tonight? At, at this late hour? It will not be a long journey as you travel this time. When I turn this ring on my claw, close your eyes. You will then be carried swift as the wind out and over the land and placed safely in your own home. Are you ready? Yes. Goodbye, dearest beauty. Goodbye, father. Close your eyes. I turn the ring so... <laughs> Disappeared with the wind. It's magic. 
magic of no importance. Beauty, will you marry me? What did you say? I asked you to marry me. Yes, me, ugly beast that I am. What shall I say? I'm afraid. Oh, don't be afraid. Say whatever your heart tells you to. Will you marry me, beauty? Oh, no, beast. I, I don't want to hurt your feelings. I'm sorry, but I just couldn't. Very well. It's, it's growing late. Your rooms are through that door. Your maid Clotilde is waiting. Retire now and don't be afraid. No harm will come to you. And everything that can be done to make you happy will be at your command. Good night. Good, good night, beast. It's almost as if he, he were really kind for all his fearsome look. I'm not as frightened as I thought. Beauty. Beauty. Oh. Who, who calls me? I do. But who? Where are you? I, I see nothing but the moonlight. I am in the moonlight. I am in the mists and the wind. I am in the perfume of all flowers, but you cannot see me. Why, it's the voice Father told me about. The same soft voice that spoke to him. What would you have of me? Be not misled by appearances. Do not judge by what you see on the surface. Be true to your heart. Be gentle. Don't be afraid. Do you understand? I... I think so. Here is someone else who wants to speak to you. Where? Here I am, beauty. Oh. Oh, I am dreaming. A handsome prince stands by the window. You are a prince, aren't you? Yes, beauty. A prince that adores you. Oh, my dear, will you meet the test? Will you be able to overcome... Careful. Prince. Overcome what, Prince? Please go on. I would do whatever you wished. Perhaps you will. I want you to. But you must find the way by yourself. Farewell. Oh, he's vanishing. He's gone. He's only a dream. Wait, beauty. Here is a locket. Tomorrow, open it, and you will find a picture of someone who loves you very much. A locket? Oh, thank you. Farewell. Remember all I said. Farewell. Farewell. But the locket. The locket is real. I can feel the cool gold. And the voice said there was a picture inside. I have a gold locket. A locket of gold. A prince gave it to me. Clotilde! Oh, Clotilde! You 
want me, Miss Beauty? Oh, Clotilde, I'm so very lonely. How long is it since I came to this mysterious castle? Over a year, Miss Beauty. Over a year. And in that time, I've seen no one but you and the other servants here. And the beast, the poor ugly beast, my heart aches for him. Yes, Miss, I know. He's so kind to me. I have only to wish for something, and it's mine. But, oh, Clotilde, how can I possibly do what he wishes? Every night, every night for a year, he's asked me to marry him. I know, miss. And I know how impossible it must seem to you. But still, if only in my dreams I see the prince of my heart. But he's only a dream. I wake up even more lonely, more frightened. Oh, Miss Beauty, please don't cry. Clotilde. Tell me one thing. Have you ever seen the prince whose picture is in this locket? Miss Beauty, where did you get that? A voice, that's all I know. A voice gave it to me. Who is he, Clotilde? Oh, I cannot. I dare not tell you. Just like in my dreams. Mystery, always mystery. Mystery and, and pity and loneliness. I hear the master coming. <laughs> Miss Beauty is crying, sir. Oh, come, Beauty. What is the matter? You mustn't cry and spoil your pretty eyes. Oh, please forgive me, but I'm so homesick. I long to see my father and my sister. You would leave a miserable, unhappy beast alone? If only you'd let me go for just a little while. I'd come back and I'd never leave you again. Oh, very well, then. If... You will promise to return to me before the dark of the moon. You may go. Should you be longer than that, you will be too late. Oh, I promise, beast. So be it, then. Close your eyes, and when I turn this ring on my claw, you will be carried up and over the land just as your father went, straight to your home. Oh, thank you, dear beast. Thank you. Until the dark of the moon. Farewell, my dear. Beauty. Beauty. Who... Who calls? I do. Your friend, the voice in the mist and the wind... You promised the beast you'd return. The moon is on the wane. The beast is dying. The beast is dying? Oh, no. I didn't realize I'd been home so long. Oh, the poor beast. Perhaps you may reach him in time. Are you ready? Will you take me to him? Close your eyes. Reach out your hand. Now we will fly with the speed of the wind. <laughs> There's the garden. Oh, hurry, put me down. I must find the beast. Yes, find him before it is too late. Oh, beast. Beast, where are you? Beauty, is it you? Oh, there you are. Oh, no. Oh, my poor beast, you lie stretched out on the ground. Where is everyone? Marlebone. Oh, no. No, he cannot help. Only you. Your hand on my head feels cool. Oh, my dear beast. I didn't realize how much you meant to me until I feared you were dead. Is that true? Oh, it is. 
And I'll never leave you again. Never, as long as I live. Beauty, once more I ask you, will you marry me? And this time, my answer is, yes, Beast. I will marry you whenever you want me to. Yes, you said yes. Beauty, my beloved. The prince of my dreams. Where did you come from? Where is the poor beast? My darling, I am the beast, and the prince too. I don't understand. I was under an enchantment, Beauty dear, condemned to live as that hideous beast until a maiden would appear who would have the courage to marry the ugly beast of her own free will. Then, and only then, could I hope to be set free. And you are the prince who came to me in the night. But whose voice guided you and, and spoke to me and, and gave me this locket? It was my voice, Beauty. I gave you the locket and spoke to you in the night. I am his fairy godmother. Oh, I can see you now. How lovely you are. And you are too, my dear. And now, Beauty, will you make again the promise you made to the beast? Will you say you'll marry me? Oh, yes, dear prince. My beloved. Bless you both. And may you live happily ever after. <laughs> famous old story of Beauty and the Beast. The pretenders for today were Beauty... Sybil Trent. The Beast, Donald Madden. Beauty's father... Michael O'Day. Her sister, Ethelinda... Diana Hale. The Beast's servant, Marlebone. Jack Rimes. The maid, Clotilda. Marion Carr. The fairy godmother... Miriam Wolfe. The sailor... Arthur Anderson. And the real prince... Robert Morea. The original music was composed and conducted by Maurice Brown. Let's Pretend is directed by Gene Height and written for radio by Johanna Johnston. Let's Pretend comes to you from New York City. So remember, all you pretenders who live nearby, you're always invited to come and see a broadcast. Just write for free tickets to CBS Radio, New York City. Family Theater presents Frank Fay. From Hollywood, the Mutual Network, in cooperation with Family Theater Incorporated, brings you the familiar American classic, Rip Van Winkle, starring Frank Fay. happened about 200 years ago in the little Dutch village of Spukendorf, at the foot of the Catskills, those ancient mountains shrouded in mist and mystery. 
On the ragged edge of Spookendorf lived the Van Winkle family. Rip Van Winkle, Dame Van Winkle, and their two children, Judy and Rip Jr. The house was run down, the barn was run down, and the farm was run down. The only thing that would never run down was Dame Winkle's tongue and Rip Van Winkle's rocking chair. Rip, you lazy, good-for-nothing, get up out of that squeaky old rocking chair off the porch. Go out and cut the hay. Now, don't hurry, my dear. I've been thinking about cutting that hay for a long time. I've been studying the best way to do it. Been looking for that scythe two years now. Well, of course you can't find the scythe. You wouldn't have the energy. Too much trouble. No, you just dropped it down on the ground somewhere and let it lie there. I guess I did, yes. The laziest man in the village, they call you. Rip Van Winkle, the town loafer. Oh, why did I ever have to marry you? Because, my dear, I am a charming man. A gentle person. Reserved. Quiet. If you were any quieter, you'd be dead. And if I were, I couldn't hear you scolding me, could I? Uh, some folks fear death. I wonder why. Now go on, get up out of that chair. What makes it squeak so? It's loose in the joints. Well, so are you. Get up now, go and look for that side. Oh, uh, and I was so comfortable here. Here comes your lazy son. He walks just like you do. Young Rip is a good boy. He's too lazy to be anything else. Thank heavens his sister Judith is more like I am. Hey, Big Rip. Nick Farron wants to see you. Don't call your father Big Rip. Well, they call me Little Rip, so he must be Big Rip. What does Nicholas Vetter, the richest man in the village, want with Rip Van Winkle, the laziest man in the village? Well, he wants to give him a job. Did you hear that, Rip? Nick has a job for you. I had a premonition of something like that. This morning, a black cat crossed my path. Well, he wants you to cut some wood. Says, bring your axe. Oh, uh, but I don't know where my axe is. Let me sit down again and think where I last had it. Let me see now. Well, I know where the axe is, Big Rip. In the corner of the woodshed, behind that old wheelbarrow. Ah, uh, little Rip. I hope a black cat walks in front of you someday. Tis a grand morning, Nicholas. Hi there, so it is. I keep this bench out here in front of my inn just for days like this. I can sit here and watch the children play. And watch your customers, too. Yes, yes. I manage to keep an eye on their comings and goings. Just now, there's but one man staying here. Yes, I've seen him. The cadaverous-looking gentleman, dressed all in black. That's the man. Yes. His name is Vilmore Voom. Vilmore Voom. Mm -hmm. Strange name, but it fits him. What does he do? Oh, he's a botanist, and he wants me to guide him up into the mountains to hunt for rare plants. Ho, oh, ho, but not I. I'm afraid of what's up there. Oh, come, come, good Nicholas. Surely you don't believe those silly fireside tales of goblins and spirits in the Catskills? There are caves in the Catskills no man dares venture into. Trees wave their branches with no breath of air to stir them. Rocks start rolling down the slope. Yes, the force of gravity being what it is, rocks do move occasionally. Nothing is immovable, 
Even Rip Van Winkle moves when that wife of his gets after him. Oh, how that woman can talk. <laughs> she has a mate day tongue. <laughs> I sent little Rip home to tell Big Rip I want him to cut down some trees. But do you want to frighten the man? Rip will never cut down any trees. I know he won't. I just gave him that message to get him out of the house. <laughs> it must have worked, because here he comes now. <laughs> oh, Rip, Rip! We saved a place on the bench for you. Yes, Rip. Uh, you got out, I see. Uh, good morning, friend Nicholas. And Derek, it's good to be among friends. Again. Oh, sit down, Rip. Sit down. No, Nicholas, if I must get up again to cut that wood, I'd better just stay up. After all, a man's joints can bend only so many times. <laughs> well, sit down, Rip. Sit down. The wood cutting was just an excuse to get you out of the house. No wood to cut? No wood to cut. And to think I carried this axe all the way here. <laughs> but, Rip, I do have work for you. Something far easier than cutting wood. How would you like to spend a day roaming around up there in the mountains? Up there? Up there. Just climbing around. Let me tell you how you can earn a bit of money. I have a guest here at the inn, a man named Vilmore Boom. I don't I... care if he's... Could you give me that name again? Vilmore Boom. What a beautiful name to shout down a rain barrel. Vilmore Voom. Vilmore Voom. Voom, Voom, Voom. What does he do? Oh, he hunts for strange plants, shrubs, and herbs. He wants somebody to guide him through the Catskills. Voom, Voom, Voom. That is the place to find strange things. But don't ask me to take him there. Oh, oh this is the man coming out now. Good morning, sir. Ah, yes. It is indeed a very good morning. Uh, permit me to share two of my good friends with you. Vilmore Boom, this is Derek Van Brummel, our schoolmaster. A pleasure, Mr. Van Brummel. How do you do, Vilmore Boom? And this is Rip Van Winkle, our Rip Van Winkle. And greetings to you, Mr. Van Winkle. Boom, boom, boom. Uh, Say hello to Mr. I'm happy to meet you, Vilmore Boom. Oh, yes, yes, yes. yes. Uh, Sit down, sit down, Mr. Boom. Uh, Move over, boys. Thank you, sir. Boom, boom, boom. What did you say, Mr. Van Winkle? Boom, boom, boom. Uh, oh, I said my wife should ride a broom, broom, broom. She is a witch. A what? A witch? Uh, well, at least her tongue is. She's a fine woman, you understand. Generous, too. She never gives you one word when a thousand will do just as well. Oh, my dear sir. Then you should be interested in one of my plants that I'm hunting. The mumbleberry. The mumbleberry? Oh, yes. It's a most unusual shrub. Oh, it grows about so high, I'm told. What good is it? It cures people of talking too much. My good friend, tell me more. <laughs> I thought you'd be interested. The leaves are shaped like a star. And the plant, as its name implies, has a berry. Now, the juice of this berry has interesting properties. Mm, if it can slow down my wife's tongue... It has marvelous properties. It might, sir. Now, the pure juice is a very powerful potion. Just two or three drops of the mumbleberry juice in a cup of tea is all that is needed. Two or three drops in a cup of tea. What happens? The person becomes drowsy. Hmm. And loses his voice almost completely for several days. Hmm. What happens after several days? If the person regains his voice. Her voice. Oh, yes, of course. Yes. She regains her voice. But from, from then on, her voice is soft and low. Her disposition is more calm. Oh, she's a sweeter person. And a quieter one. Our friend Vum, what a beautiful picture you paint. 
Does the mumbleberry grow here in the Catskills? I have heard that it does. Would you know it if you found it? Oh, why, of course. I'd start out to look for it this very morning, if I only had a guide. You say it makes her voice soft and low. Soft and low. Vilmore Voom, you have a guide. This is the hardest work I've done in many a moon. Yes, this has been quite a climb. But the scenery is worth it. What a view. Never mind the view, Vilmore Voom. The mumblebee. Oh, uh, yes, but really. The mumblebear. Look at that panorama. <laughs> oh, the silver thread you see winding through yonder valley is the mighty Hudson. Now, in the years to come... Friend... Where is that mumbleberry plant? It's getting late, and I don't want to be caught up here after dark. Oh, what are you afraid of? You stay up here and find out. <laughs> Look. Eh? Look, here's a plant with five-pointed leaves. Let me see, let me see, let me see. No, no, that is the common Virginia creeper. But we'll keep looking. Oh, yes. Uh, oh. Well, oh. there seems to be a cave behind these bushes. A cave? Uh-uh. Let's get out of here. Oh, what's the matter? Calamity Cave is somewhere around here, and I think that's it. No, no, don't, don't, don't go in there. Oh, why not? Because you haven't found the mumbleberry bush yet. After you find a mumbleberry bush, I don't care what happens to you. Oh, look, look. <gasps> look behind you. I'm afraid to look. What is it? The mumbleberry. Oh. Oh. It's right there, you see. Oh, what beautiful berries. I will gather some. Some? Gather all of them. Don't forget the tea. Yes, but you remember, Rip, mumbleberry juice is very potent. No more than three drops in a cup of tea. For my wife, four drops. Rip, I can't believe it. You're making me a cup of tea. Can't a man make a cup of tea for his wife if he wants to? Yes, but this is the first time you've ever wanted to. Why are you being so nice to me all at once? What have you been up to? Nothing, nothing. I chopped some wood for Nicholas Vedder, and he gave me a pound of tea. And uh, so, my dear, I thought of you. Oh. Hmm. All right, I'll get cups and saucers. Uh, just one cup, my dear. I don't care for any. One drop. Two... Three, four, five, six. There now. All right, here's a cup to pour it in. We'd work more often. We could have cups with handles on them. Even when you work, you don't work at it. You fiddled around all day and did so little work, all you got for it was a pound of tea. Ah, uh, but what tea? Just wait. Well, for all this fuss, it'd better be good. It is, my dear. I don't care for tea, so this is all for you. There you are. Well, thanks. Smells pretty good. Ooh, tastes pretty good. See, this is good. Fine, fine. Drink it right down. Don't you want some? What? Uh, oh, no, no, my dear. You drink it all. It'll be good for me. Well, I must say it's excellent. Very excellent. 
Rip, that's the finest tea I ever tasted. More. Uh, do you think you ought to... Uh... Oh, sure. Keep pouring. I'll drink all of it. Well, all right. You might as well get it good. Oh, it does make me feel so good because it loosens my tongue and makes me feel like talking. It does? Oh, yes. Yes, I could just run on and on like this forever. After all these years of loafing around doing nothing, you finally got up enough energy to make yourself useful for a change. I don't believe for a minute that you were chopping wood all afternoon, though. If you had... Let me sleep, will First you, you lost your scythe, and now your axe is gone. Please, dear. I don't believe you were cutting wood at all. Now, Please. listen here, Rip Van Winkle. Now, listen to me. Does Nicholas Bender have some more of that delicious tea? I don't know, and I've been telling you that all night. Well, it's daybreak now. You get up and go and get it. I must have some more. You think you can find the right kind? This time, my dear, I've got to find the right kind. <laughs> Oh, Nicholas. Nicholas Veed. Yes, coming, sir. Oh, it's you, Rip. What do you want at this early hour? Two things. My axe and Vilmore Voom. Your axe you may have, but Vilmore Voom is not here. He's gone? On the stagecoach, half an hour ago. Oh, what a pity. Now I'll have to climb those mountains alone. Why? Wasn't that the mumbleberry? It was not. She talked all night. Worse than that, she liked the tea so well, I've got to bring home more of it. Oh, Eight miles up and eight miles back. Goodbye, Nicholas. Goodbye. Wish me luck. <sighs> oh, the trouble that woman puts me to. I've hunted all day for a mumbleberry bush. I can't even find the bush I found before. Well, it's getting late. I might just... Rip Van Winkle. Now, who could that be? Rip Van Winkle. How does that strange-looking man know me? And what's in that keg he's toting? Are you calling me, sir? Well, of course I'm calling you, Rip Van Winkle. Help me carry this keg. Is it heavy? Of course it's heavy. It's filled to the brim with a special brew we drink this day. Something to drink? Oh, I'll be glad to help you. Yeah, uh, for now. Oh. It is heavy. Where do we carry it? Straight up this gully, about a mile. Oh. Oh. A game of nine pins. Who are these strangely dressed men? Why, uh, the ship's crew, of course. Oh. Of course. Here comes Hendrick, our captain. Be sure you salute him. Ocean Yan reporting, sir. Here's the keg, sir. Ah, that is good. Uh, put the keg down here. Aye, aye, sir. Aye, aye, sir. Uh, uh, I'm glad that's over. Thank you for your help, Rip Van Winkle. Aye, aye, sir. You're welcome, sir. My, that exercise has made me thirsty. Oh, would you like... Yes, uh... I would, since you insist, yes. Jan, the flagons. Aye, aye, sir. Aye, aye, sir. Thank you, Jan. A large flagon, sir, or a small one? Oh, it really doesn't matter. A large flagon will be all right. 
Thank you, Jan. Here you are, sir. Thanks. Your good health, sir. Your good health. That was good. Here, here. Let me help you up. Would you like another? I don't think I can stand another. But I'd like to try one lying down. As I told you, this is an ambrosia, the like of which no mortal has ever tasted. Eh? Here you are again. Thanks. Oh, what is this potion? Mumbleberry juice. Oh, no, no. must have dozed off a bit. I believe I'll have another flag in a... Say, where is everybody? Hey! Hey! I better get up and see. See what... Oh! Oh, my joints. I must have slept here all night. And look at that. Those rascals stole my fine rifle. And this old rusty one left in its place. Oh, what shall I say to Dame Van Winkle? Maybe, maybe I can catch them. Hey, Captain! Hendrik! can have no better president than General Washington. Well, I grant you he's a fine man and a great general, but does that make him a statesman? Mark my words, Jim, you'll see. I... What on earth is coming down the road? Huh? Eh, some old codger with white whiskers and a rifle. Why, half the village seems to be following him. Oh, no wonder. I've never seen such an apparition. Eh, yeah, I find out what he's up to. Eh, just a minute, old fella. Where do you think you're going? I... I don't exactly... No, sir. I... I thought I was going to the village of Spukendorf. But everything looks so strange. Uh, This is Spukendorf. What do you mean by toting a rifle and leading a crowd of people here on election day? I've been hunting squirrels. As near as I can remember. And these people... Just started to follow me. I don't know why. Are you a Federalist or a Democrat? Federalist? Democrat? Sir, I'm just a poor, quiet man. A native of this village. And a loyal subject of the king. Long may he live. A Tory! A spy! A refugee! Arrest the man! Here, here! Throw him into prison! Wait, wait, wait! Please. I'm not a spy. 
I don't know what this is all about. Why does everything seem so different since yesterday? Uh, you were here yesterday? Yes, right over there at the village inn. Why, look, the inn is a different color, and the sign has been changed. Yesterday it was a picture of George the Third. Whose picture is that? George the Washington. I never heard of the man. <laughs> he never heard of George Washington. And this old duffer is a bit touched in the head, methinks. Yeah, come along with us, old fella. Wait, wait. Does anybody here know Rip Van Winkle? The laziest man in the village? Oh, yeah. Oh, to be sure, to be sure. There, there's Rip Van Winkle over there, leaning against that tree. Where? Oh, my goodness. Now, 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 who are you, old fella? I thought I knew. But I'm not myself. That's me yonder. No, no, that's somebody else. Or maybe I'm somebody else. I was myself last night, but I... I fell asleep on the mountain, and they've changed my gun, and everything's changed, and I'm changed too now. Now, I don't know who I am. Well, just be calm, old man. Come along with us. We'll I'm take... I'm trouble here. What's the matter with that poor man? That voice... It sounds like... Young woman, what's your name? Judith. And your father's name? Oh, poor man. Rip Van Winkle was his name. Twenty years ago, he went away from home with his gun. And he's never been heard of since. Twenty years? Where's your mother? She died two years ago, arguing with a peddler. She talked so fast and furious, she broke a blood vessel and died of a stroke. I was afraid that would happen. Don't you know me, daughter? Huh? I'm your father. Young Rip Van Winkle once, old Rip Van Winkle now. Oh, let me look at you. Yes! Yes, you are Rip Van Winkle. Oh, father, why did you run away and desert my mother and my brother Rip over there and me? Where have you been for the last 20 years? Just like your mother. I'm home, all right. Oh, we're coming to the old place now, Father. Judy, did I really sleep 20 years? Yes, Father. Strange things happen in the Catskills, as you well know. The men you saw were the spirits of Henrik Hudson and the crew of the ship, the Half Moon. That's right. That's right. They called him Captain Hendrick. Mm-hmm. And every so often their spirits come back to Earth for one day. They play at nine pins and they drink a strange brew. That they do, daughter. That they do. Well, here we are. This is where we used to live. You can see it for the weeds. It looks worse than it did then. And I didn't think it could. Wonder if my old rocking chair is still in the house. Oh, don't try to get in there, Father. Those weeds are too thick. Mm. One of these days, I'll cut these weeds. Just never got around to it. Come on, Judy. The weeds won't hurt you. Just follow me and I'll... Ah! Oh! Father, what's the matter? No, I'll have to cut them. I just found that scythe.
Here is a little poem that was sent to us this week by a family theater listener. James J. Metcalf wrote it and called it A Father's Prayer. Oh, God, look down upon our home with kind and gentle eyes and pour your blessings great and small upon our family ties. Be good to her, my loving wife, who's so good to me, and help me honor you and her with love and loyalty. Bestow on us the guiding grace we need from day to day to raise our children properly at home and church and play. We trust in you with all our hearts and offer you our prayers, our smiles and tears, our glories and our little daily cares. We thank you, God, for everything beneath the stars and sun and promise we will always strive to help your will be done. And now, we remind you, as we do each week, that a family that prays together stays together. More things are wrought by prayer than this world dreams of. From Hollywood, Family Theater has presented Frank Fay in Rip Van Winkle with Lorene Tuttle, Jeffrey Silver, Ken Christie, Junius Matthews, and Walter Burke. Howard McNear was heard as the father in our closing poem. This adaptation of our American classic was written by Harry Lawrence with music composed and conducted by Harry Zimmerman and was directed for Family Theater by Jaime Del Valle. Our Family Theater broadcasts are made possible by the thousands of you who felt the need for this type of program, by the mutual network which has responded to this need, and by the hundreds of stars of stage, screen, and radio who have so unselfishly given of their time and talent to appear on our Family Theater stage. To them and to you, our humble thanks. This is Gene Baker inviting you to join us next week when your Family Theater will bring you the comic yet serious story of a man seeking an illusion. Saavedra's Don Quixote de la Mancha. Join us, won't you? Theater is heard in Canada through the facilities of the Canadian Broadcasting Corporation and is broadcast to our troops overseas by the Armed Forces Radio Service. This is the world's largest network, the Mutual Broadcasting System. Star Playhouse. NBC presents Helen Hayes, Frederick March, Rex Harrison, Lily Palmer, and many others of the most eminent actors of our time, transcribed in the NBC Star Playhouse. And here is our host, 
John Chapman, drama critic of the New York Daily News, to introduce this week's star and play. Mr. Chapman. Thank you. And holiday greetings to our audience. I hope it is an exceptionally large audience this time, for our play is a dramatization of one of the two most beloved tales in English fiction, Lewis Carroll's Alice in Wonderland. And what would be the other story? James Barry's Peter Pan, of course. Alice's Wonderland is indeed a wonderland, for it is almost the only place in this crazy mixed-up world where the old and the young can meet on common ground and share their pleasures. This is why I hope our audience is large, for here is a fable for people of all ages. Our play is coming to us from Hollywood. If we hurry now, we can join Alice in her pursuit of the white rabbit down that magic hole into a joyous wonderland. Now, Barbara Ruick as Alice in Alice in Wonderland. It started this way. Alice was beginning to get very tired of sitting by her sister on the bank and of having nothing to do. Emily? Emily? Hmm? Emily? Alice, please. I'm reading. Oh, all right. Are you reading one of Father's books? Hmm? Because they don't have any pictures or conversations in them. I don't see how you... Alice, dear, why don't you make a daisy chain? There's lots of beauties on the bank. Oh, it's too hot and stupid this afternoon. (gasps) Tell me a story, Emily. Later. But there's nothing to do now. It's such a sleepy afternoon. get his watch out of his waistcoat pocket. Oh, dear, oh, dear. I shall be too late. The Duchess will be furious. I shall be so late. Oh, dear, oh, dear, oh, dear. <laughs> what a funny little rabbit. And such a beautiful purple waistcoat. Waistcoat? That's odd. I've never seen a rabbit with one before. I shall be so horribly late. Oh, dear, oh, dear, oh, dear, oh, dear. There he goes down a rabbit hole. Wait for me, rabbit. Hmm. Seems big enough to go down. I think I'll lean over and see. <gasps> oh! 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 Falling downstairs. How brave they'll think me at home. I wonder if I shall fall right through the earth. How funny it'll seem to come out among the people that walk with their heads downwards. I had it in geography. The uh, antipathies, I think. No, no, that doesn't sound right. But I shall have to ask them the name of the country. Please, ma'am, is this New Zealand? 
How wait it's getting. The Duchess will be furious. Oh, dear, oh, dear, oh, dear, oh, dear. Oh, he's gone. Well, I don't know how he did it. There doesn't seem to be any way out of here. Let's see, he went down this side. Oh, here's a door. But it's locked. It's so tiny, I shall never fit through. There must be a key somewhere. Here it is on this glass table. Let's see now. Oh. What a lovely garden. Oh, if I could only get through the door. Oh, I wish I could shut up like a telescope. I think I could if I only knew the way to begin. Well, I might as well shut the door. It's no use. I suppose I should put the key back where I found it. Now, that's odd. This bottle wasn't here before. Drink me. Drink you? Well, that's all very well, but maybe you're poisoned. No, it isn't marked. All right, then. Mmm. It's all kind of flavored. It's good. What a curious feeling. I must be shutting up like a telescope. Oh, I do hope it stops. I might go out altogether like a candle. Goodness, I'm glad it stopped. I should hate to be like a candle flame after you've blown it out. But I'm small enough now to get through the door into the garden. I'll be able to see... Oh, I've left the key on top of the table. I can't possibly reach it. Oh, I shall never get out. Oh, come, there's no use crying. Alice, I, I advise you to leave off this minute. But it's no use to pretend to be two people now and give myself advice. There's hardly enough left of me to make one respectable person. Oh, dear, I did want to get into the garden. Eat me! What? Oh, there's a cake under the table. I didn't see it before. Eat me! All right, I might as well. If it makes me larger, I can reach the key. And if the other way, I can creep under the door. Mm. Mm, it's good. Now, which way? Which way? Curiouser. I'm growing again. Oh, oh, I'm growing too much. I'm opening up like the largest telescope there ever was. Here go my feet. Goodbye. Oh, oh, my head. Well, at least I've stopped growing. I must be nine feet tall. But I still can't get into the garden. Oh, dear, how vexing. Oh, you ought to be in shame. Great girl like you, crying. Stop it. Oh, there's the rabbit. 
understand. Oh, the Duchess, the Duchess. Won't she be savage if I've kept her waiting? Oh, dear, oh, dear, oh, dear. Excuse me, Mr. Rabbit. Oh, I wonder good if... heavens, a giant. This is too much. Oh, I wish he wouldn't run away so. He's dropped his fan and gloves. Everything is so queer today. I feel so different. But if I'm not the same, who in the world am I? I'm sure I'm not Ada. Her hair goes in ringlets. Mine doesn't. Besides, she's she, and I'm I. I'll try if I know the things I used to know. I'll, I'll try and say, How doth the little... Uh, <clears throat> how doth the little crocodile improve his shining tail and pour the waters of the Nile on every golden scale? How cheerfully he seems to grin, how neatly spreads his claws and welcomes little fishes in with gently smiling Charles. Oh, I'm sure those aren't the right words. I'm not me at all. What? I've put my hand in the rabbit's glove. I've grown small again. Oh, and I can go through the door into the garden. Oh, no, I've left the key on top of the table. Now things are worse than they were. The Duchess, the Duchess, oh, my dear paws, my fur and whiskers... She'll get me executed as sure as forwards are forwards. Oh, here's the white rabbit back. Why, Mary Ann, what are you doing here? Oh, I'm not Mary Ann. I'm Alice. Nonsense. You must be Mary Ann. One home this moment and fetch me a pair of gloves and a fan. Quick now, for I must be off. Remember, pair of gloves and a fan. Well, he took me for his housemaid. But I'd better get his gloves. He'll be furious. I shall have to hurry before the real Mary Ann catches me. Fancy running errands for a white rabbit. I suppose Dinah will be sending me on messages next for having me watching households. Now, the gloves must be in here somewhere. Oh, here they are on the chest. And the fan. Drink me. Oh, another of those bottles. Drink me. Well, I might as well. I know something interesting is sure to happen. I hope it'll make me grow large again. I'm tired of being such a tiny thing. Well, here I go. I think maybe I'm growing too fast. I hope it stops soon. I shan't be able to get out the door. I better kneel so I fit. Maybe if I put one arm out the window. There. Now I can get my foot up the chimney. Now what will become of me? There. Thank goodness I've stopped growing. Oh, it was much pleasanter at home when one wasn't always growing larger and smaller and being ordered about by rabbits. When I grow up, I'll... But I'm grown up now. At least there's no more room to grow up here. Mary Ann, let me in at once. Fetch my glove. Let me in. The white rabbit won't get in with me filling the room. Very well, then I'll go out and get in by the window. I, I don't know why I'm trembling. I must be at least a thousand times larger than the rabbit. There he is outside the window. I'll just grab. Ah! Oh, heavens. He must have fallen into a cucumber frame. And where are you? Where is that gardener? Turn on here, digger for apples, Your Honor. Well, come help me out of this. There. Now, what's that in the window? Turn on it's an arm, Your Honor. Nonsense. Fills the whole window. Whoever saw an arm that big? It's an arm, nevertheless. Listen, Pat, I'll tell you what we'll do. We'll just... Oh, dear. They must both be trying to get in the window. I'll just have to grab again. Ah! Oh, 
What a number of cucumber frames there must be. I wonder what they'll do next. Oh, I wish they could pull me out the window. I'm sure I don't want to stay here any longer. Oh, so Bill's coming down the chimney, is he? Well, I think I can pull my foot down a little. There he is. Now I'll kick. There goes Bill. Catch him. Well, we'll have to burn the house down. You do, and I'll sit down at you. <laughs> Scared him. I wonder what next. They had any sense, they'd take the roof off. All right, now. A barrel pull will do. Going through the window. One, two, three. Oh, now they're throwing pebbles at me. You stop or I'll get Dinah. That's odd. The pebbles are turning into cakes. If I eat one, it's sure to make some change in my size. And it can't possibly make me larger. Well, which way? Oh, I'm getting little again. At least I can get my arm out of the window. I'm getting tired with my foot up the chimney. I'm three inches high again. If I can find the little door, I'll be able to get into the lovely garden. The best thing would be to find someone who knows the way. There doesn't seem to be anything here but a mushroom. And I can't even see over it. Maybe if I stand on tiptoe, I'll find something on top. There. Hmm. It isn't polite to stare. Oh, a caterpillar smoking a water pipe. Who are you? I, I hardly know, sir, at present. I've changed several times today. Explain yourself. I, I can't explain myself, I'm afraid, sir, because I'm not myself, you see. I don't see. Being so many different sizes is very confusing. Not a bit. Well, it feels queer to me. You? Who are you? Oh, dear. That's where we started. You see, I can't remember things. Can't remember what things? Poetry, mostly. I try to say it, but it comes out all wrong. Repeat. You are old, Father William. Well, I'll try. <clears throat> you are old, Father William, the young man said, and your hair has become very white. And yet you incessantly stand on your head. Do you think at your age it is right? In my youth, Father William replied to his son, I feared it might injure the brain. But now that I'm perfectly sure I have none, why, I do it again and again. You are old, said the youth, one would hardly suppose. That your eye was as steady as ever. Yet you balanced an eel on the end of your nose. What made you so awfully clever? I have answered two questions and that's enough. Said his father, don't give yourself airs. Do you think I can listen all day to such stuff? Be off or I'll kick you downstairs. That's not said right. Not quite, I'm afraid. Some of the words have got altered. It's wrong from beginning to end. <sighs> well, what size do you want to be? I should like to be a little larger. 
three inches is such a wretched height to be. It is an excellent height to be. I am just three inches high. Oh, dear. Oh, don't go. Oh, I wish the creatures wouldn't be so easily offended. Huh. He's gone and left his water pipe. Well, I'm still not in the garden. I wish I could find my way. I shall have to ask at that house. Oh, there's someone knocking now. I'll have to wait. I, I beg your pardon. Do you think the people who live here might There's know... no use in knocking anymore for two reasons. First, I'm on the same side of the door as you. Second, they're making too much noise inside to hear you. Oh, please, then, how am I to get in? Well, there might be some sense in your knocking if we had the door between us. Uh, but For I... instance, now, if you were on the inside, you might knock and I could let you out, you know. How am I to get in? Oh, I shall sit here until tomorrow. <laughs> to get in. Are you to get in at all? That's the first question, you know. Oh, it's really dreadful the way people here argue. Oh, I shall sit here on and off for days and days. But what am I to do? Anything you like. <laughs> There's no use talking to him. He's perfectly idiotic. I'll just open the door and walk in. I'm the Duchess, little girl. Who are you? Well, oh, never mind, never mind. Time's money, I always say. Cook! Yes, Mum. More pepper. Oh, no, not more pepper. The baby's sneezing and howling already, poor little thing. Oh, please, watch what you're doing. You almost took the baby's nose off. If everybody minded their business, the world would go round a deal faster than it does. Which would not be an advantage. I learned all about it at school. You see, the Earth takes 24 hours to turn round on its axis. Talking of axes! Chop off my head! It takes 24 hours, I think. Or is it 12? Oh, no, 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 don't bother me. I never could abide figures. <coughs> Here. You may hold him a bit, if you like. Oh, well, don't throw it! Uh, oh. There, now, baby. It's all right. Well, I must go and get ready to play croquet with the Queen. Cook, mind the soup kettle. Yes, ma'am. Oh, look out! You hit the baby! Well, if I can take this trial, they're sure to kill it in a day or two. Come on, baby, let's get out of here before they kill us both. There now, baby. Oh, wouldn't it be murder to leave you behind in there? Oh, don't grunt. It's not at all the proper way of expressing yourself. You know, baby, that turned-up nose of yours looks much more like a snout than a real nose. Your eyes are extremely small for a baby. Well, if you're going to turn into a pig, my dear, I'll have nothing more to do with you. There's no mistaking it now. You are turning into a pig. Here, I'll set you down. Well, it would have made a dreadfully ugly child. But it makes rather a handsome pig, I think. Now, I wonder which way I ought to go from here. Who said that? Here, up in the tree on the bough. Oh, Cheshire Cat from the Duchesses. Cheshire Puss. Yeah. 
Would you tell me, please, what sort of people live around here? Over that way lives a hatter, and in the other way lives a match hare. With it either you like. They're both mad. Oh, but I don't want to go among mad people. Oh, you can't help that. We are all mad here. Do you play croquet with a queen today? I should like to, but I haven't been invited yet. You'll see me there. Well, goodbye. Meow. Well, he's vanished. He certainly goes quickly. I suppose it's because he's a Cheshire cat. Now there's nothing left but the grin. Well, I've often seen a cat without a grin, but a grin without a cat. <laughs> it's the most curious thing I ever saw in my life. The March Hare it is, then. And that must be his house. The chimney shaped like ears. And the roof thatched with fur. Oh, it's nearly tea time. I wonder if I can get any of the March Hares. Well, raving mad or not, here I go. Although, I almost wish I'd gone to see the Mad Hatter instead. <laughs> In a moment, Act Two of Alice in Wonderland on the NBC Star Playhouse. Our program will continue after a 30-second pause for station identification. We continue with Act Two of the NBC Star Playhouse production of Alice in Wonderland with Barbara Ruick as Alice. There was a table set out under a tree in front of the house, and the March Hare and the Hatter were having tea at it. Dormouse was sitting between them fast asleep, and the two were resting their elbows on it. Very uncomfortable for the Dormouse, thought Alice. Only it's asleep, so I suppose it doesn't mind. No No room, no room. Go away, little girl, go away. Don't be silly, there's plenty of room. I'll sit at the armchair at the end of the table. Now, you must be the Hatter. That is correct. He is the March Hare. Dormouse is asleep. I am not. Have some wine? Well, there's nothing but tea. I don't see any wine. Oh, there isn't any. Hmm. Then it wasn't very civil of you to offer it. Well, it wasn't very civil of you to sit down without being asked. Well, the table's set for more than three. I didn't think you'd mind. Your hair wants cutting. You should learn not to make personal remarks, Mr. Hatter. It's very rude. Why is a raven like a writing desk? Oh, riddles. Now we'll have some fun. I think I can guess that. Do you mean you think you can find the answer to it? Exactly so. Then you should say what you mean. Well, I do. At least, I mean what I say. That's the same thing, you know. Not a bit. Why, you might just as well say that I see what I eat is the same as I eat what I see. You might just as well say that I like what I get is the same as I get what I like. You might just as well say that I breathe when I sleep is the same as I sleep when I breathe. It is the same for you, Dormouse. Let's see now. The riddle. Raven and a writing desk. What day of the month is it? Uh, oh, the fourth, I think. There, I thought so. Look at my watch. <laughs> Two days wrong. I told you butter wouldn't suit the works. It was the best butter, Patter. Some crumbs must have gotten in as well. You shouldn't have put it in with a bread knife. Uh, try dipping it in the tea. It was the best butter. 
Oh, Dormouse is asleep again. Pour some tea in his nose. Of course, of course. Just what I was going to remark myself. Uh, have you guessed the riddle yet? No, no, I give it up. Why is a raven like a writing desk? I haven't the slightest idea. It, nor I. <laughs> well, well, I think you might do something better with your time than waste it in asking riddles that have no answers. Well, if you knew time as well as I do, you wouldn't talk about wasting it. It's him. Well, I don't know what you mean. Of course you don't. I dare say you've never even spoken to time. No, but I have to beat time when I learn music. That accounts for it. He won't stand beating. Now, if you kept on good terms with time, he would do almost anything for you. For example, if it is nine o'clock, time for lessons, a whisper to time, and it's half past one, time for dinner. Oh, I wish it was. Is that the way you manage? Oh, dear, no. We quarreled last March, time and I, just before the hair went mad, you know. It was at the great concert given by the Queen of Hearts. I had to sing, Twinkle, Twinkle, Little Bat. You know the song? Oh, I've heard something like it. It goes on, you know. Twinkle, twinkle, little bat How I wonder what you're at Up above the world you fly Like a tea tray in the sky Twinkle, 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 twinkle Twinkle, twinkle, twinkle Well, stop him, stop him, dip him in the tea Pinch his nose There, he stopped Well I'd hardly finished the first verse when the queen bawled out, He's murdering the time off of his head! Oh, how dreadfully savage. Never since that time I'll do a thing I asked. It's always six o'clock now. Is that the reason so many tea things are put out here? Yes, that's it. It's always tea time, and we've no time to wash the things between whiles. Then you keep moving around the table, I suppose. Exactly so, as the things get used up. But what happens when you come to the beginning again? Ooh, ooh, ooh. Let's change the subject, Hatter. I, I vote the young lady tells us a story. Oh, I'm afraid I don't know one. Oh, well, then the Dormouse shall. Wake up, Dormouse. Dormouse, wake up. Come on, now, yes, quick, up, 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 come on. <laughs> I wasn't asleep. I heard every word you fellas were saying. Uh, tell us a story. Yes, yes, please do. And be quick or you'll be asleep again. <laughs> Once upon a time, there were three little sisters, and their names were Elsie, Lacey, mm. and Tilly, and they lived at the bottom of a well. What did they live on? Treacle. Oh, they couldn't have. They'd have been ill. So they were very ill. But why did they live at the bottom of the well? Take some more tea. I've had nothing yet, so I can't take more, Mr. Hale. You mean you can't take less? It is very easy to take more than nothing. <laughs> Nobody asked your opinion. Who's making personal remarks now? Uh, well, we're forgetting the story. Why did they live at the bottom of the well? It was a treacle well. But there can't be it. If you can't be civil, you better finish the story yourself. Oh, no, please go on. I won't interrupt you again. Well, these three little sisters were learning to draw. What did they draw? Treacle. I want a clean cup. Let's all move one place on. But the March Hare spilled milk jug in his plate, and I've got to move to his place. Get on with the story, Dormouse. Yes. Where did they draw the treacle from? You can draw water out of a water well, so I should think you could draw treacle out of a treacle well, <laughs> eh, stupid? But they were in the well. Of course they were. Well in. <laughs> they were learning to draw, and they drew all manner of things. 
Everything that begins with an M. Why with an M? Why not? Oh, now the Dormouse is asleep again. Oh, come on, now. Up again. Up, up, wake up. That begins with an M. Such as mousetraps and the moon and memory and muchness. Muchness? Muchness. You know, you say things are much of a muchness. Did you ever see such a thing as a drawing of a muchness? Really, now you ask me, I don't Then you shouldn't talk. Well, that's too much. That's the rudest thing. Well, I certainly shan't stay. Goodbye. Oh, Dormouse is asleep again. Wake him up again. Pinch him. Put him in the teapot. Come on, now. Wake up, wake up. Dormouse. Well, I shall never go there again. It's the stupidest tea party I ever was at in all my life. This is very curious. There's a door in the tree trunk. But everything's curious today. I think I may as well go in at once. Oh, it's the glass hall again. And the door to the lovely garden is open and I can get through. Oh, here I go at last. White roses. But that's odd. Those gardeners are painting them red. Why? They're really playing cards. Look out now, five. Don't go splashing paint over me. You joggled my arm, too. That's right. Lay the blame on others. You'd better not talk. I heard the queen say yesterday that you deserve to be beheaded for bringing the cooked tulip roots instead of onions. Well, of all the onions. Uh, I beg your pardon. Could you tell me why you're painting these roses? Well, miss... You see, this ought to have been a red rose tree. And we put a white one in by mistake. And if the queen was to find out, we should both have our heads cut off. So you see, miss, we're doing our best to fix it. Oh, my! The queen! The queen! The king and queen of hearts. Well, who is this? What's your name, child? My name is Alice, so please, Your Majesty. And who are these creatures on the ground? How should I know? It's no business of mine. What? Off with her head. Off with her head. Nonsense. What? Nonsense. Consider, my dear. She's only a child. No matter where you two on the ground, what have you been doing? Never mind. Off with their heads. Uh, Can you play croquet, child? Yes, Your Majesty. Uh, Come along, then, Your Majesty. Uh, uh, Yes, of course. Uh, On to the croquet grounds. Hello. Oh, it's the white rabbit. It's a very fine day. Oh, yes, very. Where's the Duchess? She's under sentence of execution. What for? Did you say what a pity? No, I didn't. I don't think it's at all a pity. I said what for? She boxed the Queen's ears. (laughs) The Queen will hear you. Get to your places. Let the croquet game begin. What an odd croquet match. Hedgehogs for balls and flamingos for mallets. And what a din. Oh, it's the Cheshire Cat. 
Now I shall have somebody to talk to. How are you getting on? Well, I don't think they play it all fairly. They all quarrel so, and there doesn't seem to be any rules. How do you like the queen? Not at all. She's so extremely... Oh, hello, Your Majesty. Who are you talking to? A, a friend of mine, Your Majesty. A Cheshire cat. Allow me to introduce it. Cat, this is the King and Queen of Hearts. Mm. I don't like the look of it at all. However, it may kiss my hand if it likes. I'd rather not. Oh, don't be impertinent. Don't look at me like that. A cat may look at a king. I read that in some book. But I don't remember where. Well, the cat must be removed. Oh, my dear, would you... Uh, yes? I wish you would have this cat removed. Off with his head. Did it go? Yes, of course. But consider, my dear, the cat is vanished up to the neck. We can't cut off a head without a body to cut it off from. Ridiculous. Anything that has a head can be beheaded. Uh, no more nonsense. And if something isn't done soon, I'll have everybody executed all around. Oh, well, the cat belongs to the Duchess. You might ask her. She's in prison. Fetch her here. Immediately, Your Majesty. Well, I can't stay here all day, you know. You can't leave. You're to be executed. I'm sorry. Well, goodbye, meow. Stop him. Stop him. Where's he going? Up with his head. <laughs> How glad I am to see you, dear. Oh, where's the Duchess? I thought you were in prison. I was, but I got away when they went after the cat. You know, you were so savage when I met you at the kitchen before. I wonder if it's always pepper that makes people hot-tempered and vinegar that makes them sour. Oh, you're thinking about something, dear, and that makes you forget to talk properly. Now, I, I can't tell you what the bottle of that is, but, but I shall remember it after a while. Perhaps it hasn't one. Oh! Tut, child, everything's got a moral if you can only find it. And the moral of that is, tis love that makes the world go round. Mm, you said before that it's done by everyone minding their own business. <laughs> well, well, it means much the same thing. And the moral of that is, take care of the cents and the pounds will take care of themselves. Is there always a moral? I dare say you're wondering why I don't put my arm round your waist. The reason is, I'm afraid. Well, I don't bite, you know. Oh, very true. Dogs and mustard both bite. And the moral of that is, birds of a feather flock together. Only mustard isn't an animal. Oh, right as usual. What a clear way you have of putting things. It's a mineral, I think. Oh, of course it is. There's a large mustard mine near here. And the moral of that is, the more there is of mine, the less there is of yours. Oh, I know. It's a vegetable. Oh, I quite agree with you. And the moral of that is, be what you would seem to be. <laughs> oh, and that's nothing to what I could say if I chose. Oh, pray don't trouble yourself. Oh, dear, it's no trouble. Is it? uh, oh, how do you do, Your Majesty? What are you doing here? <laughs> Fine day, Your Majesty. I give you fair warning, Duchess. Either you or your head must be and that in about half no time. Take your choice. Well, well of course. Well, goodbye. Well, now, have you seen the mock turtle yet? No. I don't even know what a mock turtle is. It's the thing mock turtle soup is made from. I've never seen one. Come along, then, and he shall tell you his history. <laughs> Thank you.
Alice, this is a griffon. Oh, how do you do? <coughs> a lazy thing. You ought to take this young lady to see the mock turtle. Oh, oh very well. Oh, good. I must go back and see after some executions I've ordered. <laughs> <laughs> oh, what fun. What? Well, why the queen? It's all a fancy, that. They never execute nobody, you know. <laughs> Come on. Oh, dear. I was never so ordered about in my life. Hi there, Mock Turtle. Hey, Mock Turtle, this here young lady, she wants for to know your history, she does. Very well. One... I was a real turtle. <laughs> uh, oh. Well? When we were little, we went to school in the sea. The master was an old turtle. We used to call him Tortoise. Why did you call him Tortoise if he was a turtle? We called him Tortoise because he taught us. Oh. Oh, really? You're very dull. Now, <coughs> hold your tongue. <laughs> We had the best of education. In fact, we went to school every day. I've been to day school, too. With extras? Well, yes. We had uh, our French and music. Oh. And washing? Certainly not. Then it wasn't really a good school. At our school, they had it at the end of the bill. French, music, and washing extra. Uh, but I only took the regular course. What was that? Reading and writing, of course, to begin with. And then the different branches of arithmetic. Ambition, distraction, uglification, and derision. What else had you to learn? Well, there was mystery, ancient and modern. Then drawling. Drawling? The drawling master was an old conger eel. He taught us drawling, stretching, a, a fainting and coiling. What was that like? I can't show you myself. I'm too stiff. And the griffin never learned. Edden time! And, and how many hours a day did you do lessons? Ten hours the first day, nine the next, and so on. What a curious plan. That's the reason for call lessons. They lesson from day to day. Oh, then the eleventh day must have been a holiday. Enough about lessons. Then there's something about games. Oh. Oh. <laughs> oh, there, there. <laughs> Perhaps you've never been introduced to a lobster. Well, I, I once tasted it. I mean, uh, no, no. Then you have no idea what a delightful thing a lobster quadrille is. Oh, what sort of dance is it? Why, first you form a line along the seashore. Two lines. Seals, turtles. Salmon, and so on. Then, when you've cleared all the jellyfish out of the way, you advance twice. Each with a lobster is a partner. Advance twice. Set to partner. Change lobsters and retire in same order. Then, you know, you throw the... Lobsters? As far out to sea as you can. Swim after them? Turn a somersault in the sea. Change lobsters again? Back to land. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> All the first figure. <laughs> well, it must be a very pretty dance. Come, 
Let's try the first figure. We'll both sing. Very well, then. One, two... Will you walk a little faster, said a whiting to a snail. There's a porpoise close behind us, and he's treading on my tail. Will you, won't you, will you, won't you, will you, won't you join the dance? Will you, won't you, will you, won't you, won't you, will you join the dance? No notion how delightful it will be When they take us up and throw us With the lobsters out to sea Will you, won't you, will you, won't you, will you, won't you join the dance? Will you, won't you, will you, won't you, won't you, will you join the dance? If I'd been the whiting, I'd have told the porpoise to stand back Oh, no! They were obliged to have them with him no wise fish would go anywhere with that one. Of course not. Why, if a fish came to me and said he was going on a journey, I'd ask, with what purpose? Don't you mean purpose? He means what he says. Well, now, shall I dance somewhere or shall the mock turtle sing you a song? Oh, a song, please, if the mock turtle would be so kind. <coughs> well. Well, <laughs> there's no accounting for taste. What? Sing a turtle soup, old man. Beautiful soup, so rich, so green, waiting in a heart to read. Who for such dainties would not stoop? Soup of the evening, beautiful soup. Soup of the evening, beautiful soup. The trial's beginning. Come on, come what? on. What trial? Never mind, come on. Beautiful soup, who cares for fish? over a judge's wig. Shush! You'll be suppressed. First witness, the man Hatter. Oh, here, here, here. Coming, coming. Uh, I beg your pardon, Your Majesty. I hadn't quite finished my tea. When did you begin? Uh, 14th of March, I think. Or 15th. Or perhaps 16th. Write that down. Well? It adds up to £9.7 and six, Your Majesty. Good. Did you witness take off your hat? Oh, but, sir, it isn't mine. Ha! Stolen! I keep them to sell. Give your evidence or I'll have you executed on the spot. Quit shoving, little girl. I can't help it. I'm beginning to grow again. Well, you shouldn't grow in here. 
It's too crowded. Harold, bring me the list of singers in the last concert. Give your evidence, Harold. I am a poor man, Your Majesty, and what with the bread and butter getting so thin and the twinkling of the tea... The twinkling of what? It began with tea. Uh, of course, twinkling begins with tea. Go on. I am a poor man, and most things twinkled after that. And the March Hare says... I did not. You did. I deny it. You deny it. Leave out that part. <clears throat> it was tea time, Your Majesty, and the Dormouse said... The Dormouse said... He can't deny it. He's a sweep. I'm a poor man, Your Majesty. You're a I... very poor speaker. Yes, 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 yes. Go. And take off his head outside. Next witness, the Duchess's cook. Uh, give you all evidence. Shat. Oh, well, I suppose I've got to cross-examine you. Uh, what are tarts made of? Pepper, mostly. Rico. A collar that dormouse. Turn the dormouse out of court. Pinch him up with his whiskers. The cook has disappeared, Your Majesty. Never mind. Call the next witness. Next witness. Howard. Here. Careful there. If you don't stop growing, you'll upset the jewelry box. Oh, I'm terribly sorry. Now then, what do you know about this business? Nothing, whatever. Number one. Consider your verdict. No, no, sentence first, verdict afterwards. Stuff and nonsense. The idea of having the sentence first. Hold your tongue. I won't. Off with a head, off with a head, off with a head. Off with a head, off with a head, off with a head. Who cares for any of you? Nothing but a little pack of cards. driving them home now. You have been dreaming, Alice. I suppose so. It was so curious. Well, come on now, Emily. We'll be late for tea. And that's the story the Reverend Mr. Dodson told his little guests on the banks of the Thames. The good doctor wrote out his little story for the real Alice as a Christmas gift and signed it with a pseudonym. 
and all that's left today of the reverend mathematician of Oxford are the stories Alice in Wonderland by Lewis Carroll. listening to the NBC Star Playhouse production of Alice in Wonderland, starring Barbara Ruick. At this time, the National Broadcasting Company is honored to welcome Arthur J. Connell, National Commander of the American Legion, who is here in our New York studios with Sylvester L. Weaver, President of the National Broadcasting Company. Commander Connell. As the year 1953 comes to a close, it is my pleasure to present to you, Mr. Weaver, as president of the National Broadcasting Company, the American Legion Television and Radio Awards for your many programs, civic, patriotic, and entertaining in nature, which you have presented to the American public during the course of the past year. Outstanding in television were The Lion of Duty, a hallmark story adaptation from the pages of the American Legion magazine, and... Back to God, the interdenominational religious program presented from NBC's Center Theater last February the 3rd. Radio, we certainly commend the series entitled Last Man Out, a pro-American production exposing the communist menace throughout the world. And for significant network cooperation on the following Legion programs and special events, the annual Legion Birthday Observance, your excellent coverage of our national convention, the traditional post-convention homecoming ceremony, Yuletide greetings to hospitalized veterans, and new glory for all glory. The Legion's continuing program, encouraging year-round flag display, the observance of proper flag etiquette. For these and many other fine programs, Mr. Weaver, the American Legion salutes you, from the National Broadcasting Company. Thank you, Commander Connell. As part of our responsibility for acquainting the American public with important events in the world in which we all live, we of NBC have been happy to give coverage during the year to the various activities of the American Legion. We have been pleased not only to cooperate with the American Legion in telling its story to the public, as at the time of its national convention, but pleased, too, to present many programs which reflect the principles of Americanism which the American Legion so staunchly supports. In acknowledging these awards, I am glad you have recognized specific programs on NBC's television and radio schedules, programs in both the commercial and the sustaining categories. I should like now to say a word in appreciation of the American Legion and its auxiliary for their constant and devoted remembrance of and attention to the disabled veterans of our country, to their dependents, and to the widows and orphans of the men who served in our armed forces. Such devotion the year round cannot help but be an inspiration and a challenge to all Americans. Thank you, Mr. Weaver and Commander Connell. Now our host, John Chapman, returns with a word about next week's production. And so our trip to a marvelous land of fancy has ended. It has been a joyous one. And our thanks to the Star Playhouse Hollywood Company for its happy support 
and to Ernest Canoy for his adaptation of an immortal fantasy. Next week, our program will again come from Hollywood, and it will give us a fine start for the new year. The play will be a radio version of Ring Lardner's great story, Champion. And we have a champion actor for the title role, James Cagney. This is Chapman, closing with season's greetings to all from the Star Playhouse. Alice in Wonderland was adapted for radio by Ernest Kinoy. In our cast today, Emily was Don Bender, the rabbit Arthur Q. Bryan, the bottle Roy Whaley, the cake Jack Carroll, Pat Dick Ryan, the caterpillar Earl Keane, the footman Jack Nestle, the duchess Maya Gregory, the cook Margaret Brayton, the cat Fritz Feld, the March Hare Parley Bear, the Mad Hatter Jack Crucian, Dormouse Don Messick, two William Euler, five Tony Michaels, the queen Ida Reese Marin, the king Jerome Sheldon, Griffin Tom McKee, Turtle Jim Nusser, and our singers Max Smith and Thurl Ravenscroft. Original music for our play was composed by Henry Russell and conducted by Robert Armbruster. NBC Star Playhouse, partly transcribed, is a production of the NBC Radio Network in association with Gale and Adams. Supervised by William Welch and directed by Andrew C. Love. Your announcers, Fred Collins and John Wall. This is the NBC Radio Network. American Family Cereal presents Let's Pretend. Hello, Pretenders! Hello, Well, it's a story about King Arthur today. So, Gwen, whose turn is to say how we travel to Let's Pretend? Oh, Bill Lipton hasn't said for a long time. Well, if we're going back more than a thousand years to the days of King Arthur, we'll have to travel fast. I choose a jet plane. Oh. Oh, a jet plane it is, Bill. Okay, one, two, three. And there we are. Into the cabin, everybody. Fasten your safety harness and oxygen mask at the ready. Let's go. Once upon a time, a thousand years ago and more, England had a wonderful king named Arthur. His story begins when his father, King Uther Pendragon, whose first wife was dead, fell in love with the queen of a nearby kingdom. But there was one difficulty after another, and finally Uther Pendragon had to get help from his court magician, Merlin. You will help me, Merlin. Come, travel with me at once. I may have need of all your magic arts. I will, my lord king, on one condition. A condition? I am Uther Pendragon, king of England. I am unaccustomed to conditions. True. And I am Merlin, wisest of wizards, advisor, protector, and seer of the future. Without me, how do you think you would have fared against the Celts? Without me... Your pardon, Merlin. I... I forgot myself. You have a condition for helping me. What is it? When, with my help... 
You have won this queen and are happily married. You will have at last a son. A son? A son to take over the throne when I am gone? Merlin, is it true? It will be so, my lord. And I ask that as soon as he is born, you deliver this boy child to me. To rear as I see fit. Deliver him to you? But, Merlin, for years I've dreamed of a son. There will be many who wish harm to a new heir to the throne. Your daughter, Morgan Le Fay, whom I myself taught magic, knows dangerous enchantments. Morgan Le Fay? But the babe would be her own half-brother. Guy, but would that stop Morgan Le Fay? Do not let her beauty or your father's heart blind you to Morgan's schemes and hopes, Luther. She would be the next ruler of England. But she must know that cannot be. England must have a strong warrior king. Then give me the son who will be born. I... Very well, Merlin. It is a promise. Now can we ride at once? And so it happened, as Merlin foretold. Uther Pendragon was married, and a boy child was born. And the king, true to his promise, bound the child in cloth of gold and bade one of the court ladies take the child in secrecy to the postern gate at night. Someone will be waiting, but where? Oh, shh. Hush now. Poor lamb. It's a strange way to treat a little friend. All right, my lady. What? You may give the child to me now. You look like no more than a beggar. I am the one who is to receive him. Your mercy, madam. And hand him to me. Well, oh, here, be careful. Quiet now, young Arthur, quiet. What? What did you call him? I called him by his name. But he has no name yet. He has not been christened. He will be soon christened Arthur. And now you will forget this whole matter. Good night, my lady. And so it was that Merlin carried the baby prince off into the night. Rode with him over hill, over dale, till at last he halted by a castle gate and rang the great bell that hung above it. When he heard someone coming, he laid the baby by the gate and rode away. And that was how young Arthur came to be raised by a good knight named Sir Ector along with Sir Ector's only son, a lad named Sir Kay. And so the years passed, and no one knew Arthur's kingly heritage but the magician Merlin. And then came a day when Uther Pendragon lay sick unto death in his castle at Camelot. All the lords and ladies of the court were sorrowing. But in a small room, the king's daughter, Morgan Le Fay, talked with a knight named Sir Accalon. Soon, soon now it will start. As soon as my father dies, a dozen nobles will claim the throne. The throne and crown that should be mine. Aye, why should it not belong to Uther's own daughter, Morgan Le Fay? Hear me now, Sir Accalon. I vow one day I shall be queen. Oh, my lady, you think it possible? You think Pledge you're... it with me, Sir Accalon. Pledge your fighting strength to me, and I promise, when I am queen, you shall be the most powerful knight in the realm. Long since I pledged myself your knight, Morgan Le Fay. Well, then. Who knocks? It is I, Merlin. Merlin, peace. There's nothing to fear from him. 
Come in. My lady. Oh, and Sir Acalon. I bid you to the king's chamber at once. He names his heir. Huh? Names his heir, does he? Aye. And it will be well for you to hear it from the king's own lips, Morgan Le Fay. Come. Lords and ladies all, the king is sinking fast. Pray for his soul. My lord archbishop, has he spoken yet? Has he named his heir? He thinks no longer of earthly things, Merlin. Stand back, fall to your knees. Your pardon, your grace, but he must speak. Uther. Uther Pendragon. Merlin. Old friend, Merlin. Name him now, the next ruler of England. Your son, Arthur. What does Merlin say to my father? The next ruler of England. My son, Arthur. My lords, ladies, enough. Your king, Uther Pendragon, lives no more. May God receive his soul. Aye, God receive his soul. And we will deal with this talk of Arthur later. Merlin. Thanks be to heaven you've come at last. I came as soon as your message reached me, Lord Archbishop. How may I serve you? Tell me, was it some witchcraft of yours when the king spoke of a son named Arthur? It was no witchcraft, your grace, but the simple truth. Uther Pendragon's son is a full-grown lad of sixteen now. Strong, brave, and handsome. And a fit heir to the crown. Where is he, then? Why does he not come forward and end the outcries and tumult? Half the nobles of England claim the throne, and Morgan Le Fay schemes day and night. Your grace, the country is indeed in a tumult, such a tumult, that even should I bring forward the lad, how many would take my word that he is Uther's son? Aye, aye, you are right, Merlin. How would anything, short of a sign from heaven, convince the quarreling nobles that one lad above all others should be their king? Your grace, there will be a sign from heaven. What? What are you saying, wizard? Long ago, I saw it in the crystal that foreshadows the future, your grace. There will be a sign from heaven to convince all. Arthur is our king. Saints' mercy! What was that? Your grace, your grace, look out in the churchyard. Look what has suddenly appeared. Why, a great stone stands there, and on it, an anvil. And thrust into the anvil. A sword. And look, your grace. There is writing. Come. Come, Merlin. Let us see at once what it says. Yes, yes. But this is the sign. I'm sure of it. The naked sword stands upright by its point in the anvil and... Merlin. See what it says in letters of gold. Whoso pulleth out this sword from this anvil... Is rightwise king born of England. And so, as the news of the sword and the anvil passed among the people, knights came from far and near to try to pull it forth. Now I shall say it. Enough, you cannot stir it. My turn. King of England, forsooth. 
Why does it not read Queen? Well, Sir Acalon, would you be king and have me for your queen? Then do you essay the sword. For you, Morgan Le Fay, I can but try. Try once more. I... Failed me, Acalon. Yet I will not be defeated. I shall be queen. Now did shouting and confusion rise again when it seemed no one could move the sword. So finally Merlin suggested a great tournament to take everyone's mind from their quarreling for a while. Word of the tournament went out across the country, and among those who came riding to Camelot were Sir Ector, his son Sir Kay, and his foster son, Arthur. <laughs> You're right eagerly, Arthur. You look forward to your first tournament? Oh, I do indeed, Father. Methinks nothing could be more splendid than to be a brave knight, valiant in tournament, riding forth on adventure. No reason why you should not achieve your ambition, Arthur, and ride forth on adventure all your life. Now, by all that's evil. Why, Kay, what's amiss? Look, Father. Only look at the sword that I brought in my haste. The old blunted one with no edge at all. Oh, how can I enter the tournament with this? Oh, that is indeed bad fortune, my son. I can hardly lend you mine. What can be done? Arthur, good brother, you would not mind, would you? Riding home to the castle and fetching me my good sword. All the way back to the castle, Kay. Ride swiftly and you can return before the tournament's more than started. Please, brother Arthur. All right, Kay, of course. Round you go, Blaze. That's right. I'll try not to be too long, Kay. Uh, my thanks to you, Arthur. We will meet at the tournament, son. It's not that I begrudge the errand. But if there were only someplace nearer where I could find a sword for Kay. Wait. What is that? Ho, Blaze, ho! Out there in the churchyard. That sword thrust into the stone. All those who got it have gone to the tournament. Well, I can at least try. Brother Kay! Kay, here I am! Ah, it's Arthur! Indeed, he's come swiftly. Oh, Blaze! Oh! Here, Kay, a sword. Not your own, I grant you, but perhaps it will serve you as well. Oh, my thanks to you, Arthur. I. A sword. I've seen this sword. My father! Oh, father! Ah, Kay, you have your sword now. Behold! I have the sword from the stone. But, but let me see. It is indeed the sword from the stone. And Arthur brought it to me, Father. Arthur? Why, it is true, Father. I thought myself on the way home how much simpler to take that sword if I could. And on trying it, it came out easily in my hand. It came out easily in your hand? Then you... You! No, wait. We shall assemble all the court and ride back to the anvil in the churchyard and set the sword in it again. Then... If you can draw it forth in the sight of all, you, Arthur, whom I have raised as son, shall be henceforth my own liege lord and king. Lords, lords and ladies, attend me, attend me now. The sword is firmly in the anvil again. 
Now shall Arthur, foster son of Sir Ector, essay to remove it. Go forth, Arthur. Yes, step forward now. Grasp the handle. He draws it forth with ease. Wherefore he is, as the anvil says, king, born of England, Arthur, son of Uther Pendragon. It is God's will. Long live the king. Is King Arthur now, and all kneel before him. Oh, it cannot be born. You spoke, Morgan Le Fay? Huh? Aye, I spoke, Sir Accolon. Methinks fair words would better serve my purpose for a while than hard ones. Wherefore, Arthur, Morgan Le Fay would do homage on bended knees. Accept now my loyalty, Arthur, born my brother. And my king. As the wizard Merlin foretold, Arthur, son of Uther Pendragon, has become king of England. And all have come to love him. All save one. But in vain does the wise old Merlin try to warn Arthur against his half-sister, the enchantress. Morgan Le Fay. Nay, Merlin, this one time you are wrong. Morgan Le Fay does not hate me. Why, time and again she has shown her sister the affection. It is a trick, sire, to lull your suspicions. Then when you fear nothing, she will strike. I tell you, sire, she wants the crown. Merlin, how can you read such evil into one so beautiful and clever? Because I know her. Because I myself taught her magic. Well, now come. Let us speak no more of her. There is something I would show you in the great hall, Merlin. Will you come? Of a certainty, sire. And then there is somewhere I would have you go with me. If you will not heed me, you need other protection. Yes, yes, but now look, Merlin, look into the great hall. What? Why, all that's holy. The huge round table that neither fills the hall. Ringed around with seats. How many, my lord? There are 150 seats around the round table, Merlin. 150. And what sort of gathering do you plan, sire, to provide such a table and so many seats? Merlin, all I have ever asked of life was to be a knight, riding out an adventure. It was God's will that I should become king instead. So here I shall gather all the bravest, boldest knights of the world. Is it not a good plan? It is a wondrous plan indeed, my lord. Now look, in letters of gold on every seat will be the name of the knight whose chair it is. You see, here is Sir Lancelot's seat. He who rides forth with me tomorrow to bring back the fair Guinevere. You, you plan to leave so soon to fetch the Lady Guinevere? Merlin, since first I saw her at the Feast of Pentecost, I have dreamed of making her my bride. Why should I not go soon? No reason, my lord. Not if you will come with me at once on that errand of which I spoke. Come, let us saddle our horses. I will tell you what. This is what I would speak to you of, sire. Ever since you left the sword you drew from the stone of the church as a symbol of your reign, it has concerned me that you have no unfailing sword by your side. Ah, here we are by the lake. Let us draw rein, sire. Oh, oh. What is our errand here, Merlin? It's a lovely lake, surely. Wait. I... I speak for Arthur, son of Uther, king of England. Who speaks for the lake? <laughs> 
By all the saints, look. Out in the center of the lake, a great arm has risen from the water. Holding? Holding a sword. Aye, but now look closer to the shore. See who rises from the water there and walks towards us. A fair damsel all in white. I am the lady of the lake. And the fair sword yonder is yours, Arthur. If you promise me one favor in exchange. One favor? Only name it, my lady. In my own time, I shall name it. Only beware of any who may come falsely in my name demanding it. That I will. Then row forth now on that barge yonder. And take your sword, Excalibur. So long as it is in your hands, no one can prevail against you. And so Arthur received the great sword Excalibur. And when Morgan Le Fay saw it that evening at the castle, a sudden plan was born in her heart. She called Sir Accalon to her secretly and prevailed upon him to do as she bid him. And so shortly... Oh, come, sire. Delay your journey to get Guinevere by a day only. And we shall have such a hunt as comes only rarely. Did you say it was a pure white deer you saw in the forest, Akalan? Well, truly, that is a wondrous sight. And it will be a wondrous hunt as well. I'll come questing after him with me tomorrow, sire. And with Excalibur in your hand, the white deer may be your prize. Well, I... All right. Tomorrow, the quest of the white deer. <laughs> And so, as Morgan Le Fay had told him to do, Sir Accalon lured King Arthur into the forest. Deeper and deeper they went, and there was no sight of the deer. But suddenly, they found themselves near a remote lake, and beside the lake was a bright canvas pavilion. Hello there. Hola. This pavilion seems utterly deserted, Accalon. Ah, it does indeed, sire. Oh, no. Easy, boy. But look, there's food on the table there, and wine. Are you as hungry as I, Akalon? Oh, surely no knight would begrudge his king a supper from his table. Well, come, let us dismount then, Akalon. And take advantage of this miracle. And so King Arthur and Sir Akalon ate and drank. And almost at once they both fell into a heavy slumber. For the food and drink had been enchanted by Morgan Le Fay, who had gone on before them by her magic. And so soon as they lay there asleep, she appeared again and took Arthur's sword, Excalibur, and buckled it on Sir Accalon. And to Arthur, she gave a false copy of Excalibur. And anon, Arthur awoke, and he was alone. But where... Where is Accolon? Where has he betaken himself? Truly, I, I feel a curious numbness. And there is a weird sense of mystery over all this place. Well, come, I must mount and ride hence and find Akala. No, Arthur. Go not yet. Great heavens, rising from the lake, that figure. You promised me one boon, Arthur, in exchange for the sword Excalibur. I promised the lady of the lake. But are you she? You look like her, but your voice... Doubt me not, Arthur. Or would you refuse the favor you promised? No, no, not that. Of course I would. Then hear me. This bright pavilion by which you have rested belongs to an evil knight who wishes me harm. Fight him for me, Arthur, when he rides from the forest. That is all I ask. That food and drink were drugged. 
If I could be sure you were the Lady of the Lake. You would forswear your promise. No, I tell you, I would not. Look! He comes even now. Quickly, sire. Your helmet on your head. Yes, yes, that's right. I hear. Here he leaps on his horse. He charges towards you, sword held high. Very well, if he demands a fight. That's you, knight on guard. <laughs> a brave officer. One knight. What is amiss with this sword? It's kind of a witness your teenage, your substitute. <laughs> he is wounded. There is evil magic at work. This is not Excalibur. And you, Sir Knight, whoever you are, you have my sword. Look out, I come at you barehanded. Mercy! Mercy! Excalibur! Now I have you in my hand. Prepare to die, you traitorous knight who would turn my own sword against me. Lift up your helmet and let me see your face. Akalon. Yes, sire. Sire, please kill me. Akalon. It was you who fought me? Yes, sire, with your own sword. Given me by Morgan Le Fay. Fool! Betray me now. Morgan Le Fay. It is Morgan Le Fay who's behind all this evil business. This damsel who calls herself the Lady of the Lake. Where is she? She's vanished. Aye, when she saw you had your own sword back again, she vanished by her accursed magic. Ah, truly, sire, Morgan Le Fay has had me bewitched for years. That I could charge against my liege lord and king. Morgan Le Fay. Well, then Merlin was right. It does wish me evil. Sire, you're wounded, and you said not. Wounded by my hand. It is but a scratch, not serious. No, Arthur. A blessing, rather. Merlin! Wounded by Excalibur. It is your sword truly now, sire. Merlin, how came you here? Surely I, who taught that evil enchantress her magic, can appear and vanish as easily as she. And now I am heartily glad she has done her worst. And open your eyes at last, my lord. Oh, my own half-sister, Merlin, the knowledge is more bitter than the wound. Would that you would kill me, sire, for giving it to and you. if I kill you, what does that wipe out Morgan Le Fay's hatred? Is it right any wrong? No, I will not kill you, Akala. Sire, hear me now. There is evil in the world, as well as good. To be a great king, you must know this. You must learn to face evil and punish it. As you will punish Morgan Le Fay. And then, you must turn your face to the sun again. Turn it to the sun? Aye. Turn your face to Camelot now, my lord. Think of the round table you have established there. And the knights who will ride forth in your name. To right wrong everywhere. Aye. The round table. And tomorrow I ride forth for Guinevere. Yes, my lord. For your most splendid days still lie ahead. Well, what Merlin said was true, you know King Arthur's greatest days did still lie ahead And from his round table, dozens of knights rode forth on dozens of wonderful adventures Sometime, we'll tell you of their deeds Sir Launcelot, Sir Galahad, and the rest But in today's story of King Arthur and how he won his sword The pretenders were... 
Uther Pendragon. Bill Lipton. Merlin. Michael O'Day. Arthur. Bob Reddick. Morgan Le Fay. Miriam Wolfe. Acalon. Jack Rhymes. The Archbishop. Roger Sullivan. Director. Arthur Anderson. Sir Kay. James Lee. The Lady of the Lake. Sybil Trent. And the Lady in Waiting. Gwen Davies. The original music was composed and conducted by Maurice Brown. Let's Pretend is directed by Gene Height. And today's story was written especially for this program by Johanna Johnson. And remember, Let's Pretend comes to you from New York City. So if you live nearby, do come to see a broadcast some Saturday. Just write for free tickets to CBS Radio, New York City. This is Bill Adams saying, remember to eat cream of wheat, the great American family cereal. This is CBS, the Columbia Broadcasting System. maker of finest textile products, through the cooperation of America's great retail stores, presents a radio series of finest plays starring Miss Helen Hayes. And here is Miss Hayes. Thank you. I'm really excited about the play we're doing tonight because it's a wonderful adaptation of probably the best-known story in the world, Cinderella. And we're happy to have Alfred Drake to play and sing the part of the handsome prince. After the program, there will be a special announcement about a series of $500 scholarship prizes for young people. It will be well worth your while to listen to it. Textron performs every step in creating radiant finished fashions for you and your home. Textron products are made to a music that begins with a whirl of spindles. Magic man-made fibers are spun on whirling spools till the Textron yarn is feather-light and giant-strong. Woven to the music of harp-like looms, the Textron patterns rise like melodies, and the Textron dyes are chords of color, warp of shadow, weft of sun, glimmering, shimmering miles of loveliness. Click go the cutters, hum go the stitchers, with parachute precision and a flowing undertone. Till the Textron products gleam in finished perfection. Draperies, bedspreads, shower curtains, hostess coats, lingerie, menswear. Myriads of fashions. And wherever it appears, the Textron label is a symbol of strength and beauty blended like music. Every step of the way from the raw fiber to the finished Textron masterpiece. And here is Cinderella starring Helen Hayes with Alfred Drake as the prince. Once upon a time in a land far, far away, there lived a poor little drudge. Her name was Cinderella. Cinderella, you lazy girl. Go fetch the mirror that we may see our beauty. Yes, stepmother. Cinderella, fetch my cape. Yes, Grimalda. Cinderella, fetch my comb. Yes, Maggette. Cinderella, your sisters are waiting. That stupid child, we'll be late for the ball. Cinderella, come down this instant. I'm Hold coming. up the mirror, Cinderella. I'm coming. Hold up the mirror that your sisters can see how they look. Yes, stepmother, but it's so heavy. Do what you're told. 
Higher. Higher. I'm trying. Oh, my hair. This curl won't stay in place. Of course it will. Oh, let me see. Let me have a look in the mirror, too. My arms, my arms hurt. I can't hold the mirror. Lift it higher. Oh. Higher. Oh. Higher, brat. Oh. There. Now let me look. Oh, my lips. So pale. Never mind. One second, Mother. I've forgotten to powder. One moment, Mother. I've neglected to paint. Girls, girls, come at once. We must be off to the ball. Hi-ho, time to go. We're off to the Prince's Ball. We'll dine and dance and find romance in a brightly gilded hall. We're dressed in fashion a la mode. We're models of propriety. At half past eight, we'll circulate in the very best society. We'd have you know it goes to show our obvious gentility. We're far above the high polloi who never know the lovely joy of mingling with nobility. You must agree I'm beautiful to see I'm sure the prince will soon evince a preference for me My dear Grimaldo, I'll admit your bearing's rather regal But if I may, I'd like to say you have the beak of an eagle My dear baguette, it's plain as day Although your nose is red say so delicate and small Your face was right on curving in Until, alas, you have no chin to speak about at all My dear Grimaldo, I'll confess you have a queenly torso But I must measure overweight to this only morsel my dear Maguette, I do not mind admitting you're the puny kind that dancers call a pony. But if the naked truth be said, you look as though you're underfed. You're positively bony. There's no more time for this debate because the hour is getting late. Hi, ho, time to go. We're off to the prince's ball. We'll dine and dance and find romance in a brightly gilded hall. We're dressed in fashion, all on mold, we're models of propriety. At half past eight, we'll circulate in the very best society. We'd have you know it goes to show our obvious gentility. We are distinctly upper crust, and so we're off in a cloud of dust to mingle with nobility. We must be off. Hold up the mirror, Cinderella. I must have one last look. Higher. Hold it higher, girl. Higher. I must see my lips. Please, my arms are so tired. I can't. I can't. Hold it up. Hold it higher. I can't. I can't. Oh, oh. Oh, the mirror. She did it on purpose. Oh, you devil. Seven years of bad luck, wretched girl. I'll teach you. Oh, no. Stepmother, don't, don't. Mother. Sister, hurry. We'll be late. Yes. Come, Mother. We'll tend to her when we come home. Yes, we'll tend to you, Cinderella, when we get home from the ball. Oh, why did I have to be a stepchild? Why can't I go to the ball and wear a beautiful gown? What if I went and met the handsome prince and let him look into my eyes? Would he know what was in my heart? Would he clasp me in his arms and whirl me off on the ballroom floor? Oh, funny old yellow broom, you be my prince. See, I hold you so, and the music starts, and off we dance. Did you have to trip me? No. No use, no use pretending, no use dreaming. I'm just a little drudge doomed to watch by the fire. Alone and despairing, I sit by the fire and contemplate unhappy me. The patches I'm wearing upon my attire are not very lovely to see. The darns in my stocking are utterly shocking and hardly a subject for glee. From sweeping the ashes, my cheek has a smudge that only gets worse with rubbing. <laughs> <laughs> 
It labels me just what I am, a drudge Whose duties are sweeping and scrubbing I sigh, oh hum Life is so humdrum Oh me, if I could only sleep Then perchance I would dream I'll put my head down and close my eyes What's that? Oh, I must have been dreaming. I heard the most beautiful music. No, my child, you were not dreaming. You really did hear beautiful music. It is played for me wherever I go. Played by the four winds on a harp brought by the little fairies from an island across the sea. Oh, you're so beautiful, so beautiful. How could I be dreaming when I don't remember falling asleep? Get up, Cinderella, and let me present you to my court. Your court? I see no one else. No, they are invisible, but they are here. Are you not here? Ah, yes, we are here. No mortal I can see us, but we're always lurking near. Your ever loyal court, we hasten to report. Each one of us a fervent, not to mention willing servant. To execute your wishes is a very special part. Oh, this is the most wonderful thing that ever happened. Who are you? I am your fairy godmother, and it's high time I came along. We can't have a lovely little girl like yourself staying home alone by the fire. It will not do. It will not do at all. It will not do at all. At all it will not do. In fact, we are indignant that fortune so malignant is persecuting you. But I, I don't wish to be rude, but I didn't know I had a fairy godmother. One never knows about things like that, my dear. We fairies are funny people. But enough of this chatter. We have things to do, you and I. But, but I can't think of a thing we can do. I can't even serve you supper. Oh, tush, child. We don't eat, save for a drop of honey from a flower at Eastertide. Now, let me see. If you're to go to the ball, you've got to go in style. To the ball? The ball. We're certain one and all. A maiden so entrancing should undoubtedly be dancing at the ball. Of course you're going. How else can the prince fall in love with you if he doesn't see you? Oh, but I couldn't go to the ball. Oh, yes, you can, and you are. When I get finished with you, you'll be the belle of the ball. Now, let's begin at the beginning. What are you going to ride in? Ah, of course, that pumpkin on the window ledge. But I couldn't ride in that. I'd rather stay home. Watch. No. First, open the door and roll the pumpkin into the street. Roll it up, roll it up, oh, ho. Roll it up, roll it up, to the street we go. There, now watch as I touch yon sad squash with my wand. Abracadabra, abracadabra, hold your hat, here we go. A coach, a gilded coach. A coach, a coach. A coach beyond reproach In every last particular A masterpiece vehicular <laughs> Not bad, eh? Now for horses to pull the coach Those six mice in the mousetrap The very things Bring them over uh, No, pardon me I forgot how you mortal women feel about mice I'll go to them I touch them so Mumbo jumbo jingle jay Mumbo jumbo take it away Beautiful horses. Six beautiful horses, each a beautiful steed. We have it on authority by ten to one majority. They're highly pedigreed. Now we need a coachman, of course. 
Do you have a nice pet rat around the house? Oh, yes. My sisters keep him for a pet. They would. Fetch him over. That's it. I touch him and lo... Hocus pocus, rigmarole. Now you don't see him, now you do. A coachman! A coachman, a coachman. Now what do you think of that? Despite his handsome livery, he sort of makes a shivery to think he was begat. A rat! Why, he looks like Grimaldus Bow. Well, he'll have to do just the same. Now those six fine little lizards sleeping near the heart. Bingo, jingo, hey, diddle, there's the answer to your riddle. And we have six fine footmen in livery. Now you are equipped in style. Well, what's the matter, Cinderella? Aren't you glad? Oh, yes, oh, yes, but... I look so funny sitting in that grand coach in these rags. Rags? Do you say, girl? Nonsense. Stand still and let me touch you. Hickory dickory dickory dap. There you are, a lovely frock. Oh, what's happened? You're as beautiful as a fairy queen. And I can't tell because I broke the mirror. A looking glass you need? I'll summon the mirror surface of the fairy lake and you'll see yourself as beautiful as you are. Pull your beeswax, barley breast. Now you have a looking glass. There, child, look your fill. Oh, oh, is it really me? It is. Why, I am beautiful. Yes, from the tips of your glass slippers to the pearls in your hair. Glass slippers? Why, they are fit for a princess. Well, I like that. You don't think I did all this to make you into a swineherd, do you? Oh, no, but... If he asks me who I am, what shall I say to the prince? Ah, my child, when he sees you, you won't have to say a word. He'll do all the talking. Now, into your coach and off to the ball. Uh, But wait. Yes, yes, fairy godmother. There's only one thing I must insist on. You must be back here by the fire before the clock finishes the stroke of twelve. If you are not, the horses will turn back into mice, the footman to lizards, the coachman to a rat, the coach to a pumpkin, and you will return to your rags. Understand? Oh, yes, I understand. Before the clock finishes, the stroke of twelve. Hi-ho, time to go. She's off to the prince's ball. She'll dine and dance and find romance in a brightly gilded hall. She's dressed in fashion a la mode, a model of propriety. In a coach and six, she's off to mix in very best society. Society, society, in very best society. Society, society. Royal Highness, you're not dancing. No, Prime Minister, I am not. But surely, Highness, surely, since you ordered this ball yourself, you ought to uh, to, to circulate. The ambassador from Oz is here, and the Duchess of Dell. She's the sister of the powerful King of Ordinia. There are affairs of state to be discharged, Highness, in whispers behind the royal palms. Prime Minister, you are nothing but a roll of ancient parchment in endless need of a signature. You weary me. <laughs> the Prime Minister is a prune, young Highness. A dried old prune. The Privy Councillor presumes too much. Stop badgering the young prince, sir. Gentlemen, please. Your Highness. Sire. Tell me, Privy Councillor, you are known as a man among women... Are there any here worthy of my choice? Any of these damsels whose sparkling eyes promise more than a selfish passion to sacrifice themselves for favor in my court? Ah. Uh, Yes, uh, Privy Councillor, a fair question. You keep out of this, Prime Minister. The only thing you know about women is that they run at your approach, hide when they hear your voice. I have asked you a question, Privy Councillor. So you have, Royal Highness, so you have. Well, now let me see... Ah, there's many a delightful baggage here. Many a shape, many a fair head. 
And if those heady glances were bent my way, sire, it would make me dizzy planning to take advantage of them all. No, no, I have no desire for dalliance. I am lonely. I seek the princess of my dreams to share my throne. Ah, dreams. What have dreams to do with running a state? Let him be. It is good to chase a woman, if only in a dream. The Herald. A new arrival and a late one. Could only be a person of royal blood. Perhaps the princess of Rondé. That ugly magpie, heaven save us. Her Royal Highness... Ah, I knew it. Her Royal Highness, the princess of... The princess. Your Royal Highness, I bid you welcome to our humble hall. Royal Highness, I have not words to thank you. Thank me? By my shield, it is I who need to give thanks. To ransack the kingdom for gifts for you. To order a week of feasting throughout the land. To order my keeper of the vaults to distribute a hundred bags of gold to the beggars. To... to kiss your dear hand in thanksgiving. Oh, my prince. Will you dance with me? Oh, yes, my prince. With you and no one else. Music! And let there be beautiful music. My heart is beating like the drum of the god. And mine roaring in my ears like the sound of the sea heard in a shell. How could this be? Only a true miracle could have brought you to me. It was a miracle indeed. You must never leave me. You must swear it. Oh, I... I cannot. Oh, you must. I... I have come to you so many times, dear prince, so many times in my dreams. But I have never come to you like this. I would not care if you came in rags. In rags? I would not care if you came as the lowliest drudge in my kingdom. It is you I love, my dear. You and none other. I swear it on the sainted memory of my mother, the queen. Now you must swear to me. But, my darling, I... I cannot, I cannot... You refuse? Oh, upon my honor, I am a doltish fellow. It is I who must come to you, and I shall. Though a moat wider than the sea lie between... Though twenty dragons breathing fire guard your tower. Though I am but a drudge who must huddle by the fire. Though you are the lowliest pauper in the kingdom. That you swear? That I swear. Oh, my prince, sweet prince. Surely we dream. This is the gossamer stuff of which rainbows are woven. This is the land that lies in the white clouds above the spring. This is the magical kingdom of dreams. This is the land of the heart where one is allowed to hold close the love never realized. Hush. Hush, my fairy princess. Let me kiss each eyelid and you will wake and see this wonderful dream come true shining in my eyes. I see. I see and I believe and my heart is bursting with the pain of happiness. Oh! The first stroke of midnight... Good night, dear prince. Good night. No, my princess, you cannot go. You must not. Highness, your royal highness, an affair of state. Confound you, prime minister. I can't be interrupted. Tradition, your highness, is midnight. The royal toast to the kingdom. Yes, but she is... Very well, have your way. Prime minister, the goblet, quickly. The toast, highness, the toast. To the people, to the charter, to the commons, the clergy, and the nobility, to the kingdom, may God guide and save us all. Amen. Amen. Hour has struck. I must be home before the clock finishes. At striker, I will wander this palace in rags. Oh, to have given me a glimpse of paradise and then to have snatched it away. There it is, the coach. Coachman, quickly, whip the horses. 
pipes scream in the castle and the music is gay? Does he watch from the high window? Does his heart lie crushed within him like my poor heart? The clouds and the mists close in, but I can feel his arms still strong around me. I can feel the pulse of his lips against my eyelids. Oh, I love him, I love him. I love him. <laughs> Uh, she's lost us. Yeah, the girl runs like a deer. She's gone. Gone. And all I have is this little glass slipper which she lost in her flight. Oh, well, maybe it's all for the best. Fate, perhaps. Destiny that is notably on the side of kings. All for the best. No, no, I will not accept it. She is real. I held her in my arms. Tis no dream. And I... But where shall I seek? Where did you come from? Where did you go? There are so many things I'd like to know. Just like a dream that fades with the dawn. Suddenly you came to me, and you were gone. Your tiny slipper is all I possess. All that reminds me of your loveliness. Adorable, so adorable, with the sheerest of dearest of charms. Adorable, it's deplorable, you're not here snuggling near in my arms. The smiles that crinkle your pert little nose, the laughter a twinkle that your eyes disclose are adorable, so adorable. Day by day, more and more, you will find I adore you, adorable, so the lad has for the maid. Yeah, it brings back my youth. It's a rare and malignant disease that unsettles the mind and destroys the conscience. It's bad enough in peasants, but fatal in a prince. I must find her. Yes, you must, or you'll eat like a bird and fall away to skin and bones like the prime minister. Heaven forbid. Then summon the herald and proclaim my royal command throughout the kingdom. Give him this glass slipper and summon forth all the women of the realm until he finds the tiny foot that fits this slipper. Then let her be brought back in the royal coach, accompanied by a troop of knights, before and behind. But, but, but that is a ceremony for royalty, sire. It is. For when she is found, she will be my princess. Feet hurt. I don't know why they should. Nobody asked you to dance. Look at Cinderella, talking to herself in the middle of the room. Oh, not a thing done. The glass not swept from the floor. Lazy, evil, good for nothing. No, no, stepmother. Don't strike me again. Don't you... Don't you dare. What's that? Oh, you dare answer my mother back. Such impudence. I'll show her. Oh, oh, don't. <laughs> what is that? Here, it's the Princess Harold. Oh, it's something terribly important must be happening. Open the door, Cinderella, quickly. We must know what this means. Oh, stepmother, it can have nothing to do with us. Open the door. Here, ye women of the realm. 
It is commanded that you women present yourselves at once, and the girl whose foot fits this tiny glass slipper shall be taken forthwith to the palace of the prince, where riches and happiness await her forever and a day. I have spoken. Quickly, you fools. The girl whose foot fits that slipper will be the princess. Get your shoes off at once. You have heard the proclamation. Present your feet with it. Yes, sir. Oh, what a tiny, tiny little slipper. Oh, you need not worry, Dame. Your feet match your face. I can see at a glance that none of you need bother. I will try on the slipper. Oh, that you're right. Heaven help me. Do so. I will. What with that great flat foot away? I'll put you under arrest. I am small. My foot will fit it. Well, hold it forth. Zounds, you're as bad as your sister. That foot will never fit. Yes, it will. It will. A little more pressure. Stop. Would you break the glass slipper, wench? Oh, I think it fits. Stand up and push down. Enough. You've got a foot like a man. Hold. Yonder girl by the fire. Mm, a pretty one, by my word. Uh, you, lass. Me, sir? Uh, you. What's your name? My name is Cinderella. Oh, it is, eh? Well, try this on for size. But, sir, I... Now, do as you're told. The prince commands it. Very well, sir. I will try. Here, I'll hold the slipper. Now, you slip in your toe, and if it fits, it fits. Please, stepmother, I wouldn't dare do this if he hadn't commanded. Don't worry. If he wants to waste your time, it's all right with us. Now, poise your toe, girl, and place it in the slipper. By the kingdom, it fits. Oh, bring the coach. Summon the knights. The lost princess has been found. Her royal highness, I, I beg your pardon, her highness... It's, it's Cinderella. Ah, a ragged little beggar. Gad, could she be the glittering princess of yesteryear? It is she. Cinderella, it's you at last. I have no words, no clothes to hide my shame, Royal Highness. I find it not even in my heart to beg your mercy. My darling, I would come to you, though the moat between us be wider than the sea. Though twenty dragons breathing fire guard your tower. Though I am but a drudge who must huddle by the fire. Though you are the lowliest pauper in the kingdom. That you swear? That I swear. Oh, my prince, my prince. This is the gossamer scuff of which dreams are woven. This is the land that lies in the white clouds above the spring. This is the magical kingdom of dreams. This is the land of the heart where one is allowed to hold close to love never realized. But we shall live forever in that world. You and I, my princess Cinderella. You and I, dear prince. Day by day more and more you will find I So they lived happy ever after. You have just heard Helen Hayes and Alfred Drake in Cinderella. The music was composed and conducted by Vladimir Zelensky. Miss Hayes has an announcement of great importance to parents and to young people, one that may make a Cinderella success story out of your life. Miss Hayes. 
The textile world of tomorrow offers a brilliant and profitable future to the young people of America. And here is the opportunity of a lifetime for you to qualify yourself for an executive position in this great field. For the first time in the history of America's oldest and second largest industry, the New England Textile Foundation is offering a minimum of 20 scholarships of $500 each at famous New England textile schools starting with 1946 fall term. Scholarship winners may choose among many fascinating fields in textile study, design, chemistry, marketing, or production, including new techniques in synthetic fibers. You boys and girls are eligible to compete for these valuable scholarships if you are a resident of one of the 48 states or United States territories. 25 years of age or under, and either a graduate of high school or prep school, or a senior who will graduate this coming June. For an application blank and a circular giving full details about these scholarships, write to the New England Textile Foundation, Providence, Rhode Island. Requests for application blanks must be postmarked no later than March 1st, 1946. That address, which may transform your life into a success story, is the New England Textile Foundation, Providence, Rhode Island. Textron is happy to participate in this unusual undertaking because of its great faith in the textile future of New England and in the young people of this country. Next week, Helen Hayes will present the exciting melodrama, Kind Lady, and appearing with her will be the Broadway actor-producer, Jose Ferrer. Meanwhile, be sure to watch your newspapers for advertisements of Textron products being featured by stores in your community. Always look for the Textron label, your assurance of strength and beauty blended like music, every step of the way from the raw fiber to the finished Textron masterpiece. This is Frank Gallup. Saturday night on CBS is the biggest show in town, so be sure to stay tuned for the first nighter, which follows immediately over most of these stations. This is CBS, the Columbia Broadcasting System. KNX, Columbia Square, Los Angeles.